Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast hosted by Grand Theft World po- uh, grandtheftworld.com. I was so busy trying to figure out what the date is. It's December 26, 2021. We have a long show card lined up for tonight. Here's a couple of highlights that we're going to cover things like uh, Brett and Heather and new revelations on the mask mandate. And then we're going to shift gears to uh, the Wuhan crew and the Fauci flu and Jimmy Dore's perspective on some of these issues. And then uh, in the intermission, we got an explanation of tonight's title. title. The, uh, the title is How the World Saturns. You're going to learn a little bit about the cult of Saturnalia with Jordan Maxwell in the intermission. And then the last clip that we have is How They Lie. There's a montage going around showing how people are being lied to uh, through the media. And uh, it's quite insightful. We might even include it in tonight's clip of the intro of this podcast. Now, let's kick off with Luke Radowski from We Are Change. He's going to give us uh, the Week in Review kind of clip from uh, earlier today. And it's going to start out with, you've heard about Let's Go, Brandon. You never thought our president was going to support that campaign. But here he is fully, wholeheartedly embracing uh, the campaign to support this guy named Brandon. Let's check it out. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Well, I don't know if he slipped up or knowingly said it, but yes, that is the president of the United States saying literally, yes, I agree. Let's go, Brandon. A right wing slur, according to NBC News on uh, national television. Yeah. Welcome back. Beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Luke Radeski here of WeAreChange.org. As of course, there's a lot of crazy information to get into surrounding old Billy Boy as he just spewed more hatred towards nonconformists. All as LeBron James just sent out a very shocking Instagram post, which we're going to be talking about, along, of course, with the latest bombshell developing right now in South Africa. A lot of important coverage to get into, which, of course, is probably almost the exact opposite of what the corporate media is is purporting to be the reality of this world. They get a lot of money from this guy, so that could be one reason for it. But in very rare moments, the fake, carefully curated view of the world is shattered once in a while. And uh, those moments usually go viral, just like the whole Let's Go Brandon chant, which started after an NBC reporter tried to cover up the true message that some fans were trying to get out during a NASCAR event. This has soon led to a meme, which I believe has just crescendoed as a dad talking to the president of the United States recently on Joe Biden's Santa Tracker live stream said a dad joke that was actually pretty humorous. Well, uh, more of a statement, really, of course, saying, let's go, Brandon. He filmed him doing this on his own YouTube channel to, of course, an unsuspected President Biden, who for some strange, really crazy reason said he agrees with the sentiment against him. This, as the President of the United States, has been known for making many gaffes, many misstatements, also inventing many new words, as of course the corporate media, specifically CNN, has been obfuscating this larger fact of cognitive decline, covering up for many of his slip-ups and many moments that he is confused, which of course doesn't breed a lot of confidence into our current political system. This has even recently, Joe Biden 
Biden confused tests with pills in a way that, that had some meaningful impact. This is one of the reasons the Let's Go Brandon meme has gone so viral, as well as absolutely horrible decisions that have greatly disenfranchised the majority of average people, only, of course, the billionaire class being greatly benefited by it. The billionaire class like Billy Boy, which we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. But in response to this breaking moment of the narrative being slowly interrupted, the response to this is... That this Oregon father who did this joke on, on Biden, he's the one getting threats right now, as the father is coming out and also saying, quote, that he's standing behind 100% with what he did. And I, I think the direction that this country has been heading in under the Biden administration, the lack of economic opportunities provided to people, the hyperinflation, the boggled foreign policy, the restrictions and mandates on private individuals and private businesses, I believe people have a right to free speech and to, of course, voice their discontent with the current system that we, of course, are living under. Now, of course, on the complete other side, we, of course, have the former president of the United States, a Republican, Donald Trump, who Candace Owens is excusing as old and not understanding of the Internet while excusing his recent behavior, essentially doing the bidding of Big Pharma, making declarative, generalized, unscientific statements about a procedure that he wants everyone to take. He came out during this stance during an interview with Candace Owens, and Candace is trying to do her own to excuse this promotion of a very unaccountable major industry, which a lot of people say Donald Trump is supporting a lot more than his own actual supporters. While completely all the way around the world, we have the president of Russia that just released the statement saying a woman is a woman, a man is a man, comparing gender nonconformity to the global sickness going around. Yeah, that guy definitely doesn't pull any punches. And just to As, of course, the corporate media has been literally releasing news articles saying that critical thinking is bad. It's not. Having blind faith in unaccountable billionaires that are buddy-buddy with population control enthusiasts like Jeffrey Epstein who are literally working on microchip implantables that will control people's fertility. The man who's working on GMO mosquitoes, weather modification, seeding the skies, and has been one of the major backers of Monsanto, GMO food, Mr. Bill Gates just came out and did an interview with, of course, the corporate media, which he finances. By the way, if you didn't know this, Bill Gates has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on favorable media coverage, a.k.a. just, you know, donating to the corporate media. Corporate media, in response, of course, does his bidding, rarely ever criticizes him. This is why there's also something called the Bill Chill in science, where a lot of people are scared to criticize Bill Gates or any of his projects or any of his initiatives, because if they do, they will lose funding, since, of course, his money is entangled in a lot of the medical scientific community. And if you dare speak out against him, he, of course, will punish you. The corporate media landscape, of course, is just another landscape that he has fully controlled with his money, his money that has been astronomically increasing ever since the start of this global sickness, which, of course, he is invested in heavily in. And now we have this corporate fluffer PR crap piece written 
by CNBC that some crazy delusional people are ca calling uh, re reporting. It's not reporting. It's it's literally regurgitating Bill Gates's point of view unquestionably and propagating it to the general public, which was now done through Megan Sauer that unquestionably just rewrote his uh, talking points where she specifically mentioned how Bill Gates is optimistic for 2022. What is he optimistic about? He's optimistic about the metaverse. Wow, gee, not a surprise there. Digital VR world where you live in a pod. Oh, where have I heard that agenda before? But after gloating about the potential of a digital future where, of course, the billionaires will control every aspect of it, he also mentioned what he's most concerned about. And can you guess what, what Bill Gates is most concerned about? What he's most worried about heading into 2022? Quote, people's distrust of governments. Yes, the same government that made Bill Gates super rich, the same system that Bill Gates conned, that he bribed, that has allowed to create one of the largest transfers of wealth in recorded human history, taking the money from almost everyone in the general public and redistributing it to the billionaire class. That system, that government, people having mistrust in it, is what Bill Gates is most worried about heading into 2022. As he specifically said, many public institutions need to be, quote, a major player in fighting future problems, but those problems will be exacerbated, allegedly, according to Bill Gates, because people will just not accept their guidance. Saying specifically, quote, if your people don't trust you, they're not going to support major new initiatives. Yeah, what are those new initiatives? What are the new initiatives that we have seen pushed on by Bill Gates previously before? Well, there's an argument to make here that those initiatives definitely didn't help the general public. They have only made this megalomaniac billionaire even richer than he was previously before, even with him going through a divorce where he lost a lot of money. Now, why don't people believe the narrative, the government blindly? Why is that Why is that a bad thing? That's a great thing. Throughout human history, when people distrusted the system and were able to build one with accountability, transparency, and oversight, because of that mistrust, good things happened. When people blindly followed orders, blindly gave their full faith into authoritarian top-down systems, given all of their power to a few individuals, that power historically has always been corrupted. And essentially, if you look at what Bill Gates has been calling for here, what his history is, what he has financed, it is essentially that. And there are people pushing back on it, even surprisingly people like LeBron James that were one of the biggest proponents of this narrative, of this agenda, as he recently released an Instagram message comparing the sickness going around to the code and flu, as of course this latest variant, according to the medical professionals of the United States, has the same exact symptoms of the cold. What's really going on here? Again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not trying to give you any kind of medical advice, but what LeBron James tweeted about with this image is what a lot of people were thinking about. As of course, there are many questions that the government has not answered when it comes to exactly what's been going on here. They haven't been transparent. They haven't been accountable. They've been hiding the data. They haven't been even collecting the data in many important instances. But still, Bill Gates says you need to trust them no matter what. Blind faith obedience is what he wants, and he's going to try to get it at any cost, even though there is an abundant amount of evidence and facts presenting the case 
that the government has absolutely bungled and had a horrible, destructive response towards all of this that has actually created more pain and havoc than some would argue helped. Even through the NFL, we're finding out that according to medical professionals that work with them, that are tracking, tracing, databasing, everything that's happening with their players surrounding their sickness, that according to the NFL's chief medical officers, there is no indication of asymptomatic spread. What's going on here? Again, we, we still don't know. We still don't have the data. But in response to this new variant that has the same symptoms as the cold, we're now finding out that the Regeneron antibody treatment has been postponed by the federal government, as, of course, there are some people saying that it is ineffective against this new variant. Now, this is the treatment that I personally got. This is the treatment that Joe Rogan got, that Tim Pool got, that we all reported feeling better right after taking, after dealing with uh, our own sickness. Now, why is the United States halting and stopping the distribution of this when there's signs that it may not work, but still fully supporting another procedure that now some people have even taken the fourth dose of is a, a question that needs to be asked, as of course, there are also some significant questions surrounding this procedure, which in Israel, people are already taking the fourth dose of. Now, they're doing this in order to shore up protection against this new variant, even though there's early preliminary data showing that it might be just as ineffective or even more ineffective as the Regeneron antibody treatment. Now, again, what's going on here? I don't claim to know. What's effective here, not effective, we don't know, but we're getting a lot of suggestions highlighting a lot of concerning information, just like this article out of MedRix, which works with Yale University, that is reporting 21 out of 32 individuals that took three doses of this procedure all came down with this sickness. Now, if we're stopping Regeneron, what should we be doing here? Again, I don't know. But in South Africa, a country with an extremely low rate of compliance with this procedure, only a small population taking the dose of this procedure, they just announced that they're relaxing a lot of their rules surrounding their sickness as they are reporting a decline in cases and a big probability that 80% of their population has already gained immunity towards this. And that's why they just got rid of a lot of their containment strategies, which their medical professionals say are no longer appropriate and they're focusing on mitigation as the only viable strategy here. And by all sense of the imagination here, this absolutely does make a lot of sense, which some medical professionals should be listening to and looking at since, of course, this new variant allegedly first came out of South Africa. But, of course, this is not the doctrine and dogma promoted by the corporate media bought off by Mr. Bill Gates, as, of course, CNN's medical analyst says that Biden should go even further, punish more people, restrict more people, take away people's access to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all in the name of, of course, giving them this procedure. Again, what we're seeing here is just overzealous, cult-like behavior that has no absolute cognitive dissonance, that has no ability to question the reality of the current situation that we're in that is absolutely absurd. We are dealing with a, a religion, 
of this sickness with many mystic rituals, holy figures, and evil sins. People worship them by complying with the federal government. Their choir is, of course, the corporate media that do their preaching as, of course, they're trying to convert as many people into their governmental corporate temple as much as they can. Anyone who, of course, deviates from this religion is a heretic, is committing a sin, and is deemed the devil. And if you look at all of this through the lens of, of religion, there's a big argument to make here that these people are zealots. These people are fervent. They even put a mask on a digital Santa at NORAD when they were tracking him. Where was NORAD on, on, on that one September day in, in 2001 where for two hours the best military defense just stood down? Sorry there. Uh, but but they, 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 they can't do that. But, but they could put... Uh, a mask on a digital Santa. This is propaganda to the latest, highest degree. A lot of it is doctrine. A lot of it translates to a lot of absolutely disgusting behavior by individuals that are just brainwashed, attacking other individuals for not following their religious dogma. There are some people standing up even on Christmas, as of course we saw significant protests in Germany and in France, where people still decided to be heretics against this official state corporate religion where Bill Gates is their Mary Magdalene and Dr. Fauci is their Lord and Savior. We're going to file this little report under hashtag surprised, not surprised. The part of the report where they removed the monoclonal antibodies from circulation because they said they might be ineffective where everyone I know that got COVID and had the monoclonal antibodies was better like this in a couple of days. Like my brother-in-law had COVID. He went and got the monoclonal antibodies the first day he tested positive. He built an addition on his house that weekend instead of being laid up and maybe dying on a respirator or ventilator down the road, uh, going to the hospital after he turned blue. Right. So early treatment is something that kept people away from the hospitals and these sort of things. And now because they've got this twice a day Pfizer pill or the Merck pill or whatever they're going to push on people, uh, they want you to take a fourth dose of an ineffective thing when the, you know, because the effective thing, they just took it off the market. Isn't that what I saw, Tony? That came from on high from the government that was printed in Barron's and Barron's quarterly. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 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 Um, So they took it off. I was unaware of that. They took it off the market, which is extremely disconcerting. And um, there's another one. So Trimavab or whatever it's called that Peter McCollum. And let us know, uh, people watching us live. If if I misread that Barron's article, if you guys look it up and find out we're misinterpreting from Luke's report there, let's remove that ambiguity. Because I would like to know that it's still available to people out there. And maybe we just misheard Luke's report or, you know, there was ambiguity. Or like maybe he didn't read, you know, he kind of covers the headlines. I don't know how much he gets into, maybe he reads more, I think of the meat from those articles probably for subscribers, but yeah, we, for, you know, people out in the chat, um, various chats, whether YouTube or Rockfin or Twitch or whatever, yeah, let us know if there's something more there that we're not reading into, but like, let's just put it in context real quick though, Rich, because they did, uh, Con- they have been controlling the supply for some time and there's not a supply issue. The government's just preventing right, right. preventing the ability for states, to, especially red states. This all started with like a, particularly Florida and Texas. Back Let's in- predict the future. People are always like, what do you think is going to happen in 2022? Tony, let me just tell you two news stories and you tell me what's going to happen. Um, they sent out the government sending out COVID tests to every household for free. And for those people who test positive, now monoclonal antibodies are off the off the options. 
They can't get HCQ or ivermectin, these other things, traditional early treatments that have worked effectively for 200 members of Congress. You can't have that. Can't have that because they're different than you. They're different than you. You got these things over here, these new experimental drugs, uh, the antibody dependent enhancement that might come with the chemical pathogen producing gene therapies that they're peddling to you as a vaccine, right? So what happens when they send out tests and they remove therapeutics and early treatments? What happens, Tony? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, the NIH protocol makes it so you're forced to let the virus completely ravage your body until you show the, the worst case symptoms possible. Mm. You manifest yep. the worst case symptoms. You go to the hospital and they give you essentially remdesivir and intubation oxygen first. And then once, you know, you get to the point where you have low oxygen levels, then, uh, they intubate you. So they cause renal failure, liver, liver failure, and then they blow out your lungs, which are now inflamed and, you know, have, uh, you know, back pneumonia, and they call that healthcare infection. and they charge you heavily for it. Oh yeah. You get charged an insane amount of money and yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's, if you send out, oh, tests and also everybody... they still get paid. They still, I'm for, I just researched, I think they yeah. still get paid for people who die with COVID Probably might so. get paid more that way. All right. So they send out tests. People take tests. Some people test positive that would have never tested or been in the, the realm of testing. Right. And there's a lot of false positives in there. We know that. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're going to see a spike of cases because people are getting these things in the mail and are they turning them in? Does the government, how do they, how do they track that? That's my question. Do you have to like submit results to a government website? I'm interested in that whole thing. Or does everyone have tests and nobody ends up counting those results because there's no feedback into the system remains to be seen. That I don't know. I do know if you go but to they're the taking hospital. options for early therapeutics continually off the table. Anything that's effective is moved over here. And then big pharma's products, which aren't effective, apparently, because you got to take four doses of the thing you're not supposed to have to for, take four doses. Yeah, it, it's right. It, it's crazy. I mean, last week, uh, Del Bigtree showed a, a woman that her father was essentially murdered by the vaccine. Uh, and her husband. So after this happened, they refused to get the vaccine, her and her husband. And she shared her harrowing story. What was interesting is that they found a local hospital. It was like a regional hospital, let's say up in upstate New York, where they're from, where they were willing to treat her husband who had to go to the hospital, um, with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. They, they searched around and were like, will you treat him? Will you allow him to take these drugs? Finally, they found a hospital that would allow it. And he got better. Um, he got nailed by it still, but he got better. And, uh, they, in fact, as he was, uh, being discharged from the hospital, this is really fascinating to me. They filled out a prescription, his doctor at this hospital filled out a prescription for ivermectin. They went to the local pharmacy and the pharmacy wouldn't fulfill it. Of course. So that's the type of world we live in. They, you know, if you have to Where search pharmacies around, are now politicized. Yes, you got it. Depending on what state you're in, you could get the life-saving stuff or not. That's correct. All right. The next clip I want to go to, uh, we're in the uh, Fauci flu and Wuhan crew section. I want to play the 56-second clip of the Lancet editor comes clean, admits he knew Peter Daszak had, quote, significant, regrettable conflicts of interest, end quote. There's a video piece of the article. Let's play that before we get to the Jimmy Dore with a deeper dive into similar topic. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I want to see the Lancet thing. It's coming up. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to load it. There's a there's like a one minute video, and then we can all share the article. But yeah, let's let's do the video first. Will it play? That's the question. I think it links to another 
website, which is always fun. Just loading. Loading. Wow. We should have loading music on the uh, soundboard. <laughs> All right. Well, here, I'll share, I'll share it. I'll share it a while. I got it. Okay, cool. Um, uh, obviously, this was very early in the, in the pandemic. It was the 18th of February uh, 2020. Um, how much interest was taken at the time and how much was justified, given this was a letter rather than a, uh, a refereed um, journal article, um, how much interest was paid to the author's uh, potential conflicts of interest? Well, we ask everybody who submits a piece that's accepted for publication in The Lancet to declare their competing interests. Um, and we take those statements on trust. Um, and in this particular case, uh, regrettably, uh, the authors claimed that they had no competing interests. And of course, the implication of your question, as you well know, is that um, there were indeed uh, competing interests that were significant. Um, particularly in relation to Peter Daszak, who is the uh, leader of the Inter Health Alliance. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jean-Claude. Boom. All right, so Daszak, EcoHealth Alliance, Fauci funding thereof, DARPA funding thereof, back coronaviruses, Shengli Zhi, Ralph Barrick and the no-CM technique of combining these kind of chimeric viruses that they're all working on and Dazak running a purposeful smoke screen February 20th, early in the pandemic to tell everybody nothing to see here at the lab release theory. Everything's over at the wet market. Look over there. And anyone who says anything different is a conspiracy theorist. Now the editor of the most prestigious medical journal just had to eat his words and say that guy who told us that on February 20th is full of shit. That's what we just heard in that 56 seconds. Am I correct, Tony? That's correct. Hmm. That's really correct. And just looking at the article here, this for people to refresh people's memories. Dazak, who had been he hadn't been directly genetically manipulating uh, batch coronaviruses, so the way they word this isn't correct. But I'll just read how they word it, and we'll correct for it. Dazak, who has been genetically manipulating bat coronavirus, he's been supporting those who genetically manipulate bat coronaviruses in Wuhan lab to make them more transmissible to humans. Organized the Natural Origins Letter in February of 2020. That's when he pen that letter, which was signed by 26 other leading researchers who condemned conspiracy theorists, theor, excuse me, theories regarding the origins of COVID-19. Let me put this on. I'm sorry. So let me highlight what I just read there. That's the section I just read. Was the Lancet itself in conflict or itself conflicted? The Lancet established an office in Beijing. In addition to its New York office in London headquarters in 2010 and 2015, Dr. Horton traveled to Beijing to receive the Friendship Award from China, the highest honor award awarded to foreign experts who have made outstanding contributions to the country's economic and social progress. He claimed China faced a blame game over the origins of the pandemic, despite admitting that it had denied the World Health Organization access to crucial information needed for an investigation to the cause of the outbreak. Leaked emails earlier this year revealed it was Dr. Dajak who drafted the Lancet letter dismissing non-natural causes of the pandemic, such as a lab leak as conspiracy theory, excuse me, conspiracy theories. Um, Dazak, meanwhile, has been accused of a bullying campaign behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. The Lancet letter was scientific propaganda in a form of thuggery and intimidation, said Jamie Metzl, who sits on the World Health Organization's adv advisory committee on human and genome editing and is a former Bill Clinton administration staffer. 
during the ses- session, uh, Jamie Metzel, he was just on, he's an interesting figure. We talked about him in the town hall. He probably has the most comprehensive idea behind chimeric viruses and lab leak origin, but at the same time, he's a shill. So you have to, he was on Lex Friedman. He was introduced. He was actually just on, he had like a three or four hour podcast on Lex Friedman where they talked specifically only about the lab leak. The interesting, he gave uh, effusive praise to Fauci in that whole little, oh man, he's, he's an interesting figure. I'm, I'm thinking of the correct individual. I'm pretty sure Jamie meant, so I might could be getting that confused just because my brain isn't working, but we did cover this and he's an interesting, we'll cover this more uh, for people who want to get, do a deep dive into him. We'll, we'll cover that on the town hall some more because he has some very, he's like a perfect example of co-intel pro where he tells you a ton of truth that then directs you at the last second uh, somewhere else. So he's, he's an, he's a figure that you should be aware of, but you have to sort of read between the lines. Anyways, during the session, Harvard scientist, Dr. Alina Chan said the Wuhan lab leak is now the most likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic because China tried to cover it up because experts still haven't found a natural reservoir despite extensive researching or expensive, excuse me, extensive searching. She also highlighted several coincidences in the COVID timeline, adding that China's state-sponsored information suppression campaign in the early stages of the pandemic added to suspicion. Quote, I think the lab origin is more likely than not, said Chan, or Chan, adding, right now it's not safe for people who know about the origin of the pandemic to come forward. That's interesting. I wonder why it's not safe. Uh, Quote, but we live in an era where there's so much information being stored that it will eventually come out. We have heard from many top virologists that genetically engineered origin is reasonable, and that includes virologists who made modifications to the first SARS virus. Yet, despite all evidence that Dazak has been acting in good faith, the National Pulse notes that he's been appointed by the New York State to aid in its pandemic response, which I'm pretty sure this was recent. Yes, this 1213, the National Pulse. Wuhan lab partner EcoHealth Alliance joins New York's pandemic response effort. And we're going to get to a little bit later now that Escape I think about it. Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great film, by the way. That's all, you know, called classic. And called, They're remaking but, um, it right now. You know, there's interesting because there, I have a video I put in the show card later on about how Governor Hochul has now essentially the power to contact trace and put them in camps in New York State. So it's getting really bad with some of the legislation that has been provided to the or has been signed by Governor Hochul. And uh, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name, but uh, in regards to what's going on in New York. And then de Blasio also has been belligerent in his activities. Uh, for the unvaccinated. So, and what he's forcing people to do in New York city, it's a mess. New York is an absolute mess. Uh, GTFO, if you can. F U B A R. All right. <laughs> so this is uh Peter Dazjak. I'm going to have to add that recent article to this body of, uh, evidentiary considerations, but, um, that 40 million in Pentagon funding, I'm still interested in learning more about yes, that. Aspect. Me too. Too, yeah. because uh it almost seems like they came up with the thing and then they came up with a thing to cure the thing almost through the same people like ralph barrick and these other guys involved and i don't know it's looking more and more since there's not a natural reservoir i'm gonna have to consider this lab release theory that dazak's been mentioning in his emails to, to tony fauci <laughs> you know yeah maybe i'm slow on the uptake but I'm going to have to consider that now that maybe there's something else going on. And, you know, Dr. Dr. Horton here, you know, traveled to Beijing, received the friendship of award from China Senna. I think you would detailed a number of individuals who received that award, including the head of uh, bio Mary, uh, the French 
firm that's actually designed and set up the uh, Wuhan lab. Oh, yeah. um, so there's a bunch of very strange uh, connections. I forget the, 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 uh, maybe she can give me a shout out the, the department associated with, um, Biomir U as far as, uh, manipulating, um, viruses. I forget it starts with an S and then, so Dr. Horton sort of a shell, but then you have Jamie Metzel. So they have like very sophisticated Sanofi. Sanofi. Thank you. Sanofi or some people call it Sanofi. It's Sanofi. a pharmaceutical company, like a Pfizer. Yeah, you got it. That's it. Thank you. That's yeah. And then Jamie Metzel. So we have Dr. Horton who's, he's coming out saying, you know, well, there's conflicts of interest. Then you have Jamie Metzel, who's very interesting. Like he has one of the most, he has the most comprehensive timeline I've seen. Um, but he's also a bit of a shill himself. So, and he, but he points out what chimeric genetic research is, how it works. Um, he does a really good job of breaking that down. He goes, you know, a good job of like breaking out the science as to why it's the most likely, if you take Occam's razor and remove all the other potential hypotheses, it's the most likely conclusion right now. Um, if I found a Ford in the woods, do I assume it came from the woods or that somebody from the Ford manufacturer sold that truck and somebody eventually parked it and left it in the woods and it's all rusted out and the tires are gone? Like, how did it get there? Did the squirrels make it? Does it is it natural reservoir or did it come from the place that manufactures Fords, you know, a couple miles away? I don't know. Weigh it. Then let me know how you make out with that. It's a great but apply analogy. that line of thinking to everything. Like yes. logic is logic across the board. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you can connect the dots here and see a pattern actually come with a, you know, sort of dedu deductive validity, um, based on the premises, the evidence in the premises, you can sort of see a very a causal chain. That's very consternating. Well, especially if you watch this podcast from episode one, you'll see yeah. the causal chain breaking in action each week. All right. I so now we've laid a shout out to James yeah. Jordan. Thanks. Thank you, James Jordan, for bringing this article to our attention because I thank it, you. It, it, it Liberty radio Christmas. host. James yeah. Jordan. It dropped on Christmas and I didn't see it. And he made a good point that like, of course it happened on Christmas. So Liberty radio co-host James Jordan, James Jordan, co-host Phoenix. Phoenix. So yeah, there you go. All right. You guys got your plug Monday night, Grand Theft World, Liberty radio, right? It is Monday night. Cause Tuesday night's the Monday town night. hall for the members of Grand Theft World. All Monday right, night's so Liberty radio and then Tuesday night tunnel. Now, we have laid out the uh, the groundwork. You hear about Dazak and the Lancet, and now he's persona non grata, apparently. Now Fauci's Wuhan research is worse than you might have thought. Here's uh, comedian Jimmy Dore to bring you the real news. No, I'm serious. That's not a joke. This is actually how you can get the news in the second decade of the 21st century. We're going to be talking about more about Dr. Fauci. And Dr. Fauci's lies are being exposed. More of his nefarious shenanigans. Today, uh, this is a Newsweek magazine. How Dr. Fauci and other officials withheld information on China's coronavirus experiments. <laughs> wait, wait, Jimmy, when will Dr. Fauci listen to his wise cricket companion? <laughs> so you remember Dr. Fauci denied funding gain of function right here. That the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain of function research in the Wuhan Institute. Do they fund Dr. Barrick? We do not fund. Do you fund gain, Dr. Barrick's gain uh, of function research? Dr. Barrett does not doing gain of function research. And mm. if it is, 
It's according to the guideline. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oopsie. So he's lying right there. Uh, and here he is again. Now, Dr. Rand, Rand Paul knew he was lying. And so the next time he appeared in front of the Congress, uh, he said this. For which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Microphone. Your microphone. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain mm. as not being gain of function. I like how he says that. Has my qualified people up and down the chain who I hire and fire at will and are answerable to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and furthermore, I think it should be a crime to accuse science of lying. <laughs> <laughs> You're accusing science of lying. So those are he, he's denying it. There's Fauci denying it. Well, there's a problem with his denials. Uh, a trench of documents surfaced that complicate Dr. Fauci's denials from Newsweek. The documents obtained by Freedom of Information requests show that the NIH was that's the National Institute of Health was funding research at the Wuhan lab that involved manipulating coronaviruses in ways that could have made them more transmissible and deadly to humans. Work that arguably fits the definition of gain of function. But you saw him just deny it twice. The documents established that the top NIH officials were concerned that the work may have crossed the line the United States government had drawn against funding such risky research. The funding came from the NIH's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which Dr. Fauci is the head of. <laughs> The resistance among Dr. Fauci and other NIH officials to be forthcoming with information that could inform the debate over the origins of the COVID-19 illustrates the old Watergate era saw illustrates the old Watergate era saw that the cover up is often worse than the crime. That is awkward wording. The resistance among Dr. Fauci and other NIH officials to be forthcoming with the information that could inform the debate over the origins of COVID-19 illustrates the old Watergate era saw that he that the cover up. Oh, that's the Watergate era saw that the cover up is often worse than the crime. OK, so they're covering up the funding of gain-of-function research. There's no evidence that the experiments in question had any direct bearing on this current pandemic. In the past, Dr. Fauci has made strong arguments for why this type of research, albeit risky, was necessary to prevent future pandemics. And he could have done so again. But the NIH has dragged its feet over the Freedom of Information Act request on this matter, handing over documents only after the intercept took the agency to court. So they had a four year request, Freedom of Information Act request to get these documents. They were not giving them the NIH and Fauci were not giving them. And so they had to go to the intercept, they had to go to court to get them. And now they're being getting them because of that. 
The apparent eagerness to conceal the documents has only raised suspicions about the controversial research and put the NIH on a defensive. Dr. Fauci told ABC, neither I nor Dr. Francis Collins, who's the director of the NIH, neither him or Francis Collins lied or misled about what we've done. I'm going to guess that's a lie. Because Dr. Fauci is a huge liar. While Dr. Fauci takes the political heat, the revelation center on another. So here's where it gets interesting. There's another guy in this drama. His name is Peter Dezak. I guess that's how you pronounce it. He's the president of the private research firm Echo Health Alliance. And they received the $3 million from the NIH for coronavirus research and subcontracted the gain-of-function experiments to the Wuhan lab. So Echo Health Alliance got the money from Fauci and the NIH, and then they were the ones who were... Do- so there was, there was like a one step removed from Fauci. You get it? So they're doing that risky stuff that people are saying that some people are theorizing caused this pandemic. The activities of Dazic and Echo Health before the pandemic and during it show a startling lack of transparency about their work with coronaviruses and raise questions about what more there may be to learn. This is freaking Newsweek. All right. This, <laughs> this is a Jimmy Dore show. This is the kind of shit you would have to hear from me on Rumble. But for some reason, Newsweek is allowing them. To, I think because no one reads Newsweek. So they're desperate for uh, viewers. And so they're willing to tell the truth about this in a, li- a little bit. <laughs> From the start, Dazek has worked vigorously to discredit any notion that the pandemic could have been a result of a lab accident. So you know this, right? So, in, in fact, for a whole year, if you said that the coronavirus 19 was created in a lab, you could get shut down uh, and censored on YouTube for sure and everywhere else. Jimmy, it was it was racist to say that you were supposed to say the not racist thing. That China has really dirty food markets. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. So if you said it was created in a Chinese lab, that made you racist. But if you said it was because uh, they're such the horrible, they're so dirty that they have these open wet markets, somehow that wasn't racist. I know, I know. All right, so, <laughs> so that's a very good point, Kurt. So here's another. Here's more. When the media was first grappling with the basics of the situation, Dazic organized a letter in the prestigious medical journal The Lancet from 27 scientists to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. So do you see that? So this is propaganda coming from powerful people connected to the pharmaceutical industry, the NIH, and the NIAI. ID, which is the thing Fauci heads. And it got himself appointed. So this guy, this guy got this article written in the Lancet. He got this propaganda piece put in the Lancet and he got himself appointed to the WHO team investigating COVID origins, where the virus come from, where he successfully argued that there was no need to look into the Wuhan infectious virology archives. What does WIV stand for? Wuhan what does that stand for? WIV. That's got. I, I should know this right off the top of my head, but I'm a dumb comedian, so I don't. That's got to be Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's got to be that that uh, that um, virology. Is it the Wuhan, Wuhan Institute of, of virology. virology? That is it. Wuhan Institute of Virology. There it is. So um, 
What Desek didn't reveal at the time was that the Wuhan Institute of Virology had been using the NIH grant money to genetically engineer dozens of no novel coronaviruses discovered in bat samples, and that he knew it was entirely possible that one of those samples had contained SARS-CoV-2 and had infected a researcher, as he conceded to the journal Science in November 17th. He said, of course it's possible. Things have happened in the past. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, well, you know what I say to that, Jimmy? What? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> the NIH fought for more than a year to keep details about the Echo Health grant under wraps. The 528 pages of proposals, conditions, emails, and progress reports revealed that Echo Health had funded experiments at the Wuhan. Uh, oh, on. Institute of Virology that were considerably riskier than the ones previously disclosed. So they're hiding the stuff they're doing. And Rand Paul was right when he asserted that the Echo Health Alliance was doing this risky research that Barack Obama had ended because it's too risky and it might cause a pandemic. The trouble began May 2016 when Echo Health informed the NIH that it wanted to conduct a series of new experiments during the third year of its five-year grant. One proposed producing chimeras made from one SARS-like virus and the spike proteins, which the viruses use to infiltrate animal cells, and others, and testing them in humanized mice which had been genetically engineered to have human-like receptors in their lungs, making them better stand-ins for people. When such novel, novel viruses are created, there's always a risk that they will turn out to be dangerous pathogens in their own right. They're creating viruses. Another risky experiment involved the MERS virus. Although MERS is lethal, it kills 35% of those who catch it. It's not highly transmissible, which is partly why it has claimed fewer than 900 lives so far. Echo Health wanted to graft the spikes of other related coronaviruses onto MERS to see how that changed its abilities. Hey, well, let's is, make it more infectious. Let's see what happens. I I wonder if it would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wonder if a puppy face is eaten by flies, if it would make children cry. That's what that sounds like. That sounds like, hey, let's stick a, a beagle's head into a cage. I wonder what would happen if we let the sand flies just peck it to death. Because we can. So let's figure out. We Hey, science has to know about that when it happens. So here they are doing this... The, this risky shit because they can even though barack obama had put an end to it because it was too risky there's fauci still doing it well jimmy i better find out that this research at least led to safer cosmetics for us all <laughs> both experiments seem to cross the gain of function line NIH program officers said as much, sending to Zach a letter asking him to explain why he thought they didn't. So even everybody at the NIH thought what they were doing at the Wuhan uh, Institute of Virology, everyone at the NIH thought that was gain of function. You saw Fauci at the top of this lie that it wasn't. Okay. So they asked this guy from Echo Health, why don't you think it's that? Everybody else there thinks it's gain of function. 
And in his reply, he argued that because the new spikes being added to the Shamiras were more distantly related to SARS and MERS than their original spikes, he didn't anticipate any enhanced pathogenicity or infectiousness. That was a key distinction that arguably made them exempt from the NIH's prohibition on gain of... So he found some bullshit thing to say that made it pretend it wasn't gain of function when it was. But of course, one never knows as a precaution. He offered that if any of the chimeric viruses began to grow 10 times better than the natural viruses, which would suggest enhanced fitness, Echo Health would immediately stop all experiments, inform the NIH program officers, and together they'd figured out what to do next. Guess what? That didn't happen. <laughs> Guess what? That didn't happen. Because the NIH accepted his terms, inserting the suggestions into the grant conditions. Scientists at the Wuhan uh, Institute, of Virology. Institute of Virology keep forgetting, <laughs> conducted the experiments in 2018. To their surprise, the SARS-like chimeras, that thing they engineered, that new thing they engineered, well, it quickly grew 10,000 times better than the natural virus. Not 10 times, 10,000 times. And what did they do? Uh, well, it had the, it made all the mice sick, and they had the hallmarks of a very dangerous pathogen. Huh. So, <laughs> so the WIV and the Echo Health didn't stop the experiment as they said they would or as required in their grant. Nor did they let the NIH know what was going on. The results were buried in figure 35 of Echo Health's four-year progress report delivered in April 2018. Did the NIH call Peter Daszak in to explain himself? It did not. There are no signs in the released documents that the NIH even noticed the alarming results. In fact, the NIH signaled its enthusiasm for the project by granting Echo Health a $7.5 million five-year renewal in 2019. As damning as the NIH grant documents are, they pale in comparison to other Echo Health grant proposals leaked to the online investigative group Drastic in September. In that 2018 proposal to the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, a Pentagon research arm, that I think that's called DARPA. Yeah, that's DARPA. So they're stealing <laughs> with the Pentagon. So Echo Health sketched an elaborate plan to discover what it would take to turn a garden variety coronavirus into a pandemic pathogen. <laughs> they were trying to fucking figure out how to take a regular little old harmless coronavirus and turn it into a deadly pathogen that could cause a pandemic. They were doing this. That's what they, that's what they were planning on doing. That's what they wanted to do. Jimmy, you put it that way. Go ahead, Kurt. You're being a real prick right now. <laughs> ah, I don't mean to be a prick. I don't listen. A lot smarter people than me decided this is how the sausage is made, and I don't need to know how they make sausage. I just deep throat it. So they, so they, they, they weren't doing this. This is what they were proposing that they wanted to do. 
<laughs> they wanted to create a pathogen that could cause a pandemic. That's what they were proposing. They proposed widely sampling Chinese bats in search of new SARS-related viruses, grafting the spike proteins from those viruses onto other viruses they had in the lab to create a suite of chimeras. Then, through a genetic engineering, introducing mutations into those chimeras and testing them in humanized mice. Uh, I should have warned you about this like five chimeras ago. It's chimera. <laughs> Is it chimera? I'm hungry. A, ch a chimera sounds delicious, right? <laughs> a chim a chimmy chimera. I'd like a chimmy chimera. I would like a chimmy chimera. <laughs> uh, so they're called chimeras? Yeah, chimera. Yeah, what the fuck did you let me talk like that for? Come on, you got to get I, in I, there. I know. I, I, I should have. Uh, well, I got it right this time. Chimera. <laughs> Who would think it's not chimera? Like, it looks like... You don't say care. You want to take a care you don't, for a chair? Right. Do I know that it's chimera? Because of uh, Mission Impossible Part 2, where Tom Cruise had to get the good... The bad... The virus cure was, like, bright green, and the bad virus was red. Oh, okay. I, apparently, that's a true story. <laughs> it turns out... Turns <laughs> out. Movies facts. are true. Yeah. Okay, so there's more to this. One piece of the proposal was especially Stranglovian. That, look at that. That's quite a word. For years, scientists had known that adding a special type of cleavage site to the spike could supercharge a virus's transmissibility. Although many viruses in nature have such sites, neither SARS nor any of its cousins do. So what did they do? What did these fuckers do? <laughs> well, Elk Echo Health proposed incorporating human-optimized cleavage sites into the SARS-like viruses it discovered and testing their infectiousness. Such a cleavage site, of course, is exactly what makes SARS-CoV-2 wildly more infectious than its kin. Oh, my God. It, it sounds like they reckon we're doing this. The detail was the reason some scientists initially suspected SARS-CoV-2 might have been engineered in the lab. And while there's no proof that Echo Health or the Wuhan, the WIV, ever actively experimented with cleavage sites, Echo Health says that the research was never conducted. Of course, they're freaking liars. The proposal makes it clear that they were considering taking that step as early as 2018. DARPA, which is the Pentagon uh, science wing, DARPA rejected the proposal, listing among its shortcomings the failures to address the risks of gain-of-function research and the lack of discussion of ethical, legal, and social issues. So even the Pentagon is like, no, you can't do this shit. The Pentagon, which slaughters people on the regular and lies about it, even they're saying... You can't do this. You're going to create something horrible. Maybe even a look at this. So that was a level headed assessment. What's remarkable is that much of the same work that crossed the line for the Department of Defense. So Department of Defense was like, that goes too far. That's that same shit was embraced by the NIH. <laughs> so the Pentagon has more integrity over this than the NIH does. The NIH is like, well, oh, fuck it, let's do it. Let's start a pandemic. <laughs> now, let's, really, let's take a shot. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Who knows? They should have a, uh, a new Disney documentary called Fauci, Too Hot for DARPA. And it should expose, 
<laughs> exposed to viruses <laughs> that are too hot. So the NIH and Echo Health have asserted that none of the engineered viruses created with the NIH grant could have become SARS-CoV-2. They keep saying that. They keep saying that. Oh, yeah, that those that stuff that we were doing that we've been covering up and lying about. Uh, well, you can believe us now when we say there's no way that stuff that those experiments led to this pandemic. You can trust us. That's what they're saying. On that, everyone agrees the viruses are too distantly related. But the detailed recipe in the DARPA application is a blueprint for doing just that with a more closely related virus. <laughs> for years, a large number of bat samples from the region that harbors viruses similar to SARS-CoV-2 were sent to the WIV. Wuhan Institute of Virology. In other words, Echo Health's team was in the right place at the right time to have found things very close to SARS-CoV-2 and to have sent them to Wuhan. A lack of evidence proves nothing, but neither does it put Echo Health's or the WIV's actions in the early days of this pandemic in a good light. Why choose not to share valuable information on SARS-like coronaviruses with the world? Why keep it hidden? Why not be transparent? What are you hiding? Why not explain your projects and proposals and give scientists access to the unpublished virus sequences in your databases? Why not do that? Because they're hiding something. That's why. For whatever reason, they chose crisis management mode instead. The Wuhan Institute of Virology went into lockdown. Databases were taken offline. Dizak, which is the guy who heads the Echo Health, he launched his preemptive campaign to prevent anyone from looking behind the curtain. And Echo Health and NIH tried hard to keep the details of their collaboration private. Congressional inquiries focusing on Dr. Fauci and the NIH's decision to fund unnecessarily risky research by a lab in Wuhan are probably forthcoming if, as appears increasingly likely, Republicans take control of Congress after the 2022 midterm. So we're going to find this shit out after 2022 midterms. Because the Republicans are going to do some investigating of Fauci and the NIH and the NIAID. While it's important to understand how the NIH came to use such poor judgment in its dealings with Echo Health Alliance, that won't tell us much about the Wuhan Institute of Virology's research in the months leading up to the pandemic. Answers are more likely to lie in the records of Echo Health Alliance. Republicans and Democrats alike should be eager to find them. We'll see. And let's remember this. This is Kerry Mullis, inventor of the PCR test, a Nobel laureate in chemistry, offered his heartfelt sentiment about Fauci. Here's what he thinks about Fauci. Stuff and listen, you know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face. Nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope. And if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy and he doesn't understand medicine. And he, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. 
They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people who pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. And now you know the rest of the story. And now you know just how nefarious these pieces of it are. And now you know why Anthony Fauci should not only not be still the top doctor running this pandemic response, he should be prosecuted and in jail. A for lying to Congress. Uh, anything you so and there and and for how about all the cover-ups? Go ahead, uh, Kurt. What well, would you like to when say? When was this video from? How long? This is from a while ago, right? This is like not even this crisis. This was like a yeah. This a is while. this is another crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This I think yeah, so he, it's him sucking the whole. <laughs> <laughs> he died. He they, they, people knew about Fauci being this guy, this horrible of a guy. He's not a. He doesn't treat patients. He doesn't do. He does, he's not charged with. So someone with someone has COVID nineteen, they don't go to Doctor Fauci and ask them to cure him. Nope. He's not doing that. Doctor Fauci does not take care of patients. What does he take care of? Big pharma. That's what he does. And he and uh, even the Department well, of Defense thought he was out of out of control. Even the Department of Defense thought that that research stuff was out of control that Fauci had funded. Jimmy, you got to admit his his one patient is doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> so that should uh, again, if Robert Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book doesn't end Fauci, so facts aren't going to end anything. It doesn't seem like facts are going to end anything uh, because. It didn't. The facts didn't end Russiagate. Facts didn't end the Iraq War. Facts aren't ending anything. Facts don't matter. They have an agenda, and they're going to smear and slander anybody and anything. They're going to tell you medicines that won the Nobel Prize are are for horses. They're going to lie to you about that. Uh, they're going to tell you doctors who invented the mRNA vaccine technology are kooks. They're going to tell you people who have better ideas about how to handle this are right wing maniacs. They're going to tell every. They're going to tell you guys like me who are anti vaxxers even though I'm not. They're going to do all that. Uh, cause that's all they got <laughs> because this is the kind of shit those people are doing. These are nefarious criminal class liars. Uh, I'm talking about the people, uh, of Dr. Fauci, the guy running the NIH, Francis Collins. Anything else you'd like to add to this, Kurt? I, I actually, it's so bad now that I actually now appreciate when they take the time to lie to me and not just tell me. Don't even think about it. You're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're never going to make up a story for me. I'm that dumb. You can't you, even. Right? <laughs> say so, some science words. Say some. <laughs> I thought you could put blood in an electron <laughs> microscope and see a virus, just I, like Fauci. I thought so too. <laughs> say some science words, LG. <laughs> you don't have to think about it, dude. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking right there. All right, so um, that was a great, like, 25-minute summary of the past 60 episodes of this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Good night. Yeah, right? That's all we have to say. If you get that, then you're getting a lot of what's going on. But if you're just getting that now, you could have had that 60 episodes ago because that's kind of how we started with um, the U.S. Right to Know nonprofit uh, it was a Freedom of Information Act request, November of 2020, that got Peter Daszak's emails that showed they lied to The Lancet 
And that's what started that snowball yeah. that the Lancet, uh, you know, the 56 second clip that we saw a half hour ago, that's where that eventually went to is they have to retract it. But what happened in between time? Dazak got himself appointed to the World Health Organization investigation into the Wuhan lab twice, twice. He's like the guy who says nothing to see here. And in light of the retraction from the Lancet, I think it's a, a valid reason to investigate. And if there's a 2022 election or something midterm coming up, and that happens to open these investigations and this stuff comes to light so that the future knows exactly what happened during this time of tribulation in the past, uh, that would be wonderful. But short of that, this should become pu public knowledge much, much sooner. And uh, it needs to come from bigger outlets than just Jimmy Dore. But Jimmy Dore's doing a good job for a comedian who started out in his garage podcasting. <laughs> it's authentic because you see his process of waking up. You see his frustration too. too. Yeah, you, you can see it because he was vaccine injured. And he talks, he still talks about yeah, it. Yeah, like he, what yeah, he's yeah. He just mentioned through. that recently again too. I heard him say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a very... I had been following this timeline long before November 2020, but that was when everything sort of broke and we saw the, the conflicts of interest. Uh, this timeline had already been sort of spilled out for those who were willing to do the research months and months before. I was into the lab leak, I think, within the first month or two. And it was like with the, by June of 2020, I'd seen a couple of articles from me, not like on the edge of being sort of mainstream resources, laying out timelines of interesting players like Dr. Xizeng Li, Ralph Barrick, um, uh, even, uh, Dajak was mentioned. So people are already somewhat aware of this, but then of course the Lancet came out, papooed all that stuff. And it sort of went quiet. Then the summer of love happened, right? Summer of love. And then after, uh, that all, then November, 2020 comes around, we get the email breaks and all of a sudden the things hit the fan. And then we got the Fauci emails in April of 2021 and it just got more and more disturbing. And, you know, you could see a, a, a pernicious pattern being developed, but and that bifurcation is st it still exists because there's a group of people who read and they understand all this that we're saying. And there's another right. group who made their decision by emotions and obedience to authority. Correct. And none of this information is going to matter to people in that state of mind. But what's disconcerting to me to go back just a little bit here, like here's this, and we'll put this in the show notes. Here's the Jamie Metzl um, origins of the SARS-CoV-2. Is that now, the this, same guy that was okay? So that's a different guy than was on Jimmy Dore. That was Kurt Metzger. That's Kurt Metzger. That's Kurt. Okay. He's he's the guy who works with. Um, oh man, what's his name? Um, he did. Uh, the, the, oh man. Yeah, I didn't want to get him mixed up because I was getting him mixed up. So I'm I'm seeking. Uh, he works with that other comedian that we showed a number of times. He did uh, that three part series, the Space Blob or whatever. Uh, what's his name? Uh, why is this escape that's kyle. why that's kyle kyle yeah kyle dunnigan he works yeah. at kyle dunnigan he does a bunch of he, he has some really funny stuff he does with kyle dunnigan so it's right, right on because it was anyway. i i thought that guy in the clip was also the other guy you were talking about and i was okay so i want disambiguation there was a comedian on jimmy door and then this other guy kurt metzger it's kurt metzger is the the comedian on jimmy door that works with okay. kyle dunnigan quite often and also goes on jimmy and then Dore who was the often. source this is Jamie Metzl here. If you look on your Jamie screen, Metzl. this is who right. he looks like. He was just interviewed by Lex Friedman. This dude is a perfect example of COINTELPRO. He's a former advisor to the Clinton administration. Well, he's a technology he, futurist, futurist that tells you where he's coming from. Geopolitics expert, geopolitics mm -hmm. expert, entrepreneur, sci-fi novelist, keynote speaker. Yeah, exactly. So he did this timeline of SARS-CoV-2. 
the most extensive timeline. I'm just going to scroll through this to show how extensive he goes into everything, all his resources, where it all came from. But he tells you 99% of the truth, but the way he spins how a chimeric virus is manipulated. And he also poo-poos the cleavage site a little bit. doesn't say it's not possible, but he sort of like tries to draw in the form of a straw man, draw away from that. Uh, he builds up another argument and then uh, sort of like leads you away from, you know, the fact that EcoHealth, what that Newsweek that Jimmy Dorda showed, the EcoHealth, had, they had a proposal for manipulating the cleavage site to make it more transmissible. They also, you know, shows that it was uh, $7.5 million for the renewal in 2019. And the fact that after it's 10 times more infective with these chimeric viruses, we'll tell the NIH and we'll stop the program, but they got one that's 10,000 times more infected. So you see all these proposals, mm. right? They don't allow access to the databases, which the indicates they were trying to do something. That's what I right. take. The, I, that's what I take the proposals to mean. They were trying to do something. And in some cases, publicly, DARPA has said, no, we don't want to do that. But also like uh, what was the FBI movie uh, like Colin Farrell, where they're like, you didn't make it in, but you made it in. So publicly you're not in, but you're in behind the scenes. That's kind of how they run black projects. Yeah. Underground projects. Yeah. What would you think they're going to print it? <laughs> they did print it. They just told you they're not doing it when they're doing it. That's how that's government. It's propaganda. gaslighting at its most effective. right. Gaslighting. Yeah. 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 And see, so here's a great example of James. Although it's quite possible, this has come from his timeline, that the SARS-CoV-2 virus had small edits. See, he denies the editing of the virus. The, the, he's not, he doesn't deny the chimeric function, but he, he goes into a different mechanism of how that's determined. He still says that's, it's, he still that's says fascinating. it's fascinating. Is he talking about the alpha strain? Because the Omicron strain seems to have come out of nowhere. Like it did yes. come from a lab and there's a lot of data to back that up. So which strain of the virus are we talking about? If you're talking about origins and whether or not it was edited. Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's also that Taiwanese lab leak. Uh, we, there's a bunch of, and they're still working with, Anyways, if it didn't get all. edited, here's my question. And I'm a layman. So I'm just asking this question. If it didn't get edited, how did they get it to attach to the human ACE2 receptor where heretofore that was the thing they could not get that thing to do and had to do specific gain of functions in a lab that we've read the proposals for that they actually did that Correct. the science and nature magazines wrote about from 2013, 2015, 2017. Hey, the next thing could happen here because these people were doing crazy things from this lab. They warned about it. They knew about it. They did it like, like in front of everybody. So this gaslighting, it stops in the face of irreconcilable evidence to the contrary. Yeah. I mean, what he's, what this Jamie Metzl is doing and he, he claims it's still gain of function. What, what they've done, he claims is they've taken multiple coronaviruses, used humanized mice, and they sort of let them infect the mice. And then any mutations that take hold, they then extract that mutation and then they infect other mice. And as they go on this progression of natural selection, they eventually get one that becomes, uh, becomes more transmissible. So it's still gain of function. He's still arguments gain of function, but his, his job here, the way I see it, and I'll read this quick sentence here in a second, but I think his job, and I'll put myself back on before I read it, is to cover for Fauci and Collins. Because in the interview with Lex Friedman, he goes on to give effusive praise, as I mentioned, to Fauci. He says he has enormous amount of respect. If it wasn't for the vaccines, we'd have all these problems. But then he still goes on to say it's gain-of-function research and that we were funding it. So he's a weird shill. And to me, he's a perfect example of Cointel Pro. He's going to tell you about 95 99% of the truth. But then he leads you astray. A red herring, a straw man, builds an argument that has nothing to do with the issue at hand. We have an eco-health proposal that shows that the cleavage site 
including some very strong evidence that cleavage Dude, was and they actually said they wanted to release it in their DARPA right. proposal. They, they said it. they wanted to do everything that just happened. And when DARPA said no, they're going to leave it hanging on EcoHealth. This is how it's going to play out. Yeah. DARPA said no. So Peter Daszak wanted to do it anyway. And he acted as the lone gunman who did it unauthorized. But yes, everybody it came from the lab and the yada, yada, yada. That's how they're going to extend. That's why that's why Lancet just burned him. They just did a wicker man on him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's they're, a Saturnalian the, thing that fall. just happened right there. <laughs> you know, uh, Saturn eating its child. Uh, although it is quite I thought possible, thought it was Cronus. Cronus, or, or Cronus, or Cronus is, is Saturn. Saturn. It's Cronus. Oh, there is you Saturn. go, kids. Yeah, yeah. So, although it is, I'll just read here quickly this one sentence so that you can see how he sort of very cleverly spins this. Although it is quite possible that the SARS-CoV-2 virus had small edits, such as for its for its furin cleavage site, as suggested by Nobel laureate virologist and former Caltech president, David Baltimore, yeah. the possibility made all the more real when details of EcoHealth Alliance is March, 2018 DARPA proposal. This is what they just referenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Dore from the Newsweek article came to light. The lab incident hypothesis does not require any genome editing to be valid. So he's trying to uh, use a red herring to build up a straw man to lead you away from the fact of, oops, I didn't want to click that of uh the editing that would have been done because that's even more of a pernicious why is that tony because what did they edit it together with why is he trying to get you to look away you're right hiv HIV. that's you know but there's there's more conscious intent so what it does here is it gives them plausible deniability it's like well we are just trying to find pathogenicity for the future pandemic could emerge we'd have vaccine technology ostensibly a question have they ever done that heretofore has it ever worked the, all these things that they claim no. they're going to do this research. To prov- no, they don't. They don't have any re- They don't have any more evidence of that than they do that when you take the ju- the boop boop jab jab thing, it l- reduces your COVID symptoms. Where like it's a it's like a nocebo. In fact, we're going to get to later on in the vaccine section. There's in the Pfizer's own documents they talk about an adverse reaction called vaccine associated um, disease. V a Vaccine associated, I forget what the E stands for disease, but essentially it, the vaccine can cause the COVID disease. So there's also, anyways, I mean, we already are aware of that, but. And that's similar to, but separate from antipony dependent enhancement. enhancement. Similar to, but separate from, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Super. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't even in at that much risk from the bioweapon at first, but now they're, they're ratcheting it up. And also, if you go back to February of last year in this show, we showed you the Pfizer quarterly report or whatever document that was where they're like, it's going to be six doses next year. So it went from two to six and we're halfway there. They got you on four jabs already. Year's not up. Well, the year's up here, but not the year, you know, from them starting to do boosters. Yeah. I mean, Israel is the most aggressive here, which is very ironic in many. They'll get the six by spring, I bet. Yeah. And so New York state is at, or city specifically is at three to be fully vaccinated and to have the key of New York pass or the hell it's called. You need three doses now, not two. So it's already happening in New York city. I'm sure that'll be extended to the state, the state, like I mentioned, there's been uh, legislation that's been, I think passed now by signed by Hochul of being able to do contract tracing and putting people in camps based on COVID-19 uh, infectiousness. So they're, they're starting to emulate more of Australia, whereas you still have like Florida and Texas, which are the complete polar opposite. So it's because of the weird separation of powers we have here, it's very transparent and conspicuous. Um, it's what's only portends a potential civil war, who knows, but it's, it's a mess. I think we should emulate 
the United States in like 1980s. I was going to say the early 2000s, but you had 9-11. I was going to say the 1990s, but you had Waco and World Trade Center 1993. I was trying to figure out where there's a reference. I was too young in the 80s to know any better, but they had Iran-Contra. I don't know. Uh, BCCI. How about we just make America great now instead of saying it was in the past? How about we just get that done now? Freedom sooner than later, please. Because these people were about to go full, not even Nazi, man. I mean, the Nazis, how many people they get rid of? Let's say 10 million. I don't know. What did the Soviets do? What did the communist oh, Soviets do? were like dozens and millions, dozens of tens, mil- and tens, like tens and tens and tens of millions. And tens of millions. The Nazis could only dream of what the Soviets and oh, they totally China mechanized could do. It. Yeah, yeah, they weaponized it. They systematized the whole thing. They had human extermination down to a refined science at that point. Yeah. And that was those were eugenics projects, to be sure. And if you look at the people who funded all this stuff and bragged about it as their projects, they were eugenicists. That's correct. So now they're bringing all that stuff home to roost. They weakened the American immune system mentally enough with the schooling system over a series of years. They have the people that are the people who know better, who had enough sense of history. They all just kind of got exterminated in those nursing homes with the first round of COVID, right? Take out the elderly, the wisdom. This is what's been going on in in other countries around the world as they got overthrown by systems of slavery. Destroys one's culture to implant a new sort of globalist vision of a new metaverse culture, transhumanist culture. It's a removal of like, you know, the wisdom traditions of various nations and the indigenous sort of populations and the sort of, you know, aligning with a whole new view of humanity 2.0, which is like, you need a sense of history to do that though. Like during my lifetime, there's this cat named Pol Pot, right? He's exterminating people in Cambodia in the seventies, right? If you had reading glasses, you must be smart. You must be a teacher. You must be able to read. Boom, 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 boom. They just had kids shooting people who knew better until all they had was a group of people who didn't know any better. And it was all Lord of the flies concocted by like Brzezinski and David Rockefeller puppet mastering experiments in that country. Also, you don't think these people were up to genocide. Now they're up to genocide the whole 20th century Democide specifically 300 million people. Just Google demo side D E M O C I D E university of Hawaii. You'll see the whole That's study. not the only study, by the way. I know, but it's the okay. original study that I learned about it. From. That's where I first learned about it, but there yeah. were studies in the nineties also too. Um, well, that's when he that, did it. It was like, it was a, it was a guy from those two thousands when they did the whole. No, Cause it's study. still the poor, same poorly formatted website, like from the eight, from the nineties. Uh, okay. Well, there's, there are other studies though. I know that's not the only, cause sure. I, it, um, oh my God, look at my stack of books. Oh my God. Well, the explaining postmodernism book. I'm forgetting the name of the author. He he cites a number of different studies associated with democide as well. Um, and Dr. Peter Grimes, who's a Platonist, he cites a number of studies for in regards to democide that I was not, not beyond the University of Hawaii. So I found democide means death by government. It's right. the largest killer of civilian populations in the 20th century. It doesn't count war either. Doesn't right? count. War is not counted in the 300 million people during the 20th century that got exterminated by their governments. That's correct. So. America having a form of government where we have rights as individuals, these sort of things, checks and balances, not lobbyists, K Street, philanthropy from Pfizer type of things going on you have today, right? So there is a balance and we are not near that balancing point right now. We're going off off the deep end over there 
with totalitarianism and despotism. And when you got the guy who created the mRNA technology itself, Dr. Robert Malone, look up any of his Working recent at the comments. Salk Institute, which was a eugenics, you know, early on. Yeah. And, and he knows better and he's talking about it. And you look right. somebody else like uh, Vladimir Zelenko, who saved tens of thousands of lives and has treated members of Congress and all has this early treatment therapeutic. Listen to what he's saying. He's not talking in his interviews about anything to do with his speciality as a doctor. He's right. talking to you as a father, as a leader and someone who understands history. Now it might be a little, you know, overly focused on like, you know, biblical stories and stuff. But when you look at the things he's pointing at, they're definitely going on whether or not you attribute them to things that are going on in the bigger picture. That's up to you. But the other parts of the despotism and totalitarianism and to hear the creator of MRNA and Zelenko talking in Peter McCullough, terms, the, one of the top too. cardiologists in the nation, one of the, the most published cardiologists in the And they're more nation. concerned with the, the treatment than the illness itself, like the treatment, uh, like the illness is here and they have early treatment for that. But the bigger problem they see is this overreaction, this cytokine storm by government and authority to assert control and lock down and take away people's rights and to make everybody capitulate and subjugate. That's the thing that they see affects them, their families, their kids, their grandkids. Those are the real concerns of individuals who have gotten on that far in life to have that much experience. It's not about... These other things, yes, they'll help you with early treatments for the thing that came out of Dazak's lab, but these other things that are going on are more overreaching than anything that threatened anybody during World War II. Correct. That's extreme. That's extremely well said. And I'm trying to find the quote here. By the way, the book is called "Explaining Postmodernism" by Stephen R. C. Hicks. Um, I'll find the democide thing. But that's exactly right. I mean, the fact that they're not focused as much. I mean, they'll tell they talk about treatments, but they're and we're going to get to Dr. Zelenko later on. They're going after your kids. Like the battle, you don't think the, the war is already going on? It's in half the people's houses in this country. It's in their immune systems right now. And Whether they're trying to subjugate or take you off to a camp in many parts of the world, including parts of this country now. Yeah. yeah isn't that crazy? Isn't, I mean, it's, it's slow boil. It's uh, the fallacy of the mean, as we call it. Um, you know, it's the frog in boiling water. So very slow, very slow, very slow. We slowly capitulate uh, to it, you know, and allow it to happen. It's very disconcerting i think people just don't know quite what to do exactly but anyways. all right so let's make it out of that section <clears throat> the wuhan crew and the fauci flu it's always like a quagmire quick sandy type situation so we gotta get into it every week and then drag ourselves through it and out of it let's get to the vaccines therapeutics and whatnot <clears throat> there was a demonstration this week at the, at the white house they have come out with some early treatment and uh you can actually do it over your phone and it takes 10 seconds so um, the White House presents not only testing for your house, they're going to send that to you, but what they can do for you right now is they can help your immune system uh, with 10 seconds of video. Um, th these nurses are going to explain.
That was the longest 10 seconds yeah, I think, I've experienced in a long time. I'm not sure where the 10 seconds is. There's there's a little more down here. Oh. A nurse choir? What the fuck is this? Is that what you need to do if you induce vomiting and you don't have Ipecac? You just watch, <laughs> watch that. All right, so... Um, that was one of the craziest seances I've seen there since uh, Abe Lincoln and Mary Todd used to do the thing back in the day. Uh, I don't the Christmas. You know, spirit. that's, that's fat. I forgot about that. Oh, got, good, good. I actually got to pull out my George oh, Washington. Look, look how they did. They cut the shot where George oh, Washington shit. is like presenting you record. with here's your freedom. It's all masked up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You need a little more Christmas. That looks like keep Christmas harder then. Masked up. That might be a good segue into Christmas that. Harder. All right. Uh, the next clip is I was oh, here real quick. Clip. So I found this this data point. Um, this is on page one forty eight of explaining postmodernism, skepticisms, and socialism from Rousseau to Foucault. Stephen R. C. Hicks. I'm not going to pull my camera down right now, but it's real quick. Uh, I'll just read this one quick uh, couple sentences. As it became impossible to believe in the morality of the Soviet Union, a shrinking contingent of true believers shifted their devotions first to communist China under Mao, but then came revelations of even worse horrors in China in the 1960s, including 30 million deaths between 1959 and 61, 30 million in two years. Then Cuba was the great hope, and then Vietnam, then Cambodia, and then Albania for a while in the late 1970s, then Nicaragua in the 1980s, but the data and the disappointments piled up, all dealing a solid and devastating blow to socialism's ability to claim a moral sanction. I'm just glad that the CIA and MI6 have never run operations in any of those countries because there would be an overlap between the two (laughs) stories, and I would get confused. That's a great point. That's Thinking they were almost one and the same thing. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I, luckily we don't have to use our brains to process them. What's that again, LD? You don't have to think about it, dude. That's right. Such Thank a pressure God. release. One such set of data is reproduced below Thank in the you, form Ethan. of a table comparing liberal, democratic, authoritarian, totalitarian governments in terms of one measure of morality. The number of their own citizens those governments have killed. Killed by own government, killed by international war. The term is called democide, defined of killing one's own people. Communist governments account for 110 million of these deaths, and the source is Rummel, 1994. I'll try to see if I can get that. And therefore, capitalist governments uh, consisted of 200 million, right? Is that what it says? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. At this so point. therefore, communism is better than capitalism. Dun, dun. No, that's an oversimplified, not true argument. But the point is, regardless of the ism well, the driving point, a government, the, they, yeah. totalitarianism and despotism, whether it comes from cartel capitalism, communism, socialism, or any other ism, it's probably not good for individuals or individual liberty and freedom. And that's where all the great things in life are allowed to survive and thrive. Yeah, I think it's saying like, even based on these sort of especially in democratic nations, even democratic nations are so killed by own government, 2 million authoritarian nations, 29 million and totalitarian nations, 138 million. But the fact that any nation, regardless of the ism, even democratic nations killed 2 million of their own citizens. And that's an extremely low number. Um, that's not correct. Uh, so, you know, it just goes to show that all of these um, top down formulations of control lead to serious consequences in the form well, of well justice takes philosophical understanding and the absence of that philosophical understanding usually leaves man and uh, mankind being enslaved 
and in subjugation and servitude to a despot, a tyrant, or other. Yeah. A draconian ruler. Straight true. back to Draco. <laughs> no, but you're exactly right. That's, All right. So I want to stop reading that. Sorry. Just so uh, what have they done to us? Here's a Paul Joseph Watson report. Uh, exploring and explaining as only PJW can do. Let's check it out. Frankly, if, if, you, if you're not vaccinated at the moment and you're, you're eligible and you've got no health reason for not being vaccinated, you're not just irresponsible. I mean, you're an idiot. Well, as you know, I was quite hesitant about getting the vaccine, but famous lying war criminal Tony Blair calling me an idiot on national television has totally convinced me. You're an idiot. Inject me now. If, 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 the Archbishop of Canterbury says it's immoral not to take the jab and that Jesus would have taken it. This message is sponsored by the World Economic Forum. To that, I say, go to hell. Non-mark havers are immoral, declares heretic apostate Archbishop. Progressivism will hollow out your religion and its skin like a trophy because i'm sure jesus who told us quote blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake would be the first in line to denounce and scapegoat a minority of refuse nicks at the behest of global governments and a pharmaceutical industry with a 1.27 trillion dollar annual revenue yeah that sounds really christian doesn't it you claim to be an archbishop and yet i'm more well versed on the bible than you are read some revelations for fuck's sake <laughs> Maybe instead of bending over for the regime to push the message, you should concentrate more on the fact that there are nonces running riot inside your own cathedral. Rough sleepers in England will be offered accommodation for getting a vaccine this winter. I'll help you. Britain is considering the rollout of a fourth round of vaccinations against COVID-19. Only four? Why not release about seven more at the same time and then promote it to people like binge watching a Netflix series? We can do this, people. What's the best present you can give to your friends and family this Christmas? It's get you and them protected by getting the booster vaccine. Couldn't care less. Denise DeWald, MD, remember her? She was one of the voices pushing for a law, an actual law that would ban people from talking in bars and restaurants. You can't eat with a mask on while at work, but if you take your mask off to eat, don't talk. You can eat without talking. Talking creates way more aerosols than quiet breathing. Yeah, her. She's back with more reasonable suggestions. The only surefire strategy to avoid getting infected is not to meet up with other people. Give the virus no opportunity. If you must mingle with other people, wear a tight-fitting mask, preferably an N95 or better. And don't take it off inside, even when alone. December 25th, inside, on your own, sat in a corner, wearing a tight-fitting mask, crying. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everyone. But why stop at tight fitting? This rational and reasonable person bragged on Twitter about sealing it to her face with surgical tape. Natural immunity, meaning she already caught COVID before. Despite dressing up like the queen of the bedwetters. Secondary mask for displaying opinions. Yeah, like the rest of your get up doesn't already give us a stunning insight into your political proclivities. She fixed a cake that a cat walked on, but she's worried about Omicron. My antivirus get up seem to be getting a lot of luck. For 
from people at Newark spotting ill-fitting, non-CDT-recommended masks that keep pulling down to eat snacks. I guess doing everything one can to avoid catching and spreading a deadly virus is very funny behaviour. Yeah, because they're the weird ones. Lady, you're suffering from a mental disorder. And no, that's not a glib insult. It's a statement of fact. Illness anxiety disorder, sometimes called hypochondriasis or health anxiety, is worrying excessively that you are or may become seriously ill. You need to see a doctor, but not for coronavirus. Mass hypochondria, a planetary-wide phenomenon. Many such cases. What do you mean you don't have the 12 booths to show? I asked the gentleman behind me to please cover his nose politely and with summarily laughter. Uh, you post entire threads consisting of creepy pictures you took of random strangers and their children. You should be grateful that being laughed at was the worst reaction you had. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, Happy Christmas to you, too. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, yes, I-, I would do that. Oh, no, I'm sure I would have had a wild time at the perma-mask COVID test on arrival socially distanced Christmas party. I told my two unvaccinated daughters they couldn't come in our house. One drove all the way from Texas. We visited for two days on the patio. The other lives five hours away and is bummed she can't come for Christmas. And the winner of Parent of the Year award goes to... Authorities in New Brunswick, Canada and Queensland, Australia have given supermarkets the power to ban the unvaccinated entirely. Sorry, you're only on your ninth vaccination and we don't sell to racists. If you're not vaccinated, get the fuck out of my house. Soy wax. If you're not vaccinated, get the fuck out of my house. A bill in New York would give authorities the power to remove carriers of a virus from public life on an indefinite basis. But hey, at this point, why even complain? Life inside the corona gulag is starting to look more appealing than this hyper-paranoid, weaponized cringe world we've constructed around us. In the interests of public health, Canada is closing its gyms, but McDonald's will remain open nationwide. Maybe this is the solution. When I want to make sure people are healthy, I usually force them to stay indoors, close all of the gyms and stop them working and seeing their friends and family. I also keep them in a continuous state of dread, uncertainty and anxiety. This is for their health, clearly. Authorities in Wales will fine people who go to work, but they remain free to go on pub crawls. People in Scotland who visit nightclubs will be mandated to stay one metre apart from each other at all times, even on the dance floor. Pissed up Larry Scott's in clubs being told to maintain a respectable distance. Yeah, good luck enforcing that. How are they all going to start fights with each other? Don't touch the walls! While playing squash. Uh, have you ever tried playing squash without touching the walls? Somewhat difficult. Oh no, the walls! are infected. Take that, science deniers. Covers up scientific exhibit. A man has been arrested after getting the coronavirus vaccine eight times in order to get vaccine certification on behalf of other people. Arrested? He's merely six months ahead of the curve. I'm surprised they haven't erected a statue in his honour. The New Zealand PM said orgies involving up to 25 people are now allowed to happen. I can confirm that, that Tinder liaisons have reopened. <laughs> Wait, I thought the aim was to reduce the spread of viruses. Mass, we've been finding a lot of these lately in our coastal waters. Across the globe, an estimated 129 billion disposable face masks and 64 billion disposable gloves are now used every month, according to a study in environmental science and technology. And four ocean cleaning crews say they're finding it in the ocean by the thousands.
it's, it's everywhere. It's Bali. It's Guatemala. It's Haiti. Masks are required all around the world, and, and people are using these single-use masks. They're coming out of these stores, they're getting to their car, and they're taking off the gloves, they're taking off the mask, and they're tossing them into these parking lots. And all these drains are leading to the oceans. Greta Thunberg, any comment? Oh, no, she's too busy scowling over life-giving plant food, without which there'd be no life on Earth. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. People are popping COVID lateral flow tests like happy pills on the last day of Woodstock. One of the new romantic things me and my partner do every morning is wrap test each other for COVID-19. This pandemic just keeps on giving. Same woman. Memories of the happiest day of my life. Hashtag get vaxxed. Wait, you have two children and getting Pfizer was the happiest day of your life. The fuck is wrong with you? Feeling this. This was me outside a dear family member's wedding reception last week. Just waited to tell the bride and groom I loved them and congrats after I left. 350 people in one room, low ceilings, no masks, in a rural county with a 30% vaccination rate. I tested neck prior and wore N95 during travel, paid for a first-class ticket to maintain distance, didn't eat or drink on the plane, and two negative tests after, testing again today before returning to work as an RN, battening down the hatches again during this Omicron surge. Test, 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 test. Hypochondria. You need something testing, but it's not your COVID status, it's your noggin. What have they done to us? The 30 years old coom plier. Saves for a QR tattoo. Got COVID after every jab. I'm coom plying. If only everyone coom plied, we'd be back to normal. Worships Fauci vaccinated his newborn before circumcision. Secretly excited about new variants because he can comply more. Why won't you comply? Don't be selfish. Keep complying, idiots. Keep complying. Well, you know, the good news, Tony, is that with all that social distancing, all those rules, masks, etc., uh, reproduction rates are down. So... People who want depopulation, they're 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 getting it. They're getting it. I also thought it was interesting that like uh Gates funds Fauci and the World Health Organization. Fauci mm-hmm. and the World Health Organization tell y'all to wear masks. Those masks end up as pollution. And then Gates's other people come in and said, Hey, the world's too polluted. Uh, we gotta clean all this stuff up. And it's ironic that they got to wear the masks and the gloves while they're cleaning up the masks and the gloves because it's just making a bigger problem, which these super billionaire rich friends can come in and save us from. Their oh, plan is a self fulfilling like, prophecy from limits to growth through yeah. the early 70s and Club of Rome, all these documents. They talked about uh, how could we make the people of the earth feel like they're overpopulated? How could we make the people of the earth feel like there's too much pollution? And then their answers were, well, dude, stop making stuff to last. Let's do conspicuous consumption where everything's yeah, got like and planned obsolescence. And you, you meld those two things together and you got a shit ton of toxic waste all over the place. And then people will think everything's just ruined. But if you look at how many people are actually in the world and how big the world is and how much unspoiled territory there is all around the world, not just Africa, not Siberia, not Canada, there's all sorts of places that these people have not ruined yet, but they choose not to show you that because they keep you in your little terrariums and those little areas where they're allowed, you're allowed to access dirty areas. And they don't give you easy access to the clean area. So that they create an illusion and then they take power through people buying into that illusion all the way from back and Edmund de Rothschild talking about what if we, you know, told global warming and then that turned into agenda 21. It turned into the great reset. Plus they're forcing more and more people to have to go to the big city for, you know, specific types of jobs, you know, 
um, the, for higher paying jobs. I mean, there's still that push to get people more in the cities, which also sort of like remove you artificially from the natural world that make you then feel as though everything's too congested, too tight, too much pollution, all that sort of nonsense. You're absolutely right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They create the problem, then they have to try to engineer, uh, you know, this sort of, uh, the, it, it's the almost like the Hegelian dialectic. It. Yeah. I mean, here is a great solution. Although Hegel himself, didn't describe it like he, that. And it it's was only Fichte. the people who it were was followers was the one of his philosophy, like Fichte, yeah. that went with thesis, uh, antithesis, synthesis, and, synthesis. and, and then they yeah. took it to problem, reaction, solution-y type stuff. But there's a long history that you should know about just uh, just in that one phrase. The metaphysical assertion by um, Hegel to sort of fix the problems with Kantian philosophy. I won't get on a philosophical diatribe, but this, and, if anyone's... Kant. If anyone's interested, come to the Tuesday night town hall, seven o'clock PM. And I'll do, a, I have plenty of philosophical diatribes that go through there. The uh, real quick, in addition, a previous report by environmental group, ocean Asia found that 1.5 billion face masks are expected to be dumped into the sea to, in just one year. This is a clip where Joe Rogan and some dude were talking about like sort of how crazy. So, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they force us all to wear masks and the masks end up in uh, places where they shouldn't you know, and we know the masks don't work. So it might actually be a good segue into that Brett and Heather clip about masks, actually. Yeah, we could play that clip. Yeah, that's uh, under mask mandates. It's the first clip called Brett is struggling with mask compliance. Oh, he's skipping two sections down, LD. Should so probably just put in the beginning portion. But Throwing the whole show card off now. No problem. <laughs> I just like to introduce complexity. It's... Uh, Coming on training strong. for LD. It's triggering complexity. Yeah. We got it. Something else is adding triggered complexity, freezing my uh, OBS. So that's not that's really, okay. Not really fun, but all right. Well, how about this? You reboot. Uh, no, it's <laughs> stream will stop and be done. I'll have to start. Dun, 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 dun. I think I need to turn so off long. my little XSplit. My the fun thing that lets me take away my background. There you go. That yeah. seems yeah, when in doubt, restore yeah. resources. But we got that yeah. clip ready for you. All right. Brett and Heather. Will they get together on this episode? It's like Sam and Diane. I'm struggling between two instincts on the mask thing. I increasingly think the mask thing is uh diabolical especially as we inflict it on children and pretend that it's going to be low cost and that the reason that we're doing it is about keeping them safe from something that would actually render them perfectly safe indefinitely if they got it. Um, but the other thing is there's some, I, I think I must have picked it up from fiction somewhere, but there's some sort of an obligation to respect a highly capable enemy right? To note what the enemy has done right. And you can imagine being some kind of warrior on a battlefield and, you know, somebody outfoxes you and you both suffer from it, but also can appreciate the elegance of what they've done. Mm -hmm. The mask thing is diabolical genius. It is absolutely diabolical genius because of two things. One, the symbolic nature of it. Right. The fact that they have gotten us to remind each other 
of just how dangerous everybody is if you don't let your guard, your literal guard down, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you do let your literal guard down. That is a beautiful metaphor, right? Everybody else, they're your enemy. They're a hazard to you, right? Mm -hmm. And the point is... Unless you're sitting next to them in a cafe. Well, that's the thing, as you and I have have begun to joke about the COVID layer. The COVID layer exists up with the wait staff, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're standing and obviously the COVID is up there. And it's also very useful to have them be othered. Wonderful to have them be othered because of the class implication of it, right? You are being served there at the table, mask down. They are serving, mask up. It's lovely the way it it separates us. Um, Everything for division. Right. Everything to divide us. But then the the most amazing part of it to me is at the point that you begin to realize that this mask thing, that the evidence that the mask thing actually works by putting, you know, putting them on healthy people, that that protects anybody. It does not. Right. Mm-hmm. What's more, mask versus not mask is not the category. Most masks are garbage. Right. This is something I got wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most masks are garbage. For masks to stand any chance of doing any good, you have to get a really good one and you have to know how to use it. And that's not what we're being mandated to do, right? This is a symbolic gesture that has got us constantly in the mindset of COVID. And it is exactly the same goddamn thing as at the beginning of this, when they shut down the beaches and the trails and you and I were saying, hey, wait a minute, outside is where you want people to go. They are safest out there. It's mentally good for them. They can interact with each other normally and not be in such terrifying fear all the time. No, they should sit inside, eat Doritos, play on social media and wait for the vaccine. That's effectively what was being said. And so the thing is the masks um, are the way of getting the constant reminder out there where it doesn't belong. Right. And it is amazing. And the point is, as soon as you realize this and you say, you know what? The masks really are. That's the way the enemy has intruded into every interaction that we are going to have. And we are obligated to stand up against it. But now you're in a bind, Mm. right? If you don't wear your mask while others are wearing the mask, you are one of two things. You are either enlightened about the fact that the masks don't work and in rebellion, Mm -hmm. but much more likely you're just not somebody who cares very much about other people, right? You're not even willing to put on a mask to protect other people from a disease, right? And so the point is, that's that, that's mm-hmm. the trap here, yeah. is that we can't rebel, even those of us who are enlightened and understand the problem. And frankly, even me, who was ahead of this more than almost anybody and championing masks as a an obvious remedy at the beginning before we knew that they didn't work, yeah. right? Even I am in this bind where I can't stand up and say, you know what? I'm not wearing the mask anymore. And it's not about the rest of you. It's about the people who are using this mask mandate to to separate the rest of us, right? I can't make that point because just simply not wearing a mask broadcasts the message that I'm inconsiderate of others' health, which is not what motivates me at all. And yet part of what is being demonstrated is that even, even we will comply with some things. Right. So increasingly, I think what we need is a mechanism whereby if we have to put on a mask, we can indicate that we are not putting it on out of belief, that we are not going to stigmatize anyone who decides that they should not wear a mask because we know the truth of the thing, so that we are not in the position of being induced to broadcast a false message of indifference to our fellow man in order to rebel against some governmental authority that is abusing its power. Mm 
Um, and I don't know exactly how we get there, but we need to, we need to do it and we need to do it right away because, because this mask thing is such genius, right? They're getting us. It's like they've gotten all of us to wear their logo, broadcasting their brand everywhere, mm -hmm. right? And to put our own spin on it and it's enough, right? This is, this is evil. He's right. And I believe he's searching for a historical reference. I would offer Machiavelli or Sun Tzu or Von Clausewitz. Those are the, the strategies being used are military and warlike. Mm. And there's a history of that. And you can see similarities to what's going on today. But I want to go a step further. All this talk about masks. <clears throat> I went into a store shortly before Christmas and there was only one other free breather in there everybody else was masked up. I was like, did I miss a meeting? There's no town mandate right now. Like what's going on. And um, you get through that situation. And I, I think, you know, what I think, and they think what they think, right. They think, Oh, there's someone who doesn't wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. I think I'm someone who has a robust immune system. I'm not circulating with sick people on a regular basis. And uh, I washed my hands right before I came into the store. I have clean shoes. Right. So if you want me to wear a mask, how about you glove up and put some booties on those dirty MRSA infested fucking urinal feet that you got going around walking in those places. Right. Cause your hands are much dirtier than anything coming out of your face or mouth that I'm worried about. Okay. Where have you been? Where's your hands and feet been? You guys all get high and mighty because of the mask. Oh, you're touching it. You're touching products in the store. How retarded is that? How retarded is that? So you're not taking it seriously. I'm not playing a game. You are playing a game. I choose not to participate in that game. I have my, my mask is on the inside. It's called an immune system. And, um, yeah, sorry about, you know, that situation, but it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, to, you know, to Brett's point, you know, I, I guess he's unwilling to, or he's willing to still capitulate or comply in certain instances. And I was thinking to myself, like, when's the last time I complied with, you know, someone in a store asking me to put a mask on, there was, I've stopped wearing a mask so many months ago. I've sort of forgot. I was like one of the first to put them on. Cause I didn't know how deadly it was. I was one of the first to take it off. And, um, it was interesting. I was thinking I got masks shamed back in November, 2020 around Thanksgiving. I went to the health food store, which never closed down, never had mask mandates, never did anything, but it was a bunch of old, it was one of the busiest times in the store, um, right before Thanksgiving. And I remember walking by a couple that pointed to their mask and I was like the only one in the store that wasn't wearing one. But I also remember I went to a, like a postal connections just to send some mail and the store owners asked people to be masked up. And that was, the, I think the only other time I can remember in 2021, where I actually willingly put a mask on just because I didn't want to have to find another place to mail my stuff. It was going to be there for five minutes. And they, they personally, you know, they asked, so I was like, fine, I'll put on a mask, but otherwise I go to stores, I go do things and there's no, it's about 50, 50 where I live. There's a lot, I live in a much more conservative sort of libertarian style area. So people, uh, but I, you know, it's, it's not like Connecticut. It's not quite as 90 to 10% sort of thing, but you know, there's still a lot of people wear masks. There's a lot of people that don't, but I don't see a lot of tension between that, but I'm also don't get out much. Here's so what I, I know. know in the eyes of people who don't watch TV, I see no fear and they're not masked. And the people who are masked, their eyes are hundred percent in fear and they're plugged into toxic media all day. Yeah, good point. So am I supposed to adapt to that abnormal situation or should I stand my ground in my normal situation? I know what the right thing is and that's what I do.
That's right? well but said. for other people, you gotta, you gotta do the right thing as well for yourself. I mean, the, the virtue signaling right now is terrible. The, the NBA is a perfect example here. Dudes banging against one another, breathing, sweating on one another. And the second they go to the bench, they have little like, you know, ball boys, they have little mask boys now that bring their masks to them. And they're forced to wear a mask while they sit on the fucking bench while they're just out there huffing and puffing all over the place. Like really it's, it's, it's become a, it's a sign of compliance. I mean, to Brett's point, it's an incredibly diabolical psychological trick more in line of the sort of Oh, yeah, Sun Tzu or, yeah, I was thinking more is, of the Prince. Is there a group of people among us whose job it is to come up with psychological warfare operations and overthrow governments and change people's attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs? And they've used like MK Ultra, they've used Project Mo Operation Mockingbird. I mean, they have a full spectrum method of dominance. And that is invisible to ignorant people. So they're like, bro, why are you even thinking about it? But for people who are conscious and can read, I'm not even talking about reading between the lines. I'm just talking about reading reading what's going on like you heard jimmy Dore reading from newsweek for christ's sake newsweek of all newsweek places, is man. telling you this now yeah it's crazy that's it's absolutely insane i mean just thinking about jay dyer went over last week with all the different mk programs yeah and that's pretty conspicuous mk naomi mk mm -hmm. artichoke yeah see know. john lilly and, and all those and cats from my and research in the past <clears throat> might be inaccurate but mk was the german mind control or I, I would have to look at uh, what the abbreviation was, right? K probably might, yeah. Because the K, K is, was for control, yeah. From the German spelling of it, from my understanding, uh, of I could see that, yeah. Back in the day, because it was Operation Paperclip, and they were bringing the German projects over, and, and CIA was created th two years after they did all that stuff. Correct. It wasn't like you know, correct. So. Yeah, when he's talking about also you know them dosing people in small towns, I thought of Ponce Saint Esprit. Yeah, that plays the town of He France. didn't even mention that one, but there's there's a lot more. Like to to Dyer's point, he's like, how many of the times do they do this, and we don't even have this hasn't been documented. And I'm like, what was the role of MI6 in that? That's my question. Mm. Great point. Right, because everyone I mean, focuses on the CIA did that. It's that's like dude, the thing. The the not original. Was, they didn't yeah. come up with any of this stuff. The MI6 just doesn't doc. I mean, it doesn't leak as much of them, I guess, because I mean, it took forever for. There's a big ocean between us and them, and it seems to keep a lot of that information away from the colonists. That's a great point. Great point. The former colonists, now known as America. Yeah. All right, so let's move into. Can we go into the Om Omicron section? Yeah, we can do whatever. Omicron. Oh my God! Media ignores good news on pandemic. How would they do that? Is there uh, no we ratings wanna, before we news? do? What? What? What do, do you we want to go over the Borla? I don't know if you wanted to play that or not. The Lex oh, Friedman Borla clip. Albert Borla. The CEO of Pfizer, the guy who uh, said, "Let's use Israel as a control as a test group, <laughs> and use the Palest or Palestinians as a control group." That guy, isn't that, that pretty guy. much how it works? Over I mean, it, it's vaccine uh, apartheid that they got going on. Wasn't sure if it was something we need to highlight. Multiple or not, flavors but. of apartheid. All right, so Lex Friedman, who you know, he's a podcaster. He's a artificial intelligence, technocracy, technocrat, transhumanist, the AI-ish kind of you know, supporter, but he has a large platform and he gets uh, big names on there. Like Francis Collins, former, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Scowcroft? No, not Scowcroft. John Bolton impression, uh, record holder and uh, former head from NIH. He had him on there and gave him some softball questions. And uh, he's had a couple of the other people uh, that are 
interested in, in high profile in this area, but okay. So he has the CEO of Pfizer on there. So the CEO of Pfizer is told, go on, do this podcast. It's good public relations for this company. And you can address what Joe Rogan said and say horse paste, a bunch of stuff, you know? So I haven't listened to the whole interview, but I've, I've heard this clip. So let's go ahead and uh, see what Borla's response is and uh, see if you think it's kosher or not. Sure. I'm now in Austin, Texas. My good friend Joe Rogan, he's been highlighting to me this aggressive uh, marketing on mainstream media channels by Pfizer. So let me ask a general marketing question. Do you see this as a conflict of interest? Is it my bias, the reporting of news? That a lot of us, a lot of people, me included, look to these mainstream channels of news Pause it. for kind of authority. All right. So uh, when someone like Borla <clears throat> has this appointment, okay, he has this appointment uh, at Lex Friedman is the, Friedman is there. He's going to have this podcast interview. He doesn't just like brush his teeth, get dressed and go to the interview. Like the rest of the world does these things, right? He has a briefing from a multi-million dollar strategic messaging and marketing team. And they're like, okay, Albert, Lex is going to ask you these questions. We've pre-approved these questions. It's nothing bad, you know, this whole sort of thing, right? If they were any good at their job at advising him, the answer to his question would have been yes. And we're going to change our ways and watch our new ads that aren't going to be on these shows. Because he could just admit that would be the easy way out for Pfizer. Admit there's a conflict of interest. You've already taken over the world. You already got people hooked on your stuff. Go ahead and say yes and change your ways. And then maybe that'd be a more ethical, integrity-based company if they did stuff like that. But that's not what they do. Well, listen to what he says to this question. Yeah, real, real quick. I mean, yeah, you can just, just look at some of his comments. Uh, this, <laughs> let me just read these three. This is very fascinating. I need, and I need to get the filter to remove the like-dislike ratio. And these people are very in support of a lot. Like a lot of his audience are very much more in the normie spectrum. But um, Brian here says, I love how the CEO of Pfizer suggests that sponsoring a news outlet, which reports heavily on the pandemic, has no effect or shouldn't be perceived of any effect on what may be communicated. That's simply ridiculous and completely untrue. But yeah, let's just take his word for it. 591 up likes, 10 replies. Jason Lightfoot, this is interesting, is absolutely frightening how this man can sit there with a straight face, say that his company is not in any way involved with creating the public media narrative, and that they do not in any way interfere. 1,000 likes. 43 replies. And then this, this last one here, I'll just read. I love Lex was really looking forward to this conversation, but after listening to the full podcast, I'm very unsatisfied. Albert dodged most of the questions and have responses that essentially amounted to quote, it's safe. Trust me. I'm a scientist. It's called the ad varicundium fallacy, by the way, mm -hmm. end quote responses, responses like those are exactly why people have trouble trusting him and really wish Lex would have pushed back hard on that to your point, Rich. It's, you know, pre-approved questions. He's been, uh, uh, this is a perfect example of sophistry. He's been schooled in how he's going to answer and misdirect from any, he's never going to state evidence one way or another. He's just going to misdirect and try to gaslight and do a bunch of, uh, I could be wrong. Maybe those technique. questions weren't pre-approved. They might not have been to be fair to Lex, but Lex for someone of, of Pfizer's stature to be on a platform that big, it would be irresponsible for Pfizer to let their chief executive officer go on there without knowing exactly what this guy is going to ask you and, and what the answer is going to be ahead of time that's approved across the board. And I also just real quick, this has to be, I have to show this. If you can see at the top, right, everyone that's, uh, if you can't see it, it's an hour. This podcast only went on for an hour and eight minutes. 
Lex Friedman is known for doing three, four, five-hour podcasts with people. Francis Collins only went on for two hours. Um, well, I think it lasted an hour and eight minutes is because that's how long Borla's product lasts. <laughs> so they wanted to bring that marketing angle in there. They thought it was a good idea to like work it in like that. How much they can't talk about you know, eight, one hour long podcast where from a man who does three, four hour podcasts routinely with individuals. It takes longer to read the the legal documents about why they won't give up their research about what's going on for 75 years. It takes longer to read that document. It does to interview the guy well, on the so podcast. Yep. <laughs> there you go. So let's go but by 2075. You guys are going to know what's going on today. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll all be dead by then too. So it's, yeah natural causes or otherwise so as fauci says circle of life <laughs> do you have any fauci clips anyways go sorry Ger soundboard clips anyways we'll do it later but go ahead to the clip i'm sorry i didn't mean to <laughs> of authority uh, of like what the heck's going on in the world and if pfizer is sponsoring uh many of these shows there's a worry, it may be a perception thing, but there's also a natural worry that it would influence what they're talking about because they're afraid of losing the sponsorship. It's subtle, but at Is scale, it, it might have a serious impact. Do you worry about this? I think people uh, could go one way or another because of multiple reasons. From our perspective, we I don't think we have uh, aggressive marketing. What do we do? We go on TV and we are having uh, ads about our products and uh, they are highly regulated. I think it is the right of people to know, to learn that if there is a product like that. It's very clearly that we cannot say things that they are off-label, that have not been approved. We need to have, every time we go on TV, as you know, FDA is forcing us to say also the bad things that can happen. For a medicine, sometimes that takes more time than the good things. And I don't think that we are doing aggressive marketing. Now, people could be influenced uh, in, and can be biased in, in the podcasts or in the other type of media uh, activities that they have for multiple different reasons. Yeah, I know, but it's still, it's pressure. It's human nature. I mean, I, I, if, if one of it is perception, but I, I worry about it too. I think Pause I have a ton of quick. sponsors. That was subtle. Did you see how he threw that back at Rogan? People can be biased in podcasts, but yeah. we can't be. What? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's so first off, it's because Pfizer so Pfizer doesn't advertise on podcasts yet, but they're going to. I bet you, because right? they're going to want to control that market of people talking about their product. The other thing is, and I want to mark there. this sarcasm for anyone being snarky out there. But if you ever see Albert Borla without his glasses and when he shaves his head. You'd think he's a dead ringer for Klaus Schwab. <laughs> I'm just saying, were they separated at birth? Or is there like a merging like brother, long lost brothers going to like meet together at some point? At are they even birthed or are they just robots? They came out of a lab, bro. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Genetic manipulation. End of sarcasm. All right, there we go. We marked it just for closed captioning included some places. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and let, let them finish. Yeah. He's almost got his whole foot in there. Let's see. It's very impressive. But it's still, it's pressure. It's human nature. I mean, I, I, if it's one of it is perception, but I, I worry about it too. I think I have a ton of sponsors for this podcast, for example, and none of them ever asked me to anything. They're just, you know, 
I think likely that kind of pressure is not happening for Pfizer, but there's implied pressure sometimes. And I worry about that a lot because, um, you know, I look at academia, like I, I, I look for the good in people. I tend to believe most people are good or have the capacity to be good and the desire to be good. Uh, when I, I came to MIT, I, I was a little bit, um, disappointed, maybe heartbroken. How much pressure, um, I think unjustified pressure people felt from financial constraints, especially at MIT when there's, I think, a lot of money. <laughs> people still felt constraints and they weren't, it wasn't bringing out the best in them. They weren't supporting each other. They weren't loving each other, like celebrating each other's successes. I don't want to blame money on everything, money constraints, but when you have sponsors, it just, um, I personally worry that it doesn't bring the best out of people. And so I feel like I want to put some responsibility on sponsors and, and great big companies like Pfizer to, to kind of um, not get in the way of the best of human nature, whether it's sponsoring uh, podcasts, mainstream media, like, I don't know, athletes, whatever. Yeah. You need to know that we are so, so careful with sponsorships. First of all, we have very okay. few, very, very few. We have a team that for every single one. Brought to you by Pfizer. All right. So first off, I want to get, I, if I was Lex, I'd be like, can you say the great reset place? Can you say uh, Davos? Uh, I'd be checking this guy's voice print. He sounds just like Klaus to me. Uh, secondly, Lex's question was like 130 yards long. And Borla's communication director, who's sitting off camera, was probably writhing in her seat like, what fucking question are you asking right now, man? Yeah, what are you right. saying? He, Get he back died, to the to thing. That, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and, and the dude is not like most people. I believe most people are good, too. I agree with Lex there. Right. But uh, those people I, yeah. in his position of, Hey, let's take our experimental product. And instead of doing testing for 17 years, let's give it to people in their highest point of fear and panic. When we take away all the early treatments, this is nothing. They'll have nothing left. We'll have an insulated market. They'll have to buy. And what if we tell them they need to take it more than once to protect from what the flu and the cold. Okay. They'll buy into it. And they're fucking churning tens and tens of billions of dollars. Plus our freedom along the way. Well, and some of the but maybe I'm he, wrong. Some of the things you just said there. I mean, yeah, most people are good, but then I think Lex is right. People feel people are willing to compromise themselves based on financial constraints. And I think he was alluding to scientists that work at MIT because he was that's a government university, bro. That's right. I know. That's yeah. I think and he, he's from he knows Russia. he gets he needs government grants so, in order to fund their research. And, and what research. is government? What is government? When I say government. What do I mean? I mean, Raytheon and Northrop Grumman and Lockheed yes. Martin right. and places that make smart weapons, basically. DARPA projects, even. They would you know, use MIT scientists for- DARPA, IARPA. Consultants, you know. so they would yeah. be considered rather than government grant. Yeah, it'd be a mess. But we're going to have to, let's finish this clip. And then afterwards, let's play that. Uh, there's a minute long sponsored by Pfizer I posted in the GTW production. Let's just play it right after because some of the shit this guy is saying. It's not um, that many places, though, everybody. Just hundreds of millions of viewers of the places that they do advertise. Mm -hmm. But there's not that many. Plus, it's the podcasters that are biased, not the advertisers, Rich. Don't That's worry. right. So. Damn you, Steve Jobs, giving podcasting platforms on your devices. It's his fault. Yeah.
until we start sponsoring those and it's thanks steve jobs all right let's let's let the let the let's let the rest of this roll so we have very few very very few you have a team that for every single one could be two thousand dollars they will try to see if there is a conflict of interest in the way we do it and also what is the reputation of the of the, the persons or the programs that we are sponsoring. So I don't think um, our friend, I think, was from Texas. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I don't think Rogan, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think he, he got it right that uh, we do uh, those type of things. We don't. Oh, in terms of manipulation, like having a, f- a negative effect on. Not uh, even having aggressive sponsorships. We have very few. Yeah. Right. When you clip them all together. Together. And most of the sponsorships that we have. I know it's near the end, but it's just like, oh, really? I know, it's tough. Really? I know. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, Honestly, I mean, it's not as bad as Francis Collins. That Francis Collins, Lex Freeman clip we played earlier, that was that was much worse. LD, can you look up how many billions of dollars Pfizer's paid in criminal fines in the 21st century? So, like, basically, the outlets that they sponsor are being sponsored by international, multi-generational cartel of criminals. And that's what he's leaving out of the conversation. That's his gaslighting of you. He's like, you know, it's a criminal cartel. Look at the billions of dollars. They run organized crime, fraud, scams on the public. Oh, here. They're rich. I found it already. Look at this list of largest pharmaceutical settlements. Oh, this is all wiki of all places. I rest my case. 2009 Pfizer company settlement 2.3 billion off label promotion and kickback. Spectra, Geoden, Zyvox, and Lyrica. Right. So, Lex Friedman, he could ask these questions. Hey, how, what's the response? You guys weren't trustworthy back then, but you guys uh, changed your colors and you're, you're good now. We're, we all just trust you. Right. Now, can I see the largest uh, settlements against Joe Rogan? Do they have a list of those? Uh, oh, so he's not a cartel criminal. He doesn't have a big rap sheet record of hundreds of thousands of pages of federal documents. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I do trust him a little more than you, you Klaus Schwab, want to be. Well, you know, Rogan tries to find evidence, speaks with diffidence, asks some decent questions, you know, and has on people of dissenting opinions. That's so wrong for freedom, Tony. <laughs> so wrong. So wrong. All right. Let, let him finish. Let him bore the head. Bore the hell out of you. Jesus. And most of the sponsorship <laughs> that we have, it is Orla. more on patient-related organizations right. rather than uh, we are very Please. careful not to sponsor other things that can be perceived, not even uh, influenced, but perceived that we may influence. So we are very, very careful on that. This is not the case with us. Well, do you get play that minute clip? Yeah, this this transition right into that. It's on the, the GTW production. It's just the sponsored by Pfizer. Let's just we've done this a zillion times on the show, but let's just after that replay because again they don't they don't sponsor much. You know, it's very limited who they sponsor. So let's just see what that's about. Let's let that load. I don't know that guy. You know, he dresses sharp. He's got nice glasses, good accent. He's got a watch on that costs more than America, most Americans' houses. He's a good sophist. He's better, honestly. He's probably a bit better than uh, Collins and Fauci, to be honest. Although Fauci, Collins is pretty damn good, too, at being a sophist. Fauci's a little weak. Fauci's just, uh, you know. 
I'm just looking through a, a couple crazy, books here. Like while you evil guys Italians, sickle, leprechaun style thing. What was it called before it was called Pfizer? Do you remember, Tony? You know, I, I was wondering that. I don't know, actually. What I was got this it? book here called The Crime and Punishment, I.G. Farben. Oh, Farben, that's it, it. Well, no, it's not necessarily okay. true. I got the Rockefeller family in the index and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just trying to see because well, I know it wasn't. Now. I thought it did. Hold on. Uh, so, I, uh, fuck. Maybe I'm um, misremembering where the chemical patents who was the big chemical patent holders? I thought that was Germany. Here's this uh, war against the weak. Eugenics in America's campaign to create a master race. Glad this shit's not going on right now. You don't have to read that book. I know I remember reading the reference. Somewhere. And I'm doing it live. So this is interesting. Yeah, so this just, is interesting. Oh. Go ahead. Oh. Do you have it up? Yeah, yeah, I can roll this right. Oh, yeah, quick. go for it and then we'll come back. Yeah. Good morning, America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. They don't well, fund I, much. No, I got the Pfizer over here. But you know what's interesting, Tony? I'm mm. trying to learn a little bit about Pfizer real quick during a break. And so, you know, start here. Pfizer is the world's largest pharmaceutical corporation, yada, yada. I'm looking for how they originated, right? And look at this. It, got a, it has to show you the ties to American Legislative Exchange Council because they have influence, right, Alec? And then ties to state policy network overview and history, lobbying, subsidies. They're not that aggressive though, Tony, avoiding billions in, in federal taxes, uh, political contributions. But again, Tony, they're not that aggressive because, you know, podcasters do these sort of things too. Pfizer and healthcare reform, policy reformation, corporate policies, public relations. Oh, here's some drug controversies. Looks like total business. You'd want to, you know, you want to tr trust these people with your life. They know you, they care about you. They got international things going on lawsuits, clinical trials. So just try, like, usually it'd be the, the history would be right here, history and origins. And instead they have to tell you about their political work and the influence that they uh, sway over one. Right. So it's not only that, but then, you know, I've shown this a number of times. You have FDA, Pfizer, Scott Gottlieb, you have, you know, Reuters, Pfizer, James Smith, you know, there's a bunch of these individuals, obviously FDA and Moderna as well. And I age who So, you know, there's this 1849 door. Brooklyn, New York. And what were they doing during world war one and world war two? Right. Oh, look, there's their sales exploded from 27 million in 1945 to 43 million in 1946. What was the, what was that? The end of the war? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. This is fascinating. Maybe people should consider this before getting into business with the Pfizer, you know, 
because I think it might be relevant. Might be. Yeah. And check uh, out this Andrew Ross. They uh, buy a lot of influence. So there's a reason why they pay out what 2.3 billion. That was the total mark in 2009 for, you know, marketing off label. They're like, they do aggressive marketing. Everyone knows this, but he just sat there and just lied. Well, out of this fucking. Now, you know, and knowing is half the battle. The other half is showing up. Do those two things. You're pretty well off. All right. He's there to reassure. I mean, so Lex Friedman, he received the Pfizer vaccine. Because I remember because he had on, uh, who did he have on that? Oh, it was, he had on someone that was not privy to the vaccine. And so he went, oh, no, I remember. It was someone who supports the vaccine. It was Vincent Racaniello, the guy who interviews Peter Dajak. Mm. And the other Dajak's like, you know, but you know, you're a virologist. The spike, yeah. the spike drives the action. And he, Vincent Racaniello, he's an interesting guy. Um, but he, Lex had this opening statement about how he got the Pfizer vaccine, but how he believes that it's a person's individual choice and right. And it's, you know, wants love and happiness for humanity, blah, blah, blah. But he, you know, to me, it's almost like he wants some sort of reassurance. He has Albert Borla on, he has Francis Collins that he almost made a right decision. Now, this is, I'm actually committing a fallacy. <laughs> or it could be him playing front role or front and, role and, and bearding for the, the globalists who are doing it. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Not sure. I think he's a nice guy. He's probably a little naive. I think about, he's naive a little bit. Yeah. Well, naive people knows? can conduct themselves in a non-freedom way just as easily as evil people can, right? And the irony is he's a big sort of, you know, irony. Right. He sees that on a bunch of like libertarian people as well. So he's a weird, he's a weird dude. I think we should hit the Jackson report and then go to the Omicron section. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we do. Yeah. LD, you got that? Uh, the Jackson Report is right above Omicron. <laughs> Carl sent me this. There's a funny video on CEO of Pfizer does the weirdest thing ever at Orange Fire. is a weird neck thing. We'll maybe play that later on in the evening. So I had it on the show card a couple nights ago. Thanks, Carl. I've seen that before. It is gnarly, but we'll save that for late night. Yeah. It is late night. Yeah, we can't can't cover that this early in the show. We got standards and practices. We kind of that's good. Do it live and head in the light direction. All right, LD, you found that? Working on it. Loading times are longer than normal tonight. <laughs> it must be so... Cyber Polygon. They're gonna do the year. Yeah, they no. they took that uh, Y2K thing and they're like, let's hold on to that for like 21 years and then do the thing. <laughs> Uh, I remember I had all my stuff turned on for Y2K. I was in eighth grade and I had uh, like all my computers running on TV. I had everything on, but I remember not... I had friends in Australia that already had their too. And they're like, Oh yeah, everything's fine. And I was like, Oh shit. When I found out that I had clients that were like big banks, like JP Morgan, none of these places had their Y2K plans done. And I was pretty sure shit was going to happen. So even working in the so industry, too. there was a lot of money spent around y2k preparation and all these things so it's not like they haven't done these sort of things before and churned a lot of money from people who are not looking into the details we'll see what they're doing this time we'll see what they're doing this time but they're all setting up camps in australia so. goddamn zero right yeah, yeah they're building camps, camps for the future just yeah, saying the pandemic's never gonna end with those 
New right. Zealand, Australia. All right. So this is coming from this week's High Wire with Dell Big Tree, and this is the Jeffrey Jackson report. Consistently worthy of this show. Yeah. All right, Jeffrey Jackson, it's the holidays. Uh, I know you probably got shopping to do. I got things to do. So uh, why don't we just get right to it, shall we? <laughs> that sounds great. All right, let's get into the news. And uh, what holiday would be complete, wouldn't be complete without Mark Zuckerberg when he's not busy trying to put VR goggles on your face or upload your consciousness into a USB stick. He's, taking, <laughs> he's being taken to court. Uh, this is what the headline looks like. Facebook admits in court that fact checks are just opinion. Now, this is something that a lot of people already knew, but now it's coming out in court papers. Right. And this was a lawsuit uh, by John Stossel. John Stossel, if anybody remembers, he's the uh, ex-ABC News and Fox Business Network um, yeah. correspondent and journalist. And so it's about a month ago now, just at the end of November. And here's the, uh, here's the lawsuit, John Stossel versus Facebook, science feedback and climate feedback. Those two are the, the fact checkers. And it says in there, uh, this is what Facebook wrote. For one, Stossel fails to plead facts establishing that Meta, that's what Facebook is now called, Meta, acted with actual malice, which as a public figure, he must. For, for another, Stossel's claims focus on the fact check articles written by Climate Feedback, not the labels affixed through the Facebook platform. The labels themselves are neither false nor defamatory. To the contrary, they constitute protected opinion. So what they're saying here is Facebook hires these third-party fact checkers or allows them on the allows them to look at this moderated content on the platform and then facebook affixes these labels but these are just opinions just like right. everyone else's opinion on there whether it's a scientist's opinion or a doctor's opinion uh even even research is looked at as opinion on there so it's just a bunch of people throwing opinions at each other apparently on facebook's platform and right. this is what this, this is what stossel wrote back in the new york post so he wrote an opinion column he says, here's where the facts about me lie. Facebook bizarrely claims its fact checkers are opinion. And he says, quote, it was, it was Facebook, not just a third party that declared my posts, quote, partly false, end quote. Facebook's warning was created by Facebook and posted in Facebook's voice. As Facebook's own website says, we apply a warning label. And if we go over to Facebook, uh, which is now meta again, mm -hmm. uh, Facebook's website, this was on the, uh, vaccine misinformation science misinformation, uh, and this is their framework for this. And it says here, once a piece of content is rated false by fact checkers, we reduce its distribution and show warning labels with more context. So here, Facebook is intimately involved in, uh, it's not just some third party's opinion, they're intimately involved in removing this content, in throttling its its uh, viewership and really just eliminate it from, I mean, it's like a soft uh, digital yeah. book burning is what's happening online here. Yeah, it's incredible. And as you know, we deal with this here on the high wire. Of course, Facebook cut our channel last year. We also lost our YouTube channel uh, right around the same time, within a couple of months of each other. Uh, but these fact checkers are just obnoxious. And the question always is, is what scientific body? I mean, they're literally refuting scientists in, in many situations. Or in this case, uh, that was one of our most censored videos where all I did was stick a CO2 monitor under the mask of my son and let him breathe and show the world what it said. I mean, I don't know what needs to be fact checked about that. I didn't, you know, wasn't a magic trick. I didn't change how the machine worked. But all of this 
the WHO chief scientist caught lying to the public. If you remember that video, that went viral. And that one, I wasn't even speaking. That video was literally just two videos by the WHO chief scientist, uh, Swaminathan, um, who in a video for the WHO said that we have a robust vaccine surveillance system. And then at the WHO meeting just days later said, we don't have a surveillance system that we can trust. And those two together, those two videos got us fact checked. And so it really makes you wonder. But for people to understand, I wanted you guys all to understand sort of what it's like to have to deal with this. NewsGuard is one of these fact checkers that has reached out multiple times. You got to take the time to answer like every single question that they're threatening to downgrade your website or, you know, whatever their rating is of the website. And on their website, they claim to be funded by, you know, private parties, but also social media platforms. But this is a typical um, set of questions. I just sort of grabbed the last set of questions that I dealt with. I think there's just about a month ago uh, by NewsGuard. Now, they had already re-asked me all the questions they asked me the first time, which I answered right away, said I hadn't sent it, we had. But here were their new questions. This is one on VAERS. This August 2021 article claimed that VAERS data proves that there have been 13,000 deaths due to COVID-19 vaccines. The article did not mention that VAERS consists of unverified reports that can be submitted by anyone without including their name or contact information or any proof that the vaccine was responsible for an adverse effect. In fact, the CDC website that contains VAERS report states, while very important in monitoring vaccine safety, VAERS reports alone cannot be used to determine if a vaccine caused or contributed to an adverse event or illness. Um, they're threatening us, saying that basically we use VAERS to uh, make our points and state VAERS as facts. And so I responded to that. Here's my response that I sat down and wrote. Uh, we have never used the word proves when discussing specific data regarding death or injury on the VAERS system. That would be inaccurate. It is clear that these are only reports, which is exactly how we describe them. We always mention the fact that the VAERS system was determined to be unreliable by multiple organizations, including a study funded by the CDC and conducted by Harvard Medical School that determined VAERS appears to be capturing less than 1% of the total amount of actual adverse events that should have been reported. This serious problem of underreporting was understood by the CDC in 2015, yet they appear to have done nothing to address the issue. In no other time in America has a robust and capable vaccine injury capture system been needed more than at this time where a nationwide release of a brand new mRNA vaccine technology that never finished its long-term safety review due to emergency use authorization. The high wire is clearly more alarmed by this clear act of negligence by the CDC than NewsGuard is. Who is not negligent is the high wire and our parent company, I can, which will continue to report and bring attention to this glaring issue. They sum it all up with a final question. Are we going to make a change? Here's what that question looked like. Does this site stand by these reports or is a correction or retraction warranted? Although uh, as, as though they've somehow forced us into a retraction. The high wire stands by all of our reports, just as we stood by reporting last year when NewsGuard accused the high wire of promoting the lab origin theory when we interviewed guests who described how they believed the SARS-CoV-2 virus was developed in a laboratory. At that time, NewsGuard wrote, this is what they had said to us, this claim was found to be false by Health Feedback, a March 2020 study in Nature Medicine refuted the claim that the virus was created or genetically modified. I wrote clearly, our reporting and integrity on this issue of lab origin is aging better than that of Health Feedback or NewsGuard. We are confident that all of our reporting will uh, uh, age equally as well. Perhaps there should be an organization that fact checks NewsGuard in order to avoid these types of critical errors. Just a thought. 
CEO Del Big Tree. And so that's how I deal with them. I like to, in the end, point out what a ridiculous bunch of clowns they actually are. And if they watch the highway, they would learn how to do good journalism. And certainly if they would just sit through one or two Jackson reports, they would know the difference between what they're doing and actual fact-checking. Actually, the truth is, is I consider us a fact-checker. We've been fact-checking the CDC and fact-checking the FDA uh, through this entire COVID pandemic. We've been fact-checking the WHO. We've been fact-checking the President of the United States of America. So I guess it's only right that they would send their fact-checkers after us. But uh, I think we're winning this battle. And I think more and more people, when they see that warning label, it's creating almost a badge of honor. I think we're so tired of being lied to, so tired of manipulation by social media, that when we see these flags, I know at least for me, I say, man, that must be a video I need to see. And so I go ahead and I'm not terrified to just go into the box anyway and watch the video if it allows me to. So right. we'll take yeah, it. Yeah. And in, in a way, it kind of has freed us uh, here at the high wire because we're not we're not bound by the constraints That's of right. these third parties that are trying to control speech, control thought, control what we report. And we talk about this all the time. Uh, it, it's it's almost like an emancipation, if you will, of of yeah. of, of information. <laughs> so right. it's helpful, and our, our numbers have only grown since that's happened. So I guess that's thanks Facebook for 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 that. Thanks. You Instagram. know, I, I don't know if I share this with the audience. We were sitting down in a in a business meeting. Uh, with our accountant who was going through all the numbers from last year. And uh, we we're just looking at the donation numbers. And there was this clear spike where like this one, like almost like one day where our donation shot up. And I was like, wow, what did we talk about on that day? I mean, that must have been, what was that subject matter? And uh, my COO, Catherine, said, oh, that was the day we got kicked off of YouTube. And so uh, it was pretty amazing. July 29th, we got kicked off of YouTube. I think it was July 30th. Uh, was, I think, one of the record-breaking donation days we've ever had. So um, take that, YouTube. Go ahead. We'll, we'll take all that advertising so it seemed to work. <laughs> right. Well, let's move over. Let's move over to Texas because there's some uh, interesting news coming out of there in the form of a hotline. So here's here's the headline uh, just happened about a week ago. Governor Greg Abbott creates hotline for Texas employees to report vaccine mandates. Now, you would think, look at this and go, well, to report vaccine mandates like they want to make sure people are getting the vaccine. Quite the contrary. If you live in Texas, just like if you live in Florida or Montana or a lot of other states that took a stand against these vaccine mandates early on, even before Joe Biden's three uh, federal vaccine mandates became halted in court, uh, Governor Abbott uh, issued this executive order in Texas. And it was on October 11th, 2021. This is executive order number GA40 relating to, to prohibiting vaccine mandates. He says in here, no entity in Texas can compel receipt of a COVID-19 vaccine by any individual, including an employee or a consumer who objects to such vaccination for any reason of personal conscience based on a religious belief or for medical reasons, including prior recovery from COVID-19. And here he says, I hereby suspend all relevant statutes to the extent necessary to enforce this prohibition. So Governor Abbott took to Twitter to make this announcement as well, which kind of drove the news cycle and drove the headlines. He says, since day one, Texas has taken a stand against the federal government's unconstitutional COVID-19 vaccine mandates. We now have created a hotline for Texas employees to report illegal vaccine, illegal vaccine mandates. 
<laughs> the COVID-19 vaccine will always be voluntary and never forced in Texas. Now, this is through the Texas Workforce Commission. So if any uh, employee is getting forced by their employer, give a Texas Workforce Commission a call or email them to report that apparently because Abbott wants to know. Now, here we are. I, I wanted to add this in here, Dell. We had talked about this. Illegal vaccine mandates. Here we are. Christmas 2021 is wrapping up. And who would have thought two years ago that not only one, governments would be forcing vaccine mandates, but then other governors would be trying to protect their citizens and states from vaccine mandates. It kind of sums it up yeah, in this know. vice. Who, who, who did <laughs> yeah, this... know? Who, who did know that's what was going to be ahead? <laughs> well, in February 2020, Vice put out this headline, just to give you how fast conspiracy theory turns into fact. Uh, Anti-vaxxers are terrified the government will enforce a vaccine for coronavirus. You were, you were quoted in this article talking about the, the possible uh, Wuhan lab leak uh, origins on this. Wow. Um, and here we are almost uh, just about a year later and full circle. We have uh, Abbott trying to protect Texans from these illegal vaccine mandates Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. So it's not a conspiracy any longer. No, not at all. And yeah. if you're sitting around there for Christmas or with your, with your family, um, you may have already broken some rules. Check out this headline according to the CDC. Now, this was um, their guidance for the holidays. CDC recommends celebrating remotely or via video this year, regardless of vaccination status, because vaccination, as we know, does not stop transmission or infection. Uh oh, and I bet you somebody watching this show right now is on the CDC's naughty list. <laughs> breaking the rules. How dare you break those rules? The CDC really wants to try to protect people here. And uh, sure Fauci do. does as well. And what Christmas uh, would be really complete without Fauci chiming in on how to go about your personal Christmas with your family? Here's the headline on that. Uh, Fauci, families should prove vaccination status to each other during the holidays. Uh, I can think of about a million and one other things I'd rather be doing with my time than doing what he's recommending there. But let's listen to him on an interview. Try to really just stumble through this authoritarian garble. Take a look. All right. Let's take the holiday setting. You're with your family. You have grandparents and parents and children. When you get vaccinated and you have a vaccinated group and you are in an indoor setting, you can enjoy, as we have traditionally over the years, dinners and gatherings within the home with people who are vaccinated. And that's the reason why people should, if they invite people over their home, essentially ask and maybe require that people show evidence that they are vaccinated or give their honest and good faith word that they've been vaccinated. I swear, man, this guy is really starting to, you know, Get under my skin, shall I say. I mean, seriously, is this guy like the Grinch that stole Christmas? As I'm watching him, I mean, literally, if you just had a little green paint, like little green dye, and it's like the Grinch trying to rob you of Christmas. You know, the thing about him, and, and when I listen to him now, I just think, oh, from the mouth of the guy that took the greatest nation in the world, destroyed our economy, destroyed the education of our children, locked us down all to have the highest infection rate in the world and the highest death rate in the entire world. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tony Fauci, for your incredible work this year. Can I, did I say thank you enough for literally taking the greatest hospital system in the world, the best doctors in the world, and managing to kill more people than any other nation did, including including El Salvador, Africa, India, who all did much, much better than we did with COVID. But no, all, by all means, let's please keep listening to your dictates because they're working so well so far.
And the person who said with natural immunity, we'll have to look into that. That sounds like an interesting idea. <laughs> so someone that really is not looking at the entire breadth of science, but picture that, uh, picture that what he's talking about, how would that work? Would that be a QR code? You would be asking people to see their vaccine card. What about the children? What about babies? How are you going to check their yeah. vaccine, vaccination status? We need more instructions here, Dr. Fauci. I don't know if we yeah. can do it this year, maybe next year. No, I mean, think it'd be great if everyone would be a really fun little party trick, right? As your family's showing up with the boxes and the gifts and the, the little chihuahua in tow and the snow's coming down and you ring the doorbell, just have the door like opened up by an SS officer that just says, uh, you have papers, please? Uh, and then, you know, what do you do? Like, mom, dad, it's me. Yeah, we know. Talk to the Nazi if you want to get in here. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't. Just, it doesn't say family is all welcome here. I mean, division, unity. What are we talking about here? Absolutely, American values, Christmas values. Jeffrey, great reporting. Have an awesome holiday, man. Take some time off. You've been amazing. Uh, just so grateful to be working with you. And um, you know, I look forward to next year as we continue to win this. I mean, it's just been an unbelievably successful year. I would say in distributing truth and waking people up. You know, polls now saying 54% of America appear to be on our side, which is the side of critical thinking. Um, those people that are lining up for their third and fourth booster, I think that's right around the corner. Any moment it's going to dawn on them that maybe this doesn't make sense. So we'll get them next year. So until then, uh, have a great holiday, okay? All right. Well, they're not purveying fear. So I can see why they don't get the ratings that CNN does on that show. You know what I'm saying, Tony? It seems like putting you at ease with knowledge and facts and research and hope and optimism. And that needs to be banned from Facebook and YouTube and all these places because it's dangerous. It's funny how hope and optimism also evidence is dangerous. Uh, that's the one thing I love about the Jackson report. You know, he always shows so much evidence and studies and, you know, news articles. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's always funny because when I try to explain fallacies to people, I'm like, fallacies are very simple. It's whenever they are trying to misdirect from evidence. If there's evidence and there's something art, we can talk about the evidence and we can come to our own judgments and we can, you know, we might disagree on what the evidence is saying, but at least we have something to talk about. But most of the time people misdirect from evidence and they never do that. They always present evidence, which I greatly appreciate. And Jeffrey Jackson, his report has just been, I think, one of the highlights of this past year. He's an incredible, he, as an analogy, he's what Whitney Webb is for geopolitics he's what that is for just vaccine research for ICANN for you know that i mean that might be a bit extreme because no, whitney, webb does, whitney webb obviously does a lot more work and she does like full-on articles or and, and he does too but it's not as extensive but i think for his focus it's it's comparable so. but knowledge wise he's like a year behind her oh by well whitney's on a whole different level yeah. She's by far the best investigative researcher. I'm really using it as an analogy for his particular specialization or the type of audience you they check do. Check it out on Rockfin. If you're on Rockfin right now, you check it out after this show. Don't go breaking your attention. Yeah. All right, uh, she's, she's by far the best, but she gets she's much deeper with it. But for their audience, for what he does, it's like a, it's it's certainly apt. And, so. Well, there is uh, good information out there about this pandemic situation and the media is not giving it to you. So I guess that's why Sauger and crystal ball go to work every day so that they can cover these sort of things about uh, the situation out there uh, from a positive perspective that could help uh, boost your immune system.
right? Because there's the placebo effect and there's a nocebo effect. And if you're not uh, getting information relevant and uh, indicative of that, which is going on, you're being fed with deception, information, illusion, these sort of things that could have an ill effect on your being. So let's get some positive information in there and uh, see what it does for your immune system, your mask on the inside. We wanted to start this show with a little bit of good news. Yes, some holiday cheer. A little bit of good news on Omicron. I don't want to overstate it, but of course, you know, there's been a real sort of um, dark cloud hanging over the holiday festivities with Omicron truly spreading like wildfire. I know for both of us, anecdotally, a lot of people, more people in our circles who had close contact or who have gotten it. Uh, many of whom are vaccinated. Obviously, it's spreading wildly, even among people who are vaccinated. We've been wondering whether or not it is actually milder than Delta. That was kind of the hope is, well, it looks like maybe it's milder. That was the initial indication in South Africa, but their population very different from ours. Well, we now have more indications that Omicron is, in fact, a milder disease than Delta was. Let's go ahead and put Derek Thompson, who we just had on the show yes. as well and does a, a really great job breaking things, things down. Um, he goes through all of the evidence. Let me first say, even after he published this, there was another study out of the UK that also indicated that the disease is milder. So Derek's um, you know, evidence he offers here is South Africa, the evidence was really good. The initial evidence out of the UK was kind of mixed. There was a headline from one study saying basically there's no indication that it's less severe than Delta, but there's new research based on actual cases that does seem to indicate the hospitalization rates are lower. Um, they've tracked it in Denmark as well. Those indications are good. I thought this was really interesting. There was a study out of Hong Kong that he writes about here that gives a possible mechanism for why the disease is milder. And let me just read this to you. It says, one analysis from Hong Kong researchers studying viral samples in a dish concluded that 24 hours after infection, Omicron multiplied 70 times faster than the Delta variant and the original virus in the bronchus. That's the airways that connect your windpipe to your lungs. But the study also found that Omicron is significantly less effective than previous strains at multiplying in the lower lung tissue. Hmm. That might suggest a different disease profile for Omicron. Upper respiratory tract infections typically cause colds, sore throats, while lower respiratory infections are more likely to cause more serious things like pneumonia. The finding might also suggest a mechanism for greater contagiousness. Virus particles in the upper lung region are less likely to cause severe disease, but more likely to be expelled when people talk, breathe, sing, et cetera, et cetera. So just one study, but that would that would explain why it's spreading like wildfire, but so far hospitalizations are not spiking at the same level as the case numbers are spiking. Now look, he also goes through, and I think this is extremely important to note, if you are vaccinated, and especially if you're boosted, you are very, very likely to be fine. If you're older, then you know your risk profile is a little bit higher, but it's still sort of analogous to a bad flu in right. terms of your risk profile. If you're unvaccinated, it's totally different. 
if you're unvaccinated and you're elderly, you have a severe risk, a significant risk from Omicron. So those differentiations and thinking about who's going to be your, in your circle at the holiday, I think are really important to keep in mind. I think that's really well said. And the reason that we're doing this is because, look, I don't think the media is doing a good enough job of presenting an accurate portrait to the public. You know, George Washington University here in D.C. now closing um, for the first couple of weeks of January. I know universities all across the country that are doing the same thing, going online. The people are freaking out. Listen, it's okay. You know, as you're saying, we can see the severity going down. If 85% of American adults have at least one dose of the vaccine, which confers a pretty a pretty significant reduction in hospitalization yeah. and death, these are things to celebrate. Another one, let's put this up there on the screen. The FDA yesterday authorized Pfizer's anti-COVID pill as Omicron begins to surge. Now, tens of thousands of these pills are sitting in a company warehouse in Memphis. They're literally ready to be loaded onto trucks and planes in anticipation of the green light and soon will be available to people with a prescription. Now, personally, Crystal, I think that this should be made over the counter available like mm. an AQUIL or an IQUIL mm. in the interim, just because of there be a shortage, just show a positive test on a rapid antigen or whatever. Just show it to somebody. You should be able to a go and idea. get one. This is, yeah. what, this is the mindset that needs to sweep this country. We need to make it. So what do you do when you have the, the flu? You go, eh, this really sucks. And then you go to CVS or whatever. You buy some DayQuil and you sit it out for three days and you suck it up because that you're probably going to be fine unless you're a child or unless you're elderly. In this case, even children are actually much safer. And we've made it so that if you're elderly, it will be flu-like. If you're boosted in particular, you're probably going to be fine. And moving towards that type of mindset is exactly what we need to see here in America. Yeah. You know, um, this is really significant because it just means that we've got another tool in our arsenal. Right. And also because one of the things that people really worry about when you have these COVID waves is that the hospital system will get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Especially one of the issues right now is a lot of the nurses are getting Omicron yeah, because right. it is so contagious. And of course, they can't be at work working when they actually have the disease, even if it is relatively mild. So the more that we have at home treatments that keep people out of the hospital, the better off that we're going to be. So that's why that's really promising. I will say, you know, they do have a pretty significant stock ready to go. They do think that will that will go pretty quickly, yeah. just given the number of cases that are going out. But that is a positive thing. Um, we have this tweet here from uh, Ryan Strzok, who broke down the very latest CDC data, just so you can kind of see the different risk categories here among unvaccinated people. And this just isn't just Omicron. It's Omicron and Delta and whatever else is out there. Um, but Omicron is, of course, the dominant strain at this point. So unvaccinated, you're 451 cases per 100K. Vaccinated, that drops to 134. Boosted, that drops to 48. Um, and in terms of deaths, which is a more actually important number, right. unvaccinated, it's 6.1 deaths per 100K. Vaccinated is only 0.5 deaths per 100K. And if you're boosted, 0.1 deaths per 100K. So again, guys, if you're vaccinated, if you're boosted, especially if you're under the age of 80, you're really in pretty good shape. Yep. And I just was going to share with you, look, I'm getting together with my family on Christmas, mm -hmm. my parents, uh, my mom's in her late 70s, my dad's in his mid 80s. And we have happened to have stockpiled some of the rapid tests, mm -hmm. which are very hard to get right now in yes. the stores. So we don't want to blow through our entire supply of rapid tests, but probably me and one other person in the household is going to take the rapid tests the day before we see my parents just to be extra safe. However, 
if we didn't have those tests, we'd still see my parents yes. as long as we didn't have, you know, we didn't have symptoms and, you know, there wasn't anything sort of questionable going on. We've been trying to limit our contact just because the stuff is spreading so wildly and we want to be able to enjoy the holidays with our family. So that's what our personal protocol is going to be. I think that's important. Yeah, no, I'm doing the same thing. You know, going to my girlfriend's house, probably going to see her grandparents, probably going to take a rapid test uh, just before, just to, you know, just to be safe. And I think that's fine. This is, again, those points to a central failure of the Biden administration, which we will get to, which is the, you know, total lack of failure of the ability to actually get these free yes. COVID tests. You know, right now, oh, free tests and all this. Yeah, it's weeks away. I mean, you need it now. You need right. the infrastructure right now. And, you know, just anecdotally, uh, my dad is in India, and I was like, hey, dad, you know, bring back some of those tests. Mm. Because over there in India, readily available everywhere because they don't have a ridiculous FDA, which is making it so there's only one company or whatever can it make it. It is outrageous. So what a ridiculous uh, thing. Another one where we wanted to point to in terms of uh, hope, let's put this up there on the screen, which is actually the U.S. Army created a single vaccine against what they say are all COVID and SARS variants. So pretty interesting. Walter Reed is going to announce human trials show success both against Omicron and even future strains. So scientists at Walter Reed expect to announce they've developed a vaccine that is effective against COVID-19 and all variants, as well as previous SARS origin viruses that have killed millions of people worldwide. So Look, it's the military. Um, you know, still got to see. A, I, I personally want to see a whole lot of data uh, to this thing. That being said, one of the breakthroughs that came with mRNA at the beginning, uh, we did a segment on this, I think maybe over a year ago at this point, which is that it actually was a breakthrough in terms of the ability possibly to vaccinate in the future against uh, several other diseases that we haven't been able to eradicate, even possibly accelerating cures for specific types of cancer and more. And so reverse engineering and now finding finding a cure or hopefully a vaccine slash cure for all COVID and SARS variants would be a huge step forward for humanity. Yeah. Remember, SARS killed a lot of people in Asia, didn't necessarily make its way over here to the United States. There's a couple of other SARS-like variants. You know, obviously COVID is one of those and they almost always come out of China um, and out of Asia. So having one that That's can uh, prevent illness against something that we almost certainly know will come in the future, um, whether lab leak or not, is a very good thing. If the government makes a vaccine yeah. that works against not just right. like the variants we have, but like all possible variants, yeah. basically, which effectively what they're saying that's here. That's what they claim. That's what they is claim. The I mean, pause it, pause it. So yeah, this is getting ridiculous. Oh my God. Like, first yeah, of all, the, that's the what mRNA is, Crystal. DARPA created, they wanted one vaccine to solve them all universal flu vaccine. Uh, yeah, universal flu virus vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's what they were working on. That's why they're doing gain of function. That's why they, this is like one of the goals of the, the Pentagon, DARPA. It's like, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a mess that mRNA technology is to create universal vaccination specifically for coronaviruses. That is that one of the, one of the it's goals. It's coincidental, Tony, that they held all these exercises and then the thing they had exercises about happened. I just love the numbers they show about the deaths associated with the unvaccinated and how people still need to get boosted. It's like they haven't got the news from Israel or Germany or Gibraltar, or Australia, how much higher populations. Gibraltar is like a hundred and how many percent because many of them are boosted um, and still high, highest rates of infection and death, I think, out of, uh, you know, in the pan during the pandemic. So we went over that last week when we showed um, 
that uh, st statistician break down how they do the numbers to show if unvaccinated versus vaccinated and to make they cook the numbers to make it seem like it works in their advantage. I think a good follow up to all right, so bullshit numbers they show there is this relative risk reduction versus absolute risk reduction might be a good little uh, that might be too. too nerdy. But Bill Gates canceled his Christmas holiday over Omicron, right? So yeah. I think now 15 minutes of that Chris Martinson clip, because it's a it's a 40 minute clip. So I think 15 minutes should give us the the idea on the Omicron deaths and the surprising number. So compare Bill Gates you know, highly uh, visible individual saying he canceled his Christmas because of this Omicron thing, right? And yet Chris Martins, Martinson is likely going to tell you there's nothing to see here. There's no deaths associated with it yet. And Paul jo Joseph Watson would tell you uh, the one death they tried to associate with it has been debunked in the hospital, yeah. has no record of it. Right. And so they're trying to make something out of nothing. And at the same time, they're trying to escalate lockdowns and vaccine mandates, but there is no just cause, even under their flawed narrative, their myth, even according to their own mythos, there is no cause, causal reasoning to get people to mandate this experimental gene therapy in their body, right? The, the, the risk is no longer there, right? The deaths are weighed down for everybody. So what's up? So uh, LD, do you have a Chris Martinson clip? You see Woz? Momentito, just uh, loading Woz. Yeah, right on. Cool. <laughs> there we go. Omicron deaths, a surprising number, Chris Martinson explains. And uh, he's a forensic pathologist. I like to listen to what he has to say and then weigh the evidence. So let's check it out. The COVID variant Omicron is exploding all across the globe, just sweeping through countries. We're starting to see cases and even deaths mount. How bad is it? Come on, let's go find out. Hello, everyone. Dr. Chris Martinson here back with you. I'm wearing my red and my green because we're doing this on December 22nd. You can feel that Christmas spirit in my household. Happy holidays, everybody who's watching this before the holidays. If you're watching afterwards, uh, hopefully some of this turned out to be prophetic. But let's take a quick peek. Omicron, what is it? You know we've been tracking it for a while. Is it a huge disaster? It is. It's a giant disaster, but really only for the data hesitant. That's my name for people who don't want to look at the data. By the way, we're breaking out the honey badger uh, again, because this Omicron variant absolutely qualifies as the honey badger. It is unstoppable. It is not caring about vaccination status. Looks to be about as transmissive as measles, by which I mean it's explosive. So let's go take a look at this data, see where it is. But first, well, I think I want to start here. And so I'm going to get my drawing tool out so I can draw. Um, this, I just pulled these today off of Google. And check this out. Bill Gates on Omicron. We could be seeing or entering the worst part of the pandemic. Bill Gates has canceled most of his holiday plans due to Omicron. You know what? I would care more about what Bill Gates thought. If he actually graduated college or actually had a science degree or actually practiced science or was a doctor or something, but he's none of those things. So I actually don't really care what Bill says, um, but I do care that he makes a lot of money off of this whole thing. And he seems to find a way to always be telling us how bad and how awful and how scary this whole thing is. How about this? CNN says Britain battles. Omicron, tidal wave. Tidal waves are pretty bad things. As infections double every two to three days and first death, singular, from variant is recorded. Below that, CNN, Omicron spreading fast. That's alarming. 
even if it is mild. Um, no, it's actually, if it's mild, it's not alarming at all. We'll cover why in just a second. Uh, AP News, virus fears widen as Omicron variant takes hold across U.S. Pretty dim picture of a bunch of, you know, cold-looking, blue-lighting, uh, masked-up people. And then over here in my home state, Boston Globe says, Omicron now dominant in Massachusetts. We asked experts if the recent COVID surge. So you can see the language here. This isn't cherry-picking. This is what shows up when I just say Omicron variant and constrain the search to the most recent week. And it's just headlines like this. This is just what shows up. They're completely unwarranted. Here's why. Let's go there. First, really, really nice. I have to give props whenever I see it. The UK Health Security Agency, the HSA, has done a really good job giving us data around all kinds of things. The Delta variant beforehand, vaccination status and surveillance, and now Omicron surveillance. They have a whole report out on it. I like it because it gives us data we can look at. So let's look at it really quickly here. This is the most recent report that's coming out here. It's current up through, I believe, the 20th of December. And, yep, it says so right down here, uh, up through, yeah, make sure I got my, this one, yeah, up through the 20th of December. Okay, um, so what do we see here? First, they have what they're calling confirmed Omicron cases. They've done the complete sequencing of the samples they get, and they see that they have Omicron. It's confirmed. Now, you know, we also have these things called the PCR tests, which are reasonably accurate, provided you don't overcycle them and you don't go above a cycle threshold of maybe 30-ish tops. Um, I can't tell you what protocol they're using here, but I will tell you that this thing right here, the SGTF, these are putative Omicron cases. And I'm going to explain what that means in just a second so you can see. Uh, and at any rate, what are we seeing here? In England, 56,000 confirmed Omicron cases. So this is this is just a daily up. I mean, it's just it's exploding right now. Um, and they have 118,000 total. And so you can see from previous report, 14,000 cases coming in from the day before. Another 14,000 here. It's just it's just massive, massive cases. So they're recording roughly, I don't know. I think it's closing in on 90,000 cases of COVID per day in the UK. As I'm going to show you from this report, the vast majority of those now, as in three quarters, are Omicron. So this is just how they're reporting it here. Um, and they have a lot of these. So what is this SGTF? Why is this a putative case? So we have to understand something about the PCR test itself and how it's conducted. So I put a little something together. This SGTF stands for S gene target failure. So when the uh, you get a PCR test, you know, they put this little swab right up your nose, and then they get a sample out, which has all kinds of your DNA, but it also has some of that viral RNA in it. And then they take that viral RNA, convert it back into DNA, and begin amplifying and amplifying and amplifying it. So the way they do that is they take a little stretch, a little stretch of, of DNA or, or nucleic acid material that would match some part, some very specific part of the virus that you wouldn't find in any other virus. And so if it matches those, you say, oh, well, it had to come from that. Now, when you have an S target failure, they actually have three separate parts of the virus they're looking for in one of these PCR tests. They have a little piece here from the um, RDRP, that's um, the reverse script, uh, uh, the reverse ribonuclease reverse um, enzyme, and they have a little bit from the S protein, and they have a little bit from the N, or the nucleocapsid protein. And so they're looking for this RDRP, they're looking for the S, they're looking for the N. Well, Omicron is so different 
that they can still get a match off of these two highly conserved sections, but the yes doesn't match anymore because it's that different. It's part of the reason why current antibodies from current vaccines don't work so well in stopping this. In fact, don't work at all, according to some data, because they're targeted right at this S thing, the the spike protein, and that's the part that isn't even matching when they're doing the polymerase chain reaction, the PG um, PCR test. So that's why you get stuff like this. They're saying, well, we confirmed a bunch of cases because we sequenced them, but then we, we had all of these PCR tests that we were doing that just didn't match at all, and we're calling those the S gene target failure, the SGTF cases. Pretty likely those are Omicron. So this plus this, these, this, this little category plus this, those two columns together, that's Omicron. All right. So with that as a background, it's already three quarters of the cases from the same report. This is total COVID cases with known S gene status. So this is definitely Omicron and the SGTF cases. And when you look at this, the percent of this, um, yeah, they're, they're already well over three quarters on average when you go down this whole line right here. Um, look at London, 89.7% fall in uh, of everything that they're doing here saying, yeah, this is this is Omicron. So Omicron just got to the UK not that long ago. It's already 89% of the cases they're detecting, let's call it 90, um, in London. So it swept through and it exploded in really quick and hard. In fact, how quick and hard the doubling time, this is astonishing, is averaging anywhere from, what's the lowest on here, 1.7? Get Do we get lower than that? Oh, 1.67. So let's call it around 1.7 days and a high of closing in on three days-ish, but somewhere around two days doubling. That means if it went from 1,000 cases to 2,000 cases in just two days, and then it goes to... 4,008 and 16 and and so on and so forth. Within about seven doublings, usually, you pretty much got the whole place covered. Um, By 10 or 20 doublings, you're all done. So that means we could say, well, what's 20 doublings? 40 days. So if this continues at this particular pace, which I don't think it will, but if it did, basically the whole country gets it, no avoiding it. That's what we've been saying for a while. Nobody's going to avoid this thing. We're all going to get our our turn with it. So... um, I think that's an okay thing, because I'm going to show you the data behind that next. This is actually some of the best news I've seen so far. We've been tracking this for a while, wondering, early returns from Omicron didn't look that bad. So, fingers crossed, we were saying, hey, this could be a very good thing. Highly transmissive, but without that much pathology associated with it. That's the best of all worlds if, and here's the one thing we don't know, if the antibodies that your body develops and the natural immunity that your body develops... Um, whether it's naive, meaning you haven't had a vaccine, whether you've already had COVID of some other variant, or you've had a shot or some combination of those last two, plus we put Omicron on top of that, does that actually give us extra immunity? I think so. I don't have the data for that yet, so that's just a guess, but that's that's both what I hope and what I think. So looking at this, here's something really interesting. So when they're sequencing all these cases, you can see how many cases they have. I think this is just their, their testing week. I think people come in for tests on Monday. I think that's why you see this little cadence to it right here. It's a weekly cadence. All of a sudden, this is Omicron coming in, the SGTF and presumptive cases. Look at that explosion. What you're going to notice, if you look at this carefully with me, let me back this up, is that if Omicron was just a pure additive, meaning you had all these other variants and now we've got Omicron too, you would see these bars stack on top of each other. We don't see that. What we see is the purple begins to compete away 
the green. So the size of this purple bar here is larger than this green bar. And it's large, purple's larger than this green bar and this one. So what's happening is people are, this is very good news, it's baked into this chart. It's saying that people are getting one or the other, but if you get Omicron, you're not getting the other one too, because we would see that, because some people would be, would be detectable, they would have both uh, variants in them, and you'd be able to detect that. I'm not seeing data for that. So what it is saying is that people are showing up, they have the Omicron variant within them, and they are S. GTF. They are the S gene target failure, meaning they're not showing up with that S gene in there. So because of that, we can clearly say that Omicron is outcompeting the other variants, and it's an either or, according to this chart. You are either going to have Omicron, or you're going to have the other one. I can't tell you if you have the other one plus um, Omicron, because you would, your S gene would light up, and they would have to sequence both of those out of you. I haven't seen any evidence that they've sequenced people and are saying, oh my gosh, they have Delta and they have Omicron. What we're seeing right now, either or, and that's very, very good news. And the second thing you're going to notice from this is this shape. So let me undo that so I can draw this more clearly. This is the explosive rise we've been hearing about breathlessly in the news, but you can clearly see that this is already peaked out. Now, is that a false peak? Is it going to explode even further from here? Christmas, people at home, large gatherings, partying, a lot of eggnog, possible. But for now, what it looks like is that it's come and peaked. Here's a closer look at that. They are breaking this down now by region, all these different regions, northwest, northeast, east midlands, etc. And so we can see that same shape here, huge explosive rise, and it seems to be coming back down again. Um, so that's good news. It would probably support a hypothesis that says Omicron is so transmissive that whether you've had prior infection or not, whether you've had um, vaccination or not, it seems to just come in and sweep through. That's what we're seeing here so far. All right, now, where else have we seen that? We're seeing that same behavior in South Africa, but we've got a little extra detail here, which is cool. This Delta wave was very bad, um, killed a lot of people, came in, had this explosive rise. These are where you were hearing all sorts of really bad news reports, like, oh, my God, you know, death and destruction. And then, of course, what happened, just like every other wave, it kind of went away as fast as it went up. And the interesting part is it took 52 days from sort of the turn the corner phase of this, where it starts to grow exponentially, 52 days to peak before the peak went away. Same thing here. Here's where Omicron starts, ramps up, very sharp fall off in the peak. Let me take that away so you can keep your eye on it. That was half, 25 days. So this is confirming the idea that we have a really, really explosively transmitted, high r naught super virulent in terms of transmissivity virus might as well be measles uh, going into a, a, a daycare uh, where nobody has any measles vaccinations it's it's astonishing how fast this thing really spread so that's what we see there now um the issue though is that even though these are like look at all these cases you know this is however many were detected and by the way most people are reporting that the symptoms of omicron is like cold so a lot of people aren't even getting tested but many many people have caught this thing and here we are a number of weeks into it and on december 22nd a recent report from reuters says there are currently 129 people in the hospital with the omicron variant of the coronavirus so far and 14 people have died with it now why am i emphasizing with well you know why 
all we know for sure is that somebody's in the hospital and they've been detected to have Omicron. Are they in the hospital because they had a stroke and then they also found out they had Omicron? Are they in the hospital because they fell off their bicycle? There are some people like that in this story, but look at how pathetically small, wonderfully pathetically small these numbers are. 129 and 14. This is nothing like what we were seeing during the Delta wave. Um, nonetheless, uh, Health Minister Cillian Keegan says uh, UK government would not hesitate to bring further COVID-19 restrictions if the data showed it was necessary. Good news. First crack in the narrative where we're seeing that they're saying... Maybe the data isn't saying we need all these restrictions because 129 and 14 people in the hospital are dying with COVID. These are very tiny numbers. It's absolutely as tragic as it is in these individual cases. It's even a larger tragedy to take a nation of 60 million people and lock them all down to because there are relative handful of, of uh, casualties and even deaths. And again, with, not of whole story there. We won't go back through that. You know that story. Prime uh, Minister Boris Johnson said on Tuesday he would not introduce new restrictions in England before Christmas. Probably politically smart. But but the situation remained extremely difficult, and the government might need to act afterwards. So, so they're keeping their options open to, to act here. There's nothing in this data so far to suggest they need to. So let's look at some of that data Next, uh, here's some of it. Uh, This is just one report uh, from some doctors out of New Delhi who are saying in India, the symptoms caused by both um, Omicron and SARS-CoV-2, they're very, very different. For example, doctors treating patients affected by the new variant in Delhi say Omicron does not cause loss of taste or smell. Interesting. That's what they're noticing. So if you have covid-like symptoms and you lose taste or smell you might have the much more dreaded delta variant it's a very different beast um and it needs your full attention this does too but i mean it really does if you got the got the delta so that's a big change that's a really big change because what we're seeing too is that omicron does not really replicate all that well deeper in the lung tissue it does much better in the bronchus up higher that large tube that feeds into the into the lungs and also in the nasopharyngeal area so the fact that it doesn't cause loss of taste or smell is a very important clue we're going to have to chase it down i could guess wildly as to why that might be but my you know easy guess is it's not invading the tissues in the same way as the earlier variants okay and it's competing away those earlier variants so i think it's the best of both worlds let's keep going they say here in green quote we have treated 24 24 just a handful a couple dozen omicron positive patients so far but only two were symptomatic one had low-grade fever sore throat headache body ache the other suffered from a sore throat and loose motions i think we can guess what that is their condition improved with symptomatic treatment and none of them required steroids antiviral drugs or oxygen therapy um so this is from uh, dr suresh kumar medical director of lock nyack hospital so so it's a cold we've had colds before people the whole idea that we would even be considering locking countries down because of what appears to be uh, very uh, much like a cold-like symptom all right, but that's anecdotal, right? 24 observational page. You know, this doctor's like, well, looks like a cold to me. Um, that's what we've been treating. But we have bigger data. This is from London. Here we can see uh, this is the percent of COVID patients requiring mechanical ventilation. And you can see here it goes from anywhere from 20% dipped as low as, I don't know what we would call that, maybe 12% or something. Shot all the way up to about 30% here. It's been wobbling down, I think, is um, both... 
Uh, different variants have come in, and also treatments have gotten better. Pe fewer people have been requiring mechanical ventilation. But look at this. Look at the nature of this line, and then Omicron comes, and it just plunges. So we're down to, at least in London, about 10% of COVID patients using any sort of mechanical ventilation. I don't know if they count all the patients who went in the hospital or if these are just ones in the ICU. I don't actually know the genesis of this data any deeper than this. I can just tell you that this chart has changed a lot very recently. There's nothing like it in the entire series going back to the beginning of this whole thing in 2020. That is a straight line plummet down. And the reason it's probably not even lower is because there are still patients on ventilators from the prior variants. It's not because 10% of people with Omicron are ending up on it. It's not how I would read this chart, but we'll have to wait for more data to come in. Um, Denmark, go ahead same and sort of a thing here. You can see... So Omicron is milder. <clears throat> it's different than the alpha and the delta, more widely circulated variants that have more complex complications. Uh, this seems to spread a lot faster, incubate asymptomatically less, if at all. Uh, people who are going for treatment, they're not ending up on the, uh, the ventilators, these sort of things. These are all positives. These are pluses. But if you were to tune into mainstream media, which I haven't done, but I could guess that they're pushing a lot of fear because that's what they do. That's what they do every day. Like the sun comes up and the moon goes around, uh, you know, these sort of things. Uh, they're just out there doing it. We uh, Paul Joseph Watson clip where they, he contrasts with, so we show it's very mild, but he shows how the leaders are using it to justify lockdowns all throughout the world. It's an interesting contrast. And we then I just to. want to mention the, the triple vaxxed 4.5 or four and a half times more likely to test positive for Omicron than unvaxxed. That was an article. We don't have to cover it, but I just want the headline to make the notes for this show. And then yeah. uh, let's check out Paul Joseph Watson. And then just cut to, um, I want to see the Michael Yeadon uh, InfoWars clip because I didn't get to see that. The vaccine is a depopulation weapon, warns top Pfizer scientists. That seems relevant and uh, high priority. Um, so real quick, I'll just get this yeah. on the, the record. Um, according to... So this is triple vax, four and a half times more likely to test positive for Omicron than unvax. According What's to What's the figures, source of it? Well, is this good? According to figures released by the UK government via the Office for National Statistics, oh, people geez. who are triple vaxxed are four and a half times more likely to test positive for Omicron than those who are unvaccinated. The numbers also illustrate how the double vaccinated are 2.3 times more likely to be infected with Omicron than those who haven't taken any jabs. That flies... Uh, it's a major contrast or fly. It's a contradiction to what um, Crystal and Sagar just stated as well. The data, which is summarized for the daily skeptics, Will Jones in this article bolsters assertions. The Omicron variant is effective at evading vaccines. Note that this is the probability of an infection being Omicron given a person is infected. So it doesn't tell us how likely a person is to test positive in the first place, writes Jones. Quote, this means it doesn't tell us that the vaccines are making things worse overall, only that they are making it much more likely that a vaccinated person is infected with Omicron than another variant. In other words, it is a measure of how well Omicron evades the vaccine. That's what Geert van den Bosch would sort of say about it. Right. Uh, compared to Delta, the fact that the triple vaccinated are much more likely to be infected with Omicron than the double vaccinated confirms this vaccine evading Ability because of the neutralizing antibody situation. Which now, I correct me if I'm wrong, but the mRNA 
is supposed to go into your body and reprogram your spike protein to fight the spike protein from the COVID. But now that COVID's on Omicron, the spike protein is, is not like matching up and it can't find it. And it is like wreaking havoc on people who are already quadruple vaccinated. While at the same time, lessening your neutralizing antibodies. And mm. so, you know, you have a T cell response, but that's only initially to the vaccination that wanes quite dramatically while it compromises your, you know, neutralizing antibodies, which are sort of your innate immune oh, response it's to like, any disease. Uh, critical theory type stuff infecting the military. Same yeah, sort of yeah, thing. In a way, yeah. It like yeah. downgrades your immune system's ability All to throughout. respond. That's yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. That's just an tying analogy. in the news, just tying in the news. So, All right. So that's on there. Tying in the news, N E W S transcript. Don't think I said something else. I guess the uh, clip above is what I was referencing as far as how it's very mild, but then politicians are going nuts about this locking down. They're using it, the it as a pretense. Clip? It's the one Omicron. Paul Joseph Watson describing how leaders you're using Omicron, like the boy who cried wolf to justify. We don't have to play it, but it's a good clip. It's a good contrast to the two clips we've played showing how mild it is juxtaposed to then how leaders are using it as the worst thing known to humankind. And it's, you know, justifying lockdowns and mask mandates and booster shots. It was just a bit, it's an interesting contrast between the, the other two videos. All right, cool. Let's yeah. roll it. And it's, it's short, roughly speaking. So we're talking about the seven, seven minute one. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's, it's loading. PJW loading up. Well, here we go yet again. Two-week Omicron circuit breaker would ban meetings indoors. It's this frigging meme. It's back again. Just two more weeks to flatten the curve and protect the NHS. Just ten more Pfizer jabs and five more cancelled Christmases and we've got this thing beat. Then we told them, no, seriously, just get your booster shot and we promise this will be the last lockdown. <laughs> What happened to learning to live with it? There's been 12 total Omicron deaths, and that's with it, not from it. Total corona deaths are down week on week. As Oxford professor Carl Hennigan points out, if you take the cases aside and focus on the data that matters, the number of patients that's admitted had hardly changed in a week. Oh, but it's too early to tell. We don't know what'll happen. Better lockdown just in case. Why is it always too early to tell? It's always too early to tell. Until the actual data comes out, disproving their dire doomsday predictions, as it has every time and then everyone just moves on. They said relaxing the rules in July would cause 7,000 hospitalizations a day. They were spectacularly wrong. They said it would cause a thousand deaths a day. They were spectacularly wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. And it's all the same people who were wrong every time telling us to lock down again. We teach our kids about not trusting people who repeatedly make false claims via a fable the boy who cried wolf. Yet the boys who cried wolf over and over again have seized control of our government. Professor Neil Ferguson, 5,000 Omicron deaths a day if we don't lock down harder. The same dude who took the first lockdown so seriously, he spent most of it traveling back and forth across London to Shaggy's married mistress. Is arguably one of the most bewildering trends of the pandemic. The nerds have become cool. These data whiz lads have become rock stars, pumping out best-selling books, TV shows, and radio gigs 
even sold out live tours. Yeah. Pumping out alarmist, spectacularly inaccurate shite that has permanently deformed society, ripped families apart, caused untold cancer deaths, a mental health catastrophe, while ruining countless businesses and livelihoods. Cool rock stars, F off! Graham Medley, the chair of the Sage Modelling Committee. Caught admitting that they deliberately pushed dubious doomsday models that require restrictions, while deliberately ignoring more likely infection outcomes that wouldn't require restrictions. This should be the top news story on every broadcast in the country. It's barely been mentioned. In Denmark, Omicron hospitalizations are 60% down on Delta. In South Africa, the Omicron hospitalization rate is currently running at less than a tenth of the hospital rate of Delta at the same point in the epidemic. 1.7% versus 19%. The epicentre of the outbreak, Gauteng, is now clearly past its peak and on the decline. Their health minister says the restrictions, which are at their lowest level, don't need to be raised. He's telling South Africans to go and enjoy their Christmas, while Boris the twat is gearing up to ban us from meeting our own family members again. It is weird, isn't it? Because we all think of Boris Johnson as being cuddly and affable and having slightly Slightly funny hair, but history will remember him as Boris the Oppressor. Yes. All the known evidence clearly indicates. Good news, everyone. Omicron is relatively mild. Let's not horrendously damage society like we did the last few times. The UK government and media respond, No, don't say that. They tell us the vaccine, particularly the booster, protects against serious illness and hospitalisation. Tens of millions of people get the booster. And now it's, oh no, sorry, the NHS is still going to be overwhelmed because there's too much serious serious illness and hospitalisation. Sorry, what? Why is South Africa, with a vaccinated population of around 25% at the start of Omicron, dealing with it way better than the UK, which has a vaccinated population of 70%? If hospitals in South Africa, which is weeks further into this, weren't overwhelmed, why are ours going to be overwhelmed? I thought our NHS was the envy of the world. Are you telling me that it's actually a failed institution propped up by a bizarre national religiosity that forbids any criticism or reform of it? Surely not. We love our NHS. 740,000 missed cancer screenings. A mental health nightmare. Ruined and wrecked businesses and livelihoods littering the landscape like discarded face masks. Surely it's time to start banging our pots and pans again. If an institution with a billion dollar budget every few days and 1.4 million employees can't even cope with an extra few thousand hospitalizations a day across the entire country, can't cope with a variant that has so far killed 12 people, undoubtedly with it, not from it. And how many of those 10 people with Omicron are on ventilators? I don't think there's anybody that I'm aware of on a ventilator with Omicron. That's not something to be proud of. That's not something to be applauded. That's something that needs replacing. They're talking about forcing pubs and restaurants to go back to outdoor-only drinking and dining. In December, in England. Yeah, I'm sure people will be flocking to do that. <laughs> That's just a cop-out, so you can continue to claim it's just restrictions. Call it what it is. It's not a circuit breaker. It's a lockdown in all but name. They're considering keeping this new lockdown in place until a certain number get the booster shot. Like a little kid being told he can't have any dessert until he's finished his vegetables. And in the absence of any rational justification for further lockdowns, just scapegoat the unvaccinated. There's still 10% of our population that have chosen for whatever reason not to get vaccinated. We're talking about I, five I, million I, adults yeah, plus. Yeah, five million plus. And, and I just cannot emphasize enough 
the impact that they are having on the rest of society. They must really think about the damage they are doing to society. Yeah, you know the biggest problem in society? People who don't blindly trust government and giant pharmaceutical corporations with multi-decade records of corruption and malfeasance. They're the real threat. They need to be dealt with. An unvaccinated fit and healthy mother has died from coronavirus. Fit and healthy? Just take the vaccine and life will return to normal. Now 45% of the British public think life will never return to normal. Maybe if we inject toddlers with three vaccines, then we'll get our freedoms back. No? How about 10 jabs? 50 jabs? 2,000 jabs? Unvaccinated children are at high risk of limiting pharmaceutical company profits. And to make matters worse, the branch Covidians are still flooding Twitter with those spicy... Oh, it's just like World War II, just shut up and comply memes. If the Blitz happened in 2021. Yeah, because the Nazi war machine raining down bombs on London for 56 nights in a row is totally the same as a virus with a 99.7% survival rate for every age group below the top one. And we didn't even lock down during the Blitz, you utter melt. Whatever Boris announces today, it won't be enough for these spineless cowards. The government could weld them inside their own homes and they wouldn't be happy. Govern me harder, daddy. Here's an idea. How about we stop paying them to sit on their asses to do nothing? Then we'll see how quickly their opinion changes. But Paul, they're not doing nothing. Boris is second generation. His dad helped to write the introduction for Agenda 21 back in the day. Who's the dude? Uh, Trudeau? Justin yeah, Trudeau? Yeah, Justin Trudeau, Canadian. His dad, Pierre Trudeau, worked with uh the people like edmund de rothschild to bring all this global carbon credit uh stuff into place in the first place so uh yeah they're bringing down the tyranny over there this circuit breaker idea that's a also like a euphemism for cutting off your power which they could do at some point especially during winter that would be like a cyber polygonish type of thing. And then their whole credo, the whole like that has come out is like, uh, get the jab to stop the jab. Like it, they can't stop giving people the jab until enough people get the jab. So get the jab to stop the jab. Maybe that's a t-shirt. Yeah. It's interesting how, even though I tested jab- positive for freedom. So <laughs> I don't understand that. One, that's, a, that's a good, that's a good t-shirt. Idea. The people who want to get the jab to stop the jab, go ahead. Jab harder. Yep. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, we all know this is. Do you think uh, that's what Gary Vee was saying when he made that book? Jab, 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 right hook. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe, maybe he's a boxing coach. I don't know. <clears throat> you know, at the same same point, I mean, at this Omicron, whatever people want to say about it, <clears throat> something more than a bad cold at this point, and they're using it as a justification for the data is all showing it. They're using it as a justification for continuing the pandemic and wanting to get people vaccinated. That's the big thing. They want the entire world, if they can, to be vaccinated because it brings in the larger goal narrative of total population control, vaccine passports, and they can transition to the carbon credit system. And, you know, they can then bring in their global digital currency and they got the whole thing good to go. So that would point, be like a great reset. I'm sure that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Hey, LD, I, uh, I highlighted uh, the Michael Yeadon. So if we could, I what do you got? I know it's like, I just want to get these two on the record because I thought they were interesting. It's a little nerdy, but they're only combined. They're six minutes. I put them at the head, relative risk versus absolute risk. And then the numbers showing how they sort of manipulate the data. It's only do five they fit better combined. before or after Eden? 
I think they fit before. I mean, it doesn't before or after actually doesn't matter. We could play Eden first and go to those after. But they I sourced them from the GTW community too, which I appreciate those who've been posting in the excellent in the chat. And I, I watched them and they're very good and they're short and they get to the point and this is how they manipulate data. They sort of correspond to what I think Norman Fenton, if his name was a statistician last week, the British statistician, I think that was his name sort of highlighted, but they it's good. They're good videos and they're, they're digestible, but we can, we can do the Eden one first and come back to those. So right on. So we'll play those after Eden and for sake of uh, mission control simplicity, the vaccine is a depopulation weapon warns top Pfizer scientist, Dr. Michael Eden. So it's not the first time we've heard from him, but the other times we heard from him, it was more related to COVID. This is now like uh like the director of, uh, or the creator of, uh, RNA, mRNA technology. Right. And Dr. just like, Alan. yeah, right? I mean, he worked Alan? at Pfizer for, um, in a different department, not in vaccines. I forget what department he worked in. But... Oh, I'm just saying just like Zelenko and these other top mm -hmm. people who were Johnny on the spot to help people with early treatments, they're now taking a, a look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, and they've all talked to probably Reiner Fulmick a little bit more than the average person. So they're starting to get coordinated, and this is interesting. So let's uh, let's screen what Dr. Yeadon has to say and weigh it in our considerations of today. So let me just say again, the variants are not different enough to... The year is 2021. I am your host, Alex Jones. And Jack Posobiec's a very smart, patriotic American... And he sent out this viral tweet that said, pretty clear, Biden is only crediting Trump for the vaccine to set him up to take the blame for what comes next. And it's in the SPARS 2023-2025 John Hopkins, Rockefeller Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates, Pentagon joint operation, that it will come out that these are not vaccines and have killed people in mass. That's part of discrediting the government and collapsing the Western world. It's all been pre-planned. That's how we tell you exactly what's coming next. Like the announcement that, oh, got to have three shots to be fully vaccinated. And, oh, got to need a fourth. Oop, they're already up to their fifth in Israel. Europe and the UK are already up to their fourth. And I knew 21 months ago that it would be nine to 12 shots a year. Why did I know that? Because Bill Gates said so. Bill Gates wants to depopulate you. Bill Gates thinks you're subhuman. And you know what? If you don't stand up against him, you are. It's a test, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty clear. Yeah, pretty clear. Like a crystal clear mountaintop morning. That Biden is only crediting Trump for the vaccines to set him up to take the blame for what comes next. Okay, we reached the quickening years ago, but... There's no way to do justice to all these stories. Th these articles are not props. As I've said many times, all of these, uh, you could talk for an entire four hours on each one. Let me just do this. Let me try. Let me try to just do this. Let me try to just read a few stacks right now, just the headlines here. Here, let's look at one of the COVID stacks. Supreme Court will hold special hearing on vaccines in January. Again, they're not vaccines. It's the genetic therapy injection revolution. New emails reveal evidence of government efforts to suppress free speech across the United States. It's all confirmed to, quote, crush us, destroy us, silence top scientists. 
Emergency powers deployed to impose vaccine passports across the United States in blue cities, saying that if you get caught out without your passport, you're going to go to jail. See, that's martial law. UN directed global government, Boston, New York, LA, the list goes on and on. Your time's up. Chicago mayor threatens unvaccinated with draconian measures, said you're not allowed to sit down at restaurants. You can only come to the counter, repeating what was done to black people in this country. Literal discrimination against everybody who's uninjected. Jesus would get vaccinated, Archbishop of Canterbury suggests. Australia's chief pharmacist says public needs to accept boosters and mask mandates for many years to come. They're all saying that. Now, here's the big one. Oh, we could talk again. We got the, the, the judge ordered him a month ago to every month release 500 pages. And they just released more. And it's thousands of more deaths and 160 plus thousand adverse reactions just at the start. <laughs> oh, but don't worry, you'll get all the documents soon. The court obliged him and said the document dump must, must be done in 75 years. They had asked for 55, and they said, no, 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 no. You get until close to the year 2100. <laughs> Just a few shots. <laughs> oh, we're not living in tyranny or anything. By the way, you, you know earlier this week from the Netherlands and other countries, people did four-year requests, they have similar laws there, and got the emails from the Davos group telling the prime ministers and leaders what to do in the Build Back Better agenda, as if we need the memos to know they're being commanded from a central group. They're following the exact same operations, same names, same groups to bankrupt industrial society in a transition. Oh, your fuel costs more. You're in a transition now, said the head of the Department of Energy a month ago. We're going to bankrupt all combustion engines. California just banned them in, 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 in small uh, vehicles. And, and things like lawnmowers and leaf blowers. So, I mean, it's here. But, oh, they have Reuters and AP and PolitiFact and the, the BBC, a big stack. The, there's no Build Back Better. There's no Great Reset. It's all made up, ladies and gentlemen. Klaus Schwab isn't on TV commanding everything. People don't go and bow before him. He, he's not announcing forced injections and microchips to buy and sell, even though he is. Oh, no, Reuters said it's all lies. It's all lies. And the head of Reuters is on the board of Pfizer. <clears throat> Continuing. Sorry, I got stuck on that one because this, this is a massive story right here. And then the documents that are in it, which I'm sorry, I haven't had a chance to read them all. I've just read the synopsis. But thousands of more deaths, thousands of more miscarriages, bleeding out of your nose, having convulsions, becoming paralyzed, becoming blind, uh, your ovaries basically dissolving. Oh, 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 and I've got more on that. But it's all liberal. It's so trendy. Major Norwegian study finds COVID-19 vaccines interfere with young women's periods and basically give you endometriosis where your uterus has got to be removed. Well, that's yeah, because your body then attacks the spike protein, which is what? A fast-growing protein. What does a woman grow in her uterus? A fast-growing protein, almost identical to blood, which is the exact same thing Dr. Yidon a year and a half ago warned. He said this spike protein in the virus is almost identical to the lining that the women grow every month so that an egg can implant and then become an embryo. The, the, the fertilized egg, the zygote. And he said this will attack women's ovaries because it's full of the fast-growing protein. And it will attack their uterus. And bingo, bingo, 
bingo, it's depopulation, it's sterilization. You get a heart attack, you get sterilized, you get cancer, you get an autoimmune disease, you get ADE. Woo! You get prion growth in your brain. Speaking of Dr. Yidon, let's play that clip. Former chief scientist at Pfizer, head of the virology department, head of their vaccine program, saying this is a depopulation operation to kill you. But he's just a top scientist. We shouldn't listen to him. Here he is. So when your government scientists tell you that a variant that's 0.3% different from SARS could masquerade as a new virus and be a threat to your health, you should know, and I'm telling you, they are lying. If they're lying, and they are, why is the pharmaceutical industry making top-up vaccines? They are making them. You should be terrified at this point, as I am, because there's absolutely no possible justification for their manufacture. But they're being made, and the world's medicines regulators have said, because they're quite similar to the original vaccines, the ones that are being given now, uh, we won't be asking them to do any clinical safety studies. So let me just say again, the variants are not different enough to represent a threat to you, so you do not need to top up vaccines, yet they are being made, and the regulators have more or less waved them through. I'm very frightened of that. There's no possible benign interpretation of this. Um, I believe that they're going to be used to damage your health and possibly kill you. Seriously. I, I can see no sensible interpretation other than a serious attempt at mass depopulation. This will provide the tools to do it and plausible deniability because they'll create another story about some sort of biological threat and you'll line up and get your top-up vaccines and a few months or a year or so later you'll die of some you know, peculiar explicable syndrome and they won't be able to associate it with the top-up vaccines. But that's my belief that they're lying to you about variants so they can make uh, damaging uh, top-up vaccines that, that you don't need at all. And I think they'll be used for malign purposes. And if you don't wake up, that's what's going to happen, I think, during next year. Dr. Yidon is the Michael Jordan of virology. He's in the top 10 virologists worldwide on record, and he's in the top two for respiratory viruses. So don't listen to Michael Jordan if he tells you how to play basketball, and don't listen to Dr. Yidon when he tells you they're murdering you, murdering you, murder. Maybe folks won't listen to me if I call it murder. Maybe I go red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum, murder backwards. This isn't a game, folks. I know it's scary, but you got to admit it. Bill Gates is depopulating us. He is murdering us. And it gets worse. We now know they're implanting prions in us. They can hit with certain 5G wavelengths to activate them and grow them. They're a binary weapon. We'll be right back. There are literally hundreds of studies. I've, I've read more than 10 of them in the last year or so on the spike protein created by the Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, &J, AstraZeneca injections, and now the new Pentagon system that admittedly, quote, uses nanotech, that it goes in and breaks the double helix of the DNA at the cellular level, which does one of two things, kills the cell or causes cancer. And I just played you Dr. Michael Yidon, the former chief scientist at Pfizer, over their vaccine program. But he was chief scientist. Not the politician, not the banker, the guy actually running stuff saying he sees no other way than they're trying to kill you. And if you go read what he and Wolfgang Wudarg on December 1st of last year, 
now over a year ago, put an emergency injunction lawsuit in with hundreds of pages of addendums and studies and links saying it's going to cause attacks on the ovaries, attacks on the uterus, attacks on the heart, attacks on the arteries, attacks on the brain, attacks on the lungs. It's going to cause miscarriages. It's going to do all of this. And it did every damn thing they said. Th th this is real, folks. And imagine working at Facebook or YouTube or their parent company, Google and Alphabet and Apple and all these groups. And you're working there helping suppress this when it's a fact you've signed on to depopulation. It's a fact you're being made to take these shots yourselves. What are you going to do when you get the autoimmune disease? Well, as Dr. Yidon said, they'll claim it's some new virus or some new syndrome, which they're already doing. They're going, oh, everybody's in the hospital dying because of Omicron. We're having twice as many deaths this year than last. The hospitals are really full this time. They weren't last year because of, and then people go, wait, Omicron's like a cold. You don't even die from it. Almost basically no one. Like all the deaths are, again, car wrecks, you know, just, just, oh, he died of Omicron. Omicron, however the hell you want to say it. But, but that's where we are. And there he is saying there's no doubt this is depopulation. He says these top-off vaccines, or so they call them in the UK, boosters, will make it worse. And you know what? People are hedging their bets now. Thank God. I have mainstream news all over the world. Let me just show you a few of these. Mainstream news saying, hey, we better not give these to young people. A, they don't get sick from this stuff, and B, it's causing heart attacks in massive numbers and other horrible, quote, adverse reactions. Here's the Wall Street Journal. The dangerous push to give boosters to teens. That's two days ago. Why do you think they had to have a CDC panel resign and an FDA panel resign because the majority would not sign on a year ago to this emergency garbage and then six months ago for five-year-olds and up. Remember? Remember? And then they get board members that don't even know what they're doing that are so disconnected like, yeah, we haven't tested this. We got to just give it to kids and see what it does. Remember that clip of an FDA board member? The new guy they put on? So see, they don't even know they're being set up. The government's being set up. And I'm not defending the government, a bunch of horrible criminals on, at the top of it, but I've wargamed every angle of this. And, and then I even find globalist documents admitting it after I've wargamed it, because you can just see what they're doing. This is going to bring down civilization. This is going to destroy trust. Tedros, the, the, the Marxist-Leninist Chinese communist agent on record who suppressed cholera in his own country and helped kill a million people and stole the money a decade ago, that would have helped him in North Africa. Well, this guy, like we'll play that clip in a moment. This is unedited, folks. This is real. This is right off the UN website. I went and checked it. Said, we need to be giving shots to adults, not to children, to kill them. See, he lives in the UN world where they're putting stuff in vaccines for decades to kill kids and putting stuff in tetanus shots to make women have miscarriages. I mean, to him, it's just like talking about, yeah, there's too many, you know, chickens. We need to butcher some of them. Or, yeah, we got too many cows on the back hundred acre. You know, they're, they're overgrazing. Go ahead and kill 20 of them. They just throw it out there like the FDA 
board member who goes, well, we just don't know what it'll do. So we're just going to pick the kids. <laughs> Here's uh, the head of the WHO just throwing it in your face. Here it is. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death, rather than, as we see, some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, which is not right. Give boosters to kill children, which is not right. By the way, guys, I shot a video last night that's on InfoWars where we loop it. You grab that for the next segment, because I also want to play the FDA board member saying, saying similar crap. So... Folks, they're all hedging their bets. Medical journals everywhere saying, hey, you better not do this. Hey, this is bad. Hey, read the fine print. Hey, remember the first six, seven months of, of the rollout of the injections? The, the, the DNA-breaking nanotech poison? It, it's artificial viruses. It's synthetic viruses. Remember what they said. Remember what they said carefully. And think about what they said when they rolled it out. And what is it that they said when they rolled it out? They said nothing. Blank white sheets of paper. And the pharmacists, you know, by law, you're supposed to have adverse reactions, the studies, the approval, the whole history of it. It's like that thin Bible paper opens up to about what? Two foot by four foot usually. I've seen some that are two by one, but usually they're, they're two by two by three. Two feet wide, three feet long. You got to get a magnifying glass, even if you got good eyes, to read it. And it's all right there. These were blank as the driven snow until about five months ago. <gasps> and what did they start adding? Oh, heart attacks, mycocarditis, blood clots. Oh, oh, we told you. We told you. Oh, all over the news, safe and effective, never one problem. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. And then you go to a Walgreens or you go to a Walmart or a CVS where they give these things. And you ask the pharmacist, hey, give me uh, the insert. By law, they're supposed to give it to you. Every little ampule container of it comes with one. And you can read it. And now it says heart attack, death, all that stuff, pancreatitis. It's got a big list of the. It's like, here's the bad stuff it does. We told you. Read the fine print, dumbass. That's their, that's their attitude, folks. And they know adults might read the fine print. That's why they want to get rid of the age of parental consent. So seven-year-olds in Europe are now being given the injection without parental consent. And now they're announcing the same thing here. Because a seven-year-old doesn't read fine print, do they? Hell, adults don't read fine print. But you know who does read the fine print? Alexander Jones, baby. I do read the fine print. And the fine print says, we are killing your ass. By the way, they wonder why all over the country they keep finding all these big supplies of, of unused so-called vaccine. It's because the pharmacists see their patients getting sick. At first they were giving it, and then suddenly about a month in they stopped, and they found around half the people in the country didn't get the vaccine because the pharmacists are taking matters in their own hands, and they're flushing it down the frickin' toilet, and they're giving you saline. And that's how we're going to beat these people is all of us as the humans saying no to the new world order and no to this satanic attack. That's why they want robots to administer it all so they know it's actually being done. The pharmacists across the Western world are saving millions right now. And, and, and God bless them. Here is the director of the United Nations WHO admitting that vaccines of this type of mRNA to the children are killing them, that that's the agenda. You're about to see two videos which are 
extremely thought-provoking. Each clip has been documented and proven to be accurate. They're not denying they said this. The first clip is the head of the World Health Organization saying that countries are using vaccines to kill children. Another is a member of the federal government regulatory board in the U.S. saying we haven't tested the COVID-19 vaccines on children, so now we're just going to give it to them to see what happens. Here are both clips back to back for you to watch. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death, rather than as we see some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, 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 which is not right. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. We're never going to learn what they really do till we give them to the children. And now that we know the FDA a year ago was suppressing that when they started the shots, it was causing mass death. And new documents came out today under court order confirming thousands of more deaths. I'm going to get to those. We now understand this is premeditated murder. Just like they designed it with the spike protein, the one thing that will go in and destroy the double helix of the DNA because they know your body will repair itself when it's attacked. This attacks the repair mechanism. It's equivalent of the reactor shaft on the Death Star. The one spot to hit us. And then everything unravels and you die from a hundred different things as Dr. Michael Yidon, former chief scientist who just retired three years ago, told you in the earlier video. Now, something just hit me while I was talking last segment that I already knew and we already talked about and I know you know this. But listen to me very carefully, please, on my knees. Metaphysically, I'm on my knees. I'm asking you to listen to me. If you understand this, you understand everything. It's a Rosetta Stone, or what I call a skeleton key. It opens every door. If you understand what I'm about to say, and you explain it to other people, there's no way to debate this. Because you can show them the science and the studies that it makes you sicker and erases your immune system and turns off your killer T's and all that. People are like, okay. But when you explain to them, hey, do you notice that you used to get your vaccines at your doctor? Like a tetanus shot or whatever most of the time. Did you notice you can't get them from your doctor? Did you notice you can't get them from your hospital? Because, see, the globalists own those big hospital chains. They don't want them caught up in this. It's done through big state-sponsored, city-sponsored events out at sports stadiums and at church parking lots so that you don't have somebody to blame in a month or a week or a year when you die of a stroke or you have a heart attack or you get cancer. You go back to that airport hangar and there's nobody there or there's people's airplanes there and the gates are locked. And a security guard comes up and says, I don't know what you're talking about because they don't. Plausible deniability. They shoot you with a DNA double helix killing weapon. You crawl off and slowly die. Your family spends all the money they've got trying to save you, going right back to the same hospital systems and right back to the same big pharma that's been given liability protection. But the big pharma at the top has been given liability protection. It doesn't want its other divisions and arms of its big hospital groups and other things getting in trouble. So it does these big clinics. But then CVS, Walmart, Walgreens, part of InfraGuard, 
were part of the secret Pfizer agreement umbrella, which now come out there under, they were given liability protection. And so it's in that one place where, imagine, now listen to me carefully, you're a pharmacist, you know the people that you come to you a lot, you know, the, the, you know the, the, especially small town ones, but you notice people come in, they get the shot. Maybe you gave 50 shots that day. And you notice in the next couple of weeks, you get heart attack medication, you hear a patient died, uh, you know, you hear one of your customers died, you, you, you know, suddenly they're, they're really sick, their, their brother or mother or son or daughter comes to the thing and says, yeah, Sandy, or yeah, Bob, or yeah, you know, mom died, or yeah, mom had a, is in a coma, or mom had a blood clot. And you're sitting there looking at your patients, looking at the, your customers, looking at the people you, you, you take care of, and you're noticing a bunch of them are sick and dead. That's why they didn't want doctors administering it, and that's why there's no doctors in the United States, no private medical clinics giving it. This has all been pre-planned from the beginning by lawyers and actuarists that study and wargame every facet of this. And by the way, this is all admitted. So let's put up the headlines for folks. Remember that came out two weeks ago? That why aren't refugees getting shots? Well, the UN and the refugee groups don't want the liability. COVID vaccine manufacturers worried refugees could sue them following adverse reactions. So that's where we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's done in select areas. It's done in neutral third-party sites because nobody wants a bunch of people killed in their backyard. Nobody wants to be connected to this. They want to have a bunch of layers of insulation of your local government, of your state government, of your federal government, of the UN international government, all the liability protection with big pharma at the top carrying all this out. Because if you had doctors that run a family practice, like my dad, and they see their patients come in, like Dr. Zelenko, and they see, in Zelenko's case, he has 30,000 patients. Sounds like a lot. My dad had over 10,000 patients, just himself in dentistry. And you give the, you see them get the shot, because Zelenko wasn't giving it to some of his patients. They were going and getting other places. And you see the adverse reaction. You see the bad problem. You know, you're like, my God, I've never seen many of my patients this sick. What are the big doctors? There's a bunch of them in Europe and here. The head of the German... Uh, epidemiology uh, national pathology union pathology union ep not epidemiology pathology union he said we've seen a 20-fold increase in cancers a double fold in heart attacks and myocarditis same numbers out of scotland same numbers out of ireland same numbers out of canada same numbers out of the u.s same numbers out of germany and spain a doubling of heart attacks and myocarditis at least 20-fold increase in cancer and then what are these doctors that own these big biopsy companies come out and say, what did they say they saw? Going back almost a year, the same thing the head German scientist said. We're seeing a 20 plus fold increase in rare cancers in the biopsies. These are doctors that own biopsy labs. There's a bunch of them on public. We played the clubs many times and they bring their findings in the UK, in Canada, in the US, in three cases we've covered. And they don't even want to talk to them. Normally, a major biopsy firm, a you know, major laboratory calls the state government or the federal government, they're, they're there in days, sometimes hours. Like, well, what are you finding? Is there something going on? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, if, if there's a chemical spill, 
and then they find, you know, the town's all getting sick. You know, they say, oh, my God, some toxins got in the water. And they tell people they're not telling you. And these scientists and doctors are going to them and saying this is happening. We're worried. And they're being told doesn't matter. Shut up. What did that big undertaker runs a big funeral home in, in England say? What did he say? He said, we're seeing a 20 plus times. He said, he said, I've seen way more people sick from heart attacks and blood clots than all my years as a coroner. And he said, again, it's about a 20 time increase in one year, one year. Pathologists, coroners, scientists, lab owners. These are research scientists in Germany, in the U.S., in Canada, in the U.K. The Japanese are like, we're not taking it. They're less than 20% injected. They're like, uh, don't be mean. People don't want to take it. We're not taking it. We're not taking it. We're not taking it. We're not taking it. We're not stupid. 6% of South Africa's taking it. They're not stupid. They've been experiencing UN love for a long time. We're just now getting some UN love. You like it? I don't. We're just now getting some UN love. Terrifying predictions, but, you know, unfortunately, Alex Jones has been um, more and more vindicated, especially as pandemic goes on uh, from elements that he's highlighted many, many years ago. Shout out to BG in the Rockfin chat for highlighting, you know, documentaries going back to 98. I remember watching many of those. Forget the names of some of them, though. Uh, highlighting just how they'll eventually take people away in camps, what happened in uh, Oakland, California. It's fascinating how more often than not, he's been correct, even if he's been hyperbolic. And it just took, you know, a couple of decades for those plans to get in motion. But now we look at Australia, we look at what's happening in Germany, Austria, uh, Canada. And now, you know, I mentioned New York state earlier on, it's coming to fruition. Um, they have the sort of logistics in place, the infrastructure in place to be able to provide, be able to sort of create this martial law environment and using this just supposed justification of this disease to force people into camps, to take people away, to suspend individual rights. It's very terrifying what's happening. And it's very clear, especially based on the data, whichever way one falls in regards to how they uh, look at to, to the metaphysics of the virus itself. It's, it's a, whether you're, you know, a germ theorist or a trained theorist, it doesn't really matter because the data either way shows that it's really not about a virus anymore. It's much more about control. And that's the, that's the point what we're seeing on the screen there, LD. It was never about science. It was always about the compliance. Yeah. What about LD? What was that? Is that one of the earlier documentaries? I, yeah. I think this is, this is Alex Jones from 98. Uh, yeah, there you go. Footage of Oakland, apparently. Was that Road to Tyranny? I'm not sure. It's uh, no. there were two. There were two around uh, that time. Road I can't is, remember. Road. I saw all his documentaries back in the day. Yeah, that, there wasn't much ago. else to watch on these topics. That was so, like the only one back in the. I probably ones. have all his documentaries on DVD someplace in the archives, mm -hmm. and they're worth revisiting. They are, sure. especially for yeah. people who've never seen them. <laughs> oh, you're in for a quick ride. Like for yeah. us, it took 20 years. You know, to yeah. unfold for you, it's going to be 20 hours yeah. <laughs> coming up to speed on what they're doing. All right. 
Um, out of this section, what other uh, hot spots you think we should? I just want to get the that relative absolute risk, just because. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, let's appreciate do that. those. Um, that's first of all, thank you for those that um, provide for the GTW clip consideration and the GTW Discord for subscribers. I took this from the GTW Discord and many other videos. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to those. We love your Crowd support. Crowdsource, open source intelligence. Thank you. I thought this was meaningful. And then after this, I just want to get the Zero Hedge article. The FDA releases more data on adverse reactions. Then after that, whatever you find interesting, Rich, the sky's the limit. Go ahead, LD, and play those first two clips in the vaccine breakthrough section back to back because they complement each other perfectly. So I'll highlight them now for you. And they're about together at about five minutes, six minutes max, like five and a half minutes. Some of the topics, I think one of the ones I'd really like to get from you is the difference between uh, relative risk reduction and absolute risk reduction and why the Pfizer shot is maybe not 95% effective. Well, this is such a characteristic uh, form of, if you will, sorcery, uh, which is an interesting term because it connects to the term pharmakia, which is also a term that meant in Greek sorcerer and poisoner and has other connotations associated with ritualistic and actual human sacrifice. So when we're talking about, you know, um, this concept of the semantic sleight of hand, when they speak in the media of a vaccine being effective, right? They're, the everyday man or woman is thinking that when they say 95% effective, that means that 95% of the people who get the vaccine are protected. But that's not how it works. And, you know, this first came to my awareness in the analysis of research on statin drugs. In fact, my wife and I published a whole uh, article, you know, kind of trying to deconstruct this for people. But let's say that you do a clinical study where, you know, in a group of a thousand people that are given statin drugs, right? Instead of two people having a heart attack, one person has a heart attack out of those thousand. So you say that it was a 50% reduction in the risk of heart attack. And that's called relative risk reduction. But if you look at the absolute risk reduction, we're talking about such an insignificant risk reduction, meaning you have to treat a thousand people with a drug that is probably causing harm in all their hearts, causing, it has diabetogenic properties, it causes neurotoxicity issues, and only maybe, you know, one person benefited. So that's what they do is they make it seem as if when they speak to the effectiveness, they're talking about real world effectiveness. Another way the vaccine industry does this is they talk about vaccine efficacy by looking at elevations of antibody titers after administering a vaccine, which does not translate into real world effectiveness, meaning preventing actual infection from a perceived infectious agent. Antibody titer elevation is like kicking a beehive where the bees are so angry they're just busted out of the nest just biting whatever it can doesn't mean you have affinity or a match between the antigen and the antibody but that is the way that they use surrogate markers which are indirect markers to try to prove the effectiveness of a vaccine that's what they did with the hpv vaccine trials that was not validated through clinical research it was never shown to save a single person from cervical cancer they use surrogate markers like antibody testing to try to justify it as effective. So the terms effective as, you know, bandied about in the mainstream media do not mean what people think it means. And that's assuming that they're not manipulating the studies and the research, which is absolutely 
not true when you're dealing with multinational pharmaceutical companies that are literally serial killer corporations, right, that have paid up tens of billions of dollars in fines for admitting that they have literally killed people knowingly through their chemicals, through their patented drugs. And so that's who we're trusting to provide us the data that then we're going to turn into health policy and then coerce and or force children and adults to be injected with. It's really remarkable, Jonathan, that people do not think any longer and connect these dots. The so-called 95% efficiency rate touted by the pharmaceutical companies was misleading to say the least. A peer-reviewed study by The Lancet confirms the vaccine efficiency of 95% reported by the vaccine manufacturers was referring to relative risk reduction rather than absolute risk reduction as would be standard. Your actual risk of reduction of getting COVID after the vaccine has then been reduced by 1.2% with Moderna, 1.2% with Johnson & Johnson, and by less than 1% with Pfizer. Meaning after you receive the vaccine, on average, you are 99% just as likely to get COVID. This raises three questions. By getting a vaccine, how would you be helping other people? If you have natural immunity, as 50% of the population likely does, why would you still be required to get the vaccine? And if the vaccine doesn't stop the spread, why would you need a vaccine passport? Once you've applied a moment of critical thinking, you'll find anyone advocating these requests is either uninformed, irrational, or has an ulterior motive for suggesting everyone should be vaccinated. Let's summarize this by crunching a few official numbers. The Pfizer NNV is 117, meaning 117 people need to be vaccinated to prevent one COVID case. That's to prevent a COVID case, not a COVID death. Since the median survival rate of the virus itself is 99.86, that means 999 out of 1,000 cases survive. So you would need to prevent 1,000 cases to prevent one death. That means you would need to vaccinate 117,000 people to save one life. By the first half of 2021, about 134 million people in America have been fully vaccinated. So far, 10,355 people have died in the first six months of 2021 in the U.S. alone. That means 56 people a day are dying immediately after receiving the vaccine. Due to underreporting, that actual number of deaths is likely significantly higher and officials and CDC whistleblowers estimate it to be at 51,800. But we'll continue with the officially released numbers. 134 million people vaccinated divided by 10,355 official deaths from the vaccine results in 12,940. This means COVID vaccines kill at a minimum one out of every 12,940 people that are vaccinated. So if you vaccinate 117,000 people to save one life, 9.04 people would die from the vaccine. When you average all the age groups, you find that you are 904% more likely to die from the COVID vaccine than for it to save your life. That's bad enough with the official deflated numbers. With a more likely estimate of 51,800 deaths, that means you are 4,520% more likely to die from a COVID vaccine than to be saved by one. And the likelihood of developing a lifelong debilitating disease is even greater. Don't tell me the odds. Han Solo said once upon a time, never tell me the odds. I think that was the proper line. All right. So I'm glad you played that, Tony. I'm well, glad the it made it onto the radar. More. 
I thought it was yeah. going to be drier than what it was because when you're talking about absolute and relative, but it is a very, 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 very important point. Because I know a lot of people who got the vaccine, they're like, dude, it's 99 point whatever effective. Exactly. It keeps me from getting and all these other things. But it improves your rate 1.2%, but you're opening yourself up to lifelong immunity problems and cancer, what heart else? attack, yeah. you know, fertility issues. You know, I, I thought it's just the way they manipulate the data. It goes with, I think his name is Norman Fenton, the, the British statistician. Also, like, you know, it sort of contradicts what Crystal and Sagar were saying. Oh, if you've been boosted and you're really low, like they showed the data showing that if you're no, not vaccinated, Omicron can still hurt you. But yet, you know, we know they're manipulating the numbers. We know there's numbers out of Gibraltar, out of Germany, out of Australia, out of Austria. You know, all of these countries have much higher vaccination rates, and yet they have an explosion of um, hospitalizations and deaths associated with the variants and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's, we know the numbers are being sort of manipulated and we even not taking manipulated numbers. We're seeing that it, they're, they're just manipulating the way they, they discuss how they're providing the ratios between what's, you know, if one per, if two if, out of a population sample size of two have been saved and one hasn't, they can say 50%, you know, greater, you know, it's just, it's little, little statistical tricks like this. Also manipulating the population sample is another statistical trip they do. Yeah. Um, just like, okay, but so we take a, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say they take a full population sample. They don't get the data they need. They'll just narrow that population sample down to the one that gives them the data that they need to justify whatever they're going to do. And that's sort of what's been that's going at on. a normal place. This is Pfizer. They're a professional criminal cartel, Tony. It's way worse than what you just painted. <laughs> way worse. That's and I got some true. stats. I mean, I, I, here's my clip. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Let's see. We practically have a 0% risk of dying from COVID. But That's we great. all, every one of us, has 100% risk of living under increased tyranny. And I think that's what we should focus on. Because this other thing seems to have like died out. Like Their reason for tyranny has died out. But the tyranny is escalating. And that's what we should pay attention to. The yeah. more you know. That's correct. Yeah, they said the median death rate of all combined age groups is 99.86%. Mean, median, and moan. There's a lot more dangerous things going on out there, kids. That's what I'm saying. Maybe we should pay attention to some of these other things as well. I want to get this quickly on the record. There's a small clip we could play, but this will just be faster. FDA releases more data on adverse reactions to Pfizer vaccine. This was on Thursday, December 23rd. As the FDA, FDA prepares to approve Pfizer's new pill, that's an interesting issue too, for treating, which is a protease inhibitor, just like ivermectin, if I remember correctly, for treating what high risk. What color is their pill? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's rainbow colored to support the LGBTQ, AP, whatever. Big dollar there. Big, <laughs> Big dollar there. They might. Yeah. Anyways, new pill for treating high risk patients infected with COVID. More information about dangerous side effects tied to its vaccine are coming to light. Just yesterday, we reported on another death tied to the vaccine in New Zealand. Now, documents released by the FDA reveal that drug maker Pfizer recorded nearly 160,000 adverse reactions to COVID vaccine in the initial months of its rollout. The data were obtained by a group of doctors, professor, professors, and journalists calling themselves public health and medical professionals for transparency. They filed a FOIA request with the FDA asking for the release. And the first tranche, tranche of documents revealed that as of February 2021, when Pfizer's shot was being rolled out worldwide on an emergency basis, the drug maker had compiled more than 42,000 case reports detailing nearly 160,000 individual adverse reactions to the vaccine. 
It's not a big deal, Tony. It's not a big deal. Had compiled 42,000 case reports kneeling near detailing nearly 160,000 individual adverse reactions. How do you have out of 42,000 case reports? You're thinking too much into this, man. You get 160,000. That's another issue. But the thing I wanted to highlight here was let's see. um, I don't know if it'll actually. This thing called back. Oops. There. There's this thing called vaccine associated enhanced disease. Mm. So part of one of the adverse reactions is the fact that the, basically the shot can cause the disease and it actually will enhance the disease. And I actually have anecdotal, uh, evidence of this. My, uh, my cousin's, um, uh, partner at work. Um, she's a lawyer and she's a partner in her um, person that she works with. She's also a partner. He, uh, he got the disease. Um, he recovered, he got nailed by it really badly, barely recovered. But then some, for some reason, the doctors convinced him to go take the vaccine anyways, like Mm. pretty much right after. And he got even more more sick after getting the vaccine to the point where he had to be, he was so severely ill, he had to be hospitalized. I don't know if he got the intubation, but it was very close. Um, he had a worse effect from it. And so it's, uh, I just find it interesting that here now they admit it's like, oh yeah, it can actually like enhance the disease itself. Cause again, it's producing the spike protein, which causes the disease. So what a surprise, but they say they, you know, engineered two different amino acids on it to make it so it doesn't actually get into our cells, but that clearly hasn't worked. So I'm sure by the time they get to the Omega version, they'll have it all worked out. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. They'll have that army vaccine ready to go. Right. The one that's like uh, the universal vaccine, which months ago we had it on the record that it they're working on a universal coronavirus vaccine. Uh, what a surprise. So this is just a large testing ground. That's all this is. Public experimentation in violation of the Nuremberg Code. That seems pretty simple. All right. <clears throat> Nothing to see there. Uh, what do we got for the vaxxed blood clots 10 times faster? Hmm. Uh, COVID-19 vaccine risk exposed in confidential report. Did you check that out? I didn't see the confidential report, but it's talking about the vaccine associated enhanced disease. Yeah, we could do that. That you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. The who killing children with the vaccines? This one. Actually, I had it twice in their LD. I apologize. Not the Roger Daltrey who. I'm talking about the other who where Dazak works and Gates funds. Yeah, that first two, the former who was actually an entertaining band. I bet Bill Gates was a pocket pinball wizard back in high school. Let's see. I worked in a callback to the who. It's a shout out to the fellows over there. Oh my God. That's well done. Well, uh, sometimes you like your, your puns medium. I left that one on longer, so it would be well done at 1.43 a.m. Eastern time. That's something even that Yona can admire so far as the... Yeah, you got to work the burners on... on, When you're cooking up puns, you got to work the burners. The hot burners are in the front, the low burners are in the back. Some of these ones, you don't want to cook them too fast. (laughs) All right, we got that clip ready. Yeah, go for it. With the rise and breakthrough COVID-19 cases... Many are becoming more skeptical of the vaccine's effectiveness claims. And with subtle wordplay, these claims are actually extremely misleading. 
since the start of the pandemic, our health experts have used the words efficacious and effective interchangeably, despite them having completely different meanings. In other words, what might be efficacious may not be as effective. Bill Gates's Gavi explains this for us on their website by stating, with Moderna and Pfizer's high efficacy rates, these are unlikely to translate into the same effectiveness in practice. While our beloved health experts want us to think otherwise, and that what's efficacious is just as effective, their sly choice of words constitutes misinformation. How did Dr. Fauci know the COVID-19 vaccines were effective before even being rolled out to the public? In tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. So now we have two vaccines that are really quite effective. It has good efficacy. As soon it was proven to be safe and effective. It's 72% effective of which the vaccines are highly efficacious. And while touting his own experimental gene therapies as being effective in August of 2020, he denounced the vaccines of both Russia and China for announcing a vaccine sooner than the US. I seriously doubt that they've done that. But that's what I think people need to understand when they hear announcements from the Chinese or from the Russians that we have a vaccine, we're giving a vaccine. Despite him going on to inoculate the entire US population with an emergency use only biological product. And while they try convincing you that there are few side effects and that the long-term health problems related to the vaccine are extremely unlikely, their quietly published documents tell a different story. In November of 2021, Pfizer's confidential COVID-19 vaccine risk management plan for the EU was published. On page 107, they note that 1,427 adverse events occurred involving vaccine-associated enhanced disease, of which 88% were serious and 22% died. They concluded that vaccine-associated enhanced disease may be presented as unusual manifestations of COVID-19 and that it could have a public health impact if large populations of individuals are affected. Pfizer's risk management plan in New Zealand appeared the same. Moderna's risk management plan for the EU was published earlier this year. In March of 2020, Dr. Fauci described the possibility of vaccines inducing vaccine-associated enhanced disease. There's safety associated. Does the vaccine make you worse? And there are diseases in which you vaccinate someone they get infected with what you're trying to protect them with, and you actually enhance the infection. What happens with certain types of respiratory virus vaccines, you get immunized, and then when you get actually exposed to the virus, you get this kind of paradoxical immune enhancement phenomenon. We started developing uh, coronavirus vaccines, and our colleagues, we noticed in laboratory animals that they started to show some of the same immune pathology that resembled what had happened 50 years earlier. So, so we said, oh my God, this is going to be problematic. And now, after millions have been inoculated, we are beginning to notice that vaccine-associated enhanced disease is not misinformation, and that it's possible for this disease to manifest as symptoms of COVID-19, or what some would describe as breakthrough cases. Because of so many breakthrough cases on Broadway, Several shows have had to be canceled. That's right, at least six Broadway shows are canceling performances over breakthrough cases. Now keep in mind, the cast and crew members are all vaccinated. Breaking news today on Broadway, COVID cases cancel Aladdin just 24 hours after the musical reopened. Billie Eilish admitted to a breakthrough case after receiving the vaccine and noted that she is still feeling the side effects. 
I still have side effects. I mean, I was, I was sick for like, two, like two months almost. Oh, so this was even after you were vaccinated? Yeah. Now, the issue of safety, something that I want to make sure the American public understand. Having a vaccine, Deborah, and proving that a vaccine is safe and effective are two different things. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. We have to get comfortable with vaccinate, fully vaccinated folks testing positive. That's going to be our new normal. You know, if we have, you know, one in 10,000 uh, side effects, that's, you know, way more, 700,000, uh, you know, people who will suffer from that. Well, nearly 90,000 breakthrough COVID cases have now been reported in Massachusetts. So hospitalizations are going up, but not as rapidly as the case count. So my suspicion is, is that we're seeing breakthrough infections. Maybe more people will opt for natural immunity now that the world's most powerful doctor has acknowledged it. So between natural immunity, vaccine immunity, and uh, these oral treatments that can scale up in a way that the antibodies never did. And while there is no money to make in natural immunity, Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, stated that some people want to use the fear of others during the pandemic to profit. People that uh, won't make money, some of them, by playing with the emotions of these people, trying to basically to benefit and profit from this fear of the people. Perhaps he's referring to our own government, which has been using fear and coercion this entire time. So I think we all want to get to the vaccine has to be mandated. To push the very vaccine, which they are fighting for ownership over half the patent's technology. I think Moderna has made a serious mistake here in not providing the kind of co-inventorship credit uh, to people who played a major role in the development like of the DARPA. vaccine that they are now uh, making a fair amount of money off of. Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? You know, did we create the pandemic? Are we trying to profit from it? And so long as the push for inoculations continues, the steady increase in COVID-19 type manifestations may continue to rise as well. From the deep state satire, this is Harry Carnes. More the skeptical. deep state satire. Is that where that came from, LD? Oh, Mission Control got taken over over there. Yeah, hang on. I'm not sure where that audio is coming from. I'm not sure either, but it's pretty funky. Also, I liked uh, I liked the production value that came with that video. Like that under track kind of drives the, yeah. the senses as you're taking it in, and I thought it was well produced as well as having like hard hitting information. And the world needs to see more of that. Yeah, it's a new. It's called the Deep State Satire. It's a new channel on the Band Video, um, and the under and let's see, they have. The well, audio, the fact the that they're background. telling you the truth and calling it satire to go under the radar, I think, is clever too. It's clever, yeah. Background audio by the militia. Money sign S. Purchase tracks here. Beatstars.com, the militia. So I'll bring that up. So that was, yeah. They had this- Can I license that track? How's that work, LD? <laughs> so. can, I, can I use that track too? I like it. It's good production. That was very good. That's better than I thought. <laughs> Because I had had much. That's why people put those links there in case other people want to use it, right? Like it's a thing, it's a it's a marketplace, and that's an offer. Yeah. 
So well done. Hey, I'll find other music, I'm sure. But I like that track. All right. So um <clears throat> from here, there's a bunch of other sad COVID stories. Mm-hmm. Uh who had the World Health Organization, not Roger Daltrey, uh, who had <laughs> admits vaccines being used to kill children. Uh, we heard that clip from InfoWars, yeah. but there's also stories that go with it. There's a Freudian slip uh, article that goes with it. Uh, well, this is kind of interesting. Uh, New Dutch word of yeah. the year translates to vaccine regret. <laughs> Journal on Geopolitics International Relations. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. New Dutch word of the year translates to vaccine regret. Um, was voted the newest Dutch word of the year in the dictionary competition. The word is defined as a feeling of regret someone has about having been vaccinated against an, any infectious disease. The dictionary editor who ran the Twitter campaign stated, mirrors polarization of society around the vaccine and booster shot. Uh, it was chosen from amongst 15 words in the Dick Van Dale Dictionary with a score of 82.2%. So that was interesting. Um, yeah. The other ones are kind of... It definitely says oh, this prick is spit. Prick but... spit, yeah. It's just spit, spit. I don't know what the J... I don't know. There's some sort of weird mouth thing I got to do. The two biggest... This is interesting. The two biggest rivals, wound protest a word that refers to protests against the Dutch housing market and wapigilud, which is a derogatory term often used to refer to conspiracy theorists, received 3.7% and 3.6%. So 82.2% of the vote went to vaccine regret, prick sprit. Speech. So that was uh, interesting. All right. Are we ready to move on to the next section? Yeah, at this point, um, whatever you want to, yeah. All right. Or, so or we can get to the intermission. No, 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 here we go. Here we go. Yeah. The next section. Oh, can you stop sharing screen? Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. I forget about that. The, the next section, I'll probably regret it saying. The, the next section is mandates and lockdowns. And no, this is not about Don Lamont's weekend activities. This is a section where we're going to cover the high wire and the ever-increasing tyranny in Australia. Austria. Austria. (laughs) We'll get there because pages are loading. So the high wire clip? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know what's it's going on It's that tonight. time of the year oh, as where the internet's so as that in. By the way, the FDA approved implantable chip to access medical records. Oh, so, so comforting. It's called the Very Chip. It's very nice. Well, it was called, it. dude, hold on. While that page is loading. An implantable radio frequency. Can I just tell you about this implantable radio frequency chip book from 20 years ago, 10 years, yeah. 15 years ago? Come on, let's go there. Because Verichip is in here, I'm pretty sure. Here's spy chips, how major corporations and government plan to track your every move with RFID. Wait for it. Wait for it. Let's see. Let's see when this is... Oh, you showed us the other... Yeah, this is great. Yeah, go for it. 2005! 2005! Almost 20 years ago. We're heading into 2022. Like, Mm -hmm. And let me look up Verichip in here real quick while LD is... uh, V for Verichip, V Verichip. 
There oh, dude. It is. So Here, a hold bunch on, hold of on. references. Hold on, everybody. Shit, hold on. What it's only fuck? pages 179 through 80, 186, 191 to 192, 200, 236, 257, 261 of this book. So I'm sure, you know, that plan. Oh, is that is that the social credit score system I see in place here on this? Oh, my goodness. Have these people been working on this a lot, long time? Did they twist their mustaches? I don't know. A lot of the people doing this didn't have mustaches. But I'm just saying, this has been going on. And when I heard the word Verichip, I knew where that book was right there. I didn't even know. Yeah, you, you had it on the record a couple of weeks ago. That's very serendipitous that, you know, it all sort of comes full circle. That's crazy. Because you went and you did a deep dive in that a couple of weeks ago, and now they just approved it. And I thought I remembered hearing that's great that you pulled that out. Because this is crazy. Ahead of the curve. This is, that's crazy. So, yeah, this is uh, Richard C. Seelig. The company's vice president for medical applications said the chip would be useful in patients who receive care from several doctors. Yeah, yeah, it's all about medical records and blah, 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 blah. Sure. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. <laughs> We're just putting chips under your skin. Nothing to see here. It was crazy conspiracy theory 20 years ago when people tried to warn you of the pending technology creep. But now that creep is under your skin and it has your vaccine passport so you can go on vacation to a gulag near you. Like they're turning the whole planet into the gulag. I don't oh, know yeah. why people don't get that. Yeah, that's yeah. At this point, regardless of like I said, the metaphysics of the virus or what people they are, might have special camps for people who don't participate, but everybody who does participate, that's the gulag too. It's yeah. it's an electronic gulag. They got you in. That's how they're getting you all to do the irrational stuff that we observe you doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, say la vie. Yeah. All right. Did we find uh, L Big Trio? Yeah, we're good to go. All right. Cool. Again, mandates and lockdowns. Not just for Don Lamar. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever you are out there in the world, it's time to step out onto the high wire. Well, this week is Christmas. And for those of you that are Christians out there, I want to wish you a happy Christmas. But of course, we are wishing happy holidays to all of you, no matter your happy race, Christmas. religion or creed. As I was thinking about this moment um, today and, and talking to our staff, I was reflecting on that famous story during World War One when the French and German soldiers decided to have a cease and desist day where they got together and celebrated Christmas, stepped across those lines that were dividing them that they'd been fighting on to recognize each other as human beings. I think that that is the best of who we are. And as we sort of look at this world in turmoil, I think it's so important to recognize that we are truly brothers and sisters on this earth together, and we are sharing in this experience. And so not one of us can lift up alone, but all of us together, I think, are what are going to make the difference as we move forward and try to get ourselves out of this tyranny being brought across the world by probably some invisible group of people, but those that we see that are acting, you know, bringing this upon us, we must do our part to step up now and make that difference. Uh, as we've been reporting, one of those nations that seems to be on the front lines right now, uh, truly, you know, embattled with this issue of the pandemic is Austria. And as we've been watching the headlines coming out of Austria, seeing the marches, I mean, massive protests, tens of thousands of people getting together, protesting what's happening there. And the headlines uh, lead us to understand what it is exactly that they are protesting against. 
Austria's focus shifts to full lockdown as COVID-19 cases keep rising. Austria orders nationwide lockdown for the unvaccinated. So they started out with um, locking down everybody. Then they backed it off. The vaccinated could have some freedoms. Now it's just the unvaccinated. But that wasn't enough. Now one of the first times we've seen in the world, we're moving into fines on those that are unvaccinated. Austria to implement vaccine register, fine unvaccinated residents up to $4,000. Um, In the sort of middle of this insanity in Austria, there is a loud and powerful voice, a doctor named Maria Humber-Mogg, who has been organizing many of these protests, um, standing uh, for the people, tens of thousands of people getting together. Uh, She's also known to be one of the best dressed when it comes to doing television and news interviews in Austria. Of course, they're wearing the high wire T-shirt, which I think is the best way uh, to do that. Uh, But to get to the bottom, of what's really happening uh, in a nation that seems on the other side of the world, yet is so close to what we're experiencing. I'm honored to be joined right now by Dr. Mogg. Um, first of all, you're doing incredible work there, but I feel like I can't trust the news any longer. Um, and so I want to know what's really happening in Austria, Austria from your perspective. So what is taking place? Is it, is it, bad, is it as bad as it seems here in America and the headlines that we're seeing? Hi there. Um, thanks for having me. Yes, it is as bad as you're seeing it in the headlines. Um, just to give you a short insight, um, I say we have like the chronology of Poroa. Um, the parliament said that they would start the vaccine mandates for health professionals on the 12th of November. Then they started to vaccinate five-year-olds from the 15th of November on 1st of label. Then the EMA gave their okay, so they are now not off-label vaccinating the kids, but just, you know, um, vaccinating them because um, it is uh, safe and effective for kids. And um, on the 19th of November, They said that we will have mandatory vaccines for everybody 14 years old and older. And um, on top of that, they started a lockdown for the unvaccinated on the 15th of November. And on the 22nd of November, it was a lockdown for everybody. And on the 12th of December, the lockdown again was only for the unvaccinated. And still it is. And so we are just allowed the unvaccinated or people who came over COVID-19, but for longer than now, six months um, ago, um, all these people that are not vaccinated and they that did not have COVID within the last six months, they are not allowed to go to a, um, you know, to a shop or to a cinema, a bar, a cafe. And so, you know, we're just allowed to go to work and to the supermarket. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. And, and, and so tell me about the fines. Like, what is the fine and how does that work? How do they determine who gets fined? Is it just the head of the household or can each individual, like a husband and wife, be fined separately? What's happening there? Everybody will be fined separately. So um, the vaccine mandates will start on the 1st of February 2022. So they um, are just putting the bills in the parliament. And uh, you get letters now to um, invitation letter to getting vaccinated. 
And if you do not appear there, you get another letter and then they will start to find you and they will um, find you up to 3,600 euros. That might be around 4,000 US dollars a year if you're not going um, to get the vaccine. And of course, they are also thinking of putting people into jail. Um, first, they were talking about four weeks and then there came something up with maybe even um, up to one year, which we, of course, think they will not get through with this. But, you know, um, there are always uh, these um, horror uh, news and we are really, you know, um, we are really looking what is happening. And um, of course, we have great lawyers on our side as well. And so we are doing our best to find out how we can, you know, um, refuse to what they plan from February 2022 on. Here in America, you know, and I, I talked about this just a couple of weeks ago on the show, uh, there's comparisons often made between these types of lockdowns, oppression, division amongst people, dividing, you know, groups of a society, those that can go into restaurants, those that can't. There's this comparison to Nazi Germany. Of course, Austria has a, a direct involvement with that. Is that sort of conversation happening amongst the people in Austria, a concern that perhaps we're sliding on a slippery slope that we've seen before? Yes, and I have also heard we should not do these comparisons. But I tell you what, I live in Austria and we all had, you know, in school, we had our history education and we know that 80 years, more than 80 years ago, you know, there were restrictions, there were things happening and people, you know, slowly, slowly, all these uh, things came up and people, you know, they did just the slow motion that people, I think, didn't really recognize. And when they recognized, they were just looking after themselves, many of them. Mm -hmm. And then they said, mm, okay, it's not me uh, passing away with the train and uh, uh, maybe better to keep silent. Of course, there were a lot of people who tried to speak up and to try to help. But um, it is in a way that people um, get discredited by the, um, you know, by the public or mainstream media who speak up against this whole unscientific nonsense and who speak up against these draconian measures. And I'm also in contact with Dr. Rainer Fulmik, their lawyer and lawyer Viviane Fischer. And I was in the Corona Committee some weeks ago with Austrian lawyers and scientists and doctors. And we also said, you know, we are not allowed to do these comparisons, but you know, we somehow have to do these comparisons because we know the history and we really have to speak up because in Austria and Germany, these cruel times began. So it is really my aim and the aim of so many protesters from Austria and Germany to say stop. And we know Catherine Austin Fitz. She says there's this agenda by Mr. Global. So we think um, we really, we really need to stop because Austria seems to be the test field for the Mr. Global agenda. Mm -hmm. So we think if we can really stop what is going on in Austria, it will not uh, be able, they, they will not be able to do this in other European countries or around the world. So we really need to put all our power into stopping this nonsense. 
And you've done an amazing job organizing some of these protests, numbers as high as 20,000, 40,000 at another protest. I mean, that's that's really an incredible enrollment amongst your population. Clearly, they, they are having issues with what's going on there. What's the media like there? Is the is the the news there promoting the vaccine, promoting these draconian measures? Or do you have any media that is being allowed to give a different perspective, perhaps that perspective of health freedom? So the media, the mainstream media, we have um, big Austrian media stations. They, of course, keep pushing this propaganda. We have um, one TV channel that is um, owned by a really famous person in Austria, and they have their um, everyday news and they try to, you know, um, look at both sides, the protesters and why people go onto the streets. But um, and we have, of course, alternative media stations like the one that you showed where I was wearing my the high wire shirt. And so there is this alternative media sector. There is one big one. It's called Alf 1. It's um, broadcasted um, via the Internet and uh, many people follow this channel. But in the mainstream media, they keep pushing the propaganda in the daily newspapers, the mainstream newspapers. They have um, advertisement for the vaccination, for the vaccination of pregnant women and so on. So um, and if we do a protest like there was this really the first big rally in Vienna, we know that they are aware. We know now more than 300,000 people in the streets and the mainstream said there were 43,000 people. And I wow. was there and I was doing a speech there and there were are so many people. And then two weeks later, I did with a lovely friend of mine. She's a financial consultant. She's a mother of two little boys. And just she and I, we organized this protest. We had to go to the police station to tell them the, the route of our protest march and uh, where we wanted to talk and at what square. And we had to talk to the police and they were all friendly. And so when we were doing this first march through all my hometown in Graz in the south of Austria, it's the second biggest city. We have 300,000 in inhabitants and we had 30,000 people there and so the police told us the true number of 30,000 people and now um, our um, last protest in Graz was the 12th of December that we organized again as two lions mamas and um, we know that there were more people than the first time on the 27th of November but guess what the police said there were 17,000 people and mainstream media said 17,000 people and two people were arrested and one policeman was hit and so on, you know. So um, we know now that they, you know, got somehow an order to not tell the true number of protesters. And we now know from a friend who has um, a really close friend who is in, in the police station in Graz. And he said, honestly, there were 40,000 people in the streets mm. of Graz. So we know there's something going on and they want to, you know, keep um, keep us silent and um, want to, to silence us and not tell the truth um, how many we are. Now, the conversation, obviously, there as it is around the world is promoting this vaccine, which clearly doesn't work. The more they vaccinate, the more we see the spread of this virus, which is why you're locking down here in America. We are now starting to see a return of mass potential lockdowns happening. Uh, but what about treatments? Are you, you know, are, are you aware in Austria that there's effective treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, many of which are being blocked here? But what is happening in Austria when it comes to the availability? of treatments that have been shown to work in studies all around the world. 
Yeah, first of all, thank you to the High Wire because I was watching the High Wire for a long time already. And so when the whole pandemic started, I already knew that the High Wire and I was, you know, watching your weekly show. And this was really um, where I got my knowledge from. I saw all the scientists, all the doctors that you had on the show. So I was uh, very early aware of the treatments, um, the possible treatments. And we also have a great professor in Austria. His name is Professor Dr. Hadic, and he did now his third documentary on the truth about um, COVID and um, the third one will be shown um, now in the Austrian TV station in this one that I was uh, mentioning, uh, this uh, one owned by a private person and he is brave enough to show this in, in the mainstream, uh, in, the, in the TV station. So um, we know and he already had Professor Corey in, in his second documentary okay. and we know there are treatments. There is ivermectin, we know about the Selenko's protocol, hydroxychloroquine. We also, of course, know about monoclonal antibodies and so on. So the thing in Austria is that um, we are, um, you know, we are able um, through our pharmacies to um, uh, get uh, ivermectin. But guess what? Some weeks ago, the medical chamber, so the medical board, they told patients who got or whose family members got ivermectin by doctors in Austria that they should call them and tell them who's, who, who was the doctor who prescribed ivermectin. Wow. And um, the medical board in the medical chamber even um, sent a letter to all the pharmacies to tell them who are the doctors who prescribe ivermectin. So this is really, you know, this is really, wow. And um, we, of course, tried to do public work. And I was also doing um, an interview with a, um, it's, it's a political party in Austria, and they speak up against the draconian measures. And I'm not in a political party, and I'm not left or right or whatever. But I was doing this interview, you know, to talk about the, the children's vaccines, and I was talking about the therapies. And... Um, you know, after that um, interview came out and it was clicked that time 350,000 times, I lost my job in a private clinic as a GP. So I was kicked out uh, from this private clinic. Um, they said there were patients who um, had, uh, yeah, who had problems with me. And um, I said, okay, wow, but whatsoever. So I did this um, interview about treatments and um, all the, you know, the politicians or the task force who is, um, um, uh, there for the parliament or the national vaccination committee, they do not want to know about um, therapies, we think. And right. they say there is no uh, therapy that really works against COVID-19. So we have brave doctors who prescribe ivermectin to patients, but as you can see, the medical board comes after them. Yeah, well, so that's similar to here. You know, do you think they're going to get away with this? I mean, when you feel the sort of the climate of the people, do the people have power uh, over the government? I mean, is there a sense of, of civil rights um, that uh, you feel like you're standing for? Or what, what do you project as we go into this new year? Are you concerned about mm -hmm. the, the future for the people of Austria? Um, I tell you how I think it will work. I think they will start this whole mandatory vaccine thing on the 1st of February. But what I also know is that there are lawyers 
great brave lawyers who put together a lot of letters that people can um, take for themselves if they are not going to follow the invitation to the vaccine or if they're not going to pay the fines. And, you know, I think until then we have more and more weeks. So the truth, the scientific truth will come um, out. We know that truth always finds its way. And we also know that even people who are double vaccinated or people who even got the booster, the third vaccination now, they say, wait a second, you know, my grandchild is 15 years old and that means my grandchild has also um, to get the vaccination every four to six months from February on. So even vaccinated people go out into the streets with us because people find out more and more signs about what is going on. So from a legal perspective, we do not think we have now this game changer where we can say, hey, this is our law, this is um, our right, you can't do this with us. I think um, the parliament will find the way to push this through. But what I really do know is that the people in Austria wake up there is a great awakening. I mean, we see it all around the world, but especially in Austria. And even uh, medical personnel went on a warn strike and they did another warn strike on the 15th of December. And they will also do more strikes like this. Yeah. So um, we really have to push back. And I think that um, since more and more protesters go to the streets, every time more and more protesters, even if it is really cold outside, they go out onto the streets and we know that we can do a shift and we have these great lawyers. Even one of the lawyers did his own political party. Um, it is called MFG. This party is for Menschen, that means humans. Then it is Freiheit, which means freedom and Grundrechte, this means basic rights. So it's MFG. And this lawyer is a really brave soul. His name is Dr. Michael Brunner. And he spoke out against all these draconian measures from the beginning on. Mm -hmm. And I think this party will also be be a big game changer in the future and so we are really hoping that it will work out and um, we spread out the message into the world because i'm also a steering committee member of the world council for health and we are a big coalition of um, independent doctors nurses and scientists and um, we know that together and we have over 80 affiliate groups with us now we know that together we are really strong so we um, help um, different countries and doctors there to organize um, big summits and um, there was just the COVID-19 world summit in Brazil and so we really spread the message and we really want to encourage people from all around the globe to go out into the streets and of course um, in the beginning of December we also did a protest um, in front of the Australian embassy because Australians were asking for that and so we of course followed their call mm -hmm. and you know it is so lovely to see when when people stand in front of Austrian embassies like in Great Britain and they said we stand for Austria you can so see in in France and in Paris they they said um, liberté pour l'Autriche which means freedom for for Austria and it was so heartwarming and i think in these times we all know you know we really know our souls when we came to earth i think we knew that this was coming and so from that perspective we knew this was coming and i think we all if we feel into ourselves and now it's christmas time you know we get this power from deep inside our ourselves and we can we can help everybody can help 
to get the truth out. And in in the beginning, um, maybe you are not sure, okay, maybe this whole draconian measures will stop by themselves or this whole thing will be over soon, but it will not be over soon unless we go out into the streets. So I think we have spirits, souls, bodies, and you know, we are here for a reason and together we are really strong and we can, you know, we can do a change, I think. Fantastic, brilliant words uh, in this holiday season as we are all sharing in this experience. Uh, Dr. Maria Hubner-Mogg, thank you for taking the time to enlighten us. And shockingly, it sounds like I could be speaking to someone in New York City, Los Angeles, or Australia. Uh, so similar is this experience now around the world, which shows you uh, that this isn't really about a virus. This is clearly a global uh, agenda to take away our rights. Um, you know, we can stand in the face of this. We've seen worse viruses on this planet. There's something else going on here. So we stand with you. Thank you for, you know, being, you know, part of our high wire community. And I hope you will continue to uh, keep us up to date on what's happening in Austria as we sort of follow uh, your work out there. So thank you for taking the time and God bless you through this holiday season. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, it's a shame uh, what's happening in Austria and Australia. But in Austria, first off, it's one of the most beautiful countries in Europe. In Europe, yeah. yeah. It's very Americanized. You could go to Vienna and you could think you're in Cleveland or yeah. Chicago. All American restaurant, a whole bunch, right? You can go to TGI Fridays in Vienna. I'm pretty sure that's a, a restaurant we went to one time in Vienna. So it's been 20 years. I'm sure it's changed. But those people, they speak very good English. They're very well educated. They lived, they're like the second generation after World War II. Somebody else came in and started jackbooting in their country once upon a time. And similar things are happening again. And the people in the past who like defeated the Nazis, when you do your homework, you find out those people funded the Nazis. They've been in control ever since. And what they're doing is like, there's, there's no authority above them to call and be like, hey, these guys are the Nazis again, right? Because... We have a lot of learning to do well, as individuals to get out of that that group think of what happened in Nazi Germany and to think that those people were evil and that's why that happened. No, they were subject to psychological warfare and propaganda, just like everybody else on the planet now is. It was a test bed for what they did to the rest of the world. It's true, but I mean, there's an unfortunate statistic I saw once a long time ago. Austria was open arms to Hitler and Nazi Germany. They were all for it. It was like a 98%. It was some high well, According to the people who counted the votes at the time, right? Uh, I, I, mean, care I care not how you vote. Later. I care how, who it counts the later. votes. Isn't that a saying? I mean, it's an interesting, I don't know. I think they were much more open. There, yes, there are people that were against the Nazis coming in, but they, they sort of saw themselves as part. Well, of I think the, they also the went through separation anxieties because of Paris 1919 and war yeah, reparations did. and these sort of things. You and got it. At, yeah. the, at that time when Hitler rose to power, it seemed advantageous for you, uh, unity you between those two uh, neighbors. You got it. Yeah. That's, yeah. and so you can see how they're so accepting of tyranny back then. I'm not surprised a couple of generations removed that they're accepting of tyranny now. I hate to say it. Um, you know, very nice. My, my, my father went to uh, Austria many times when I was a kid and he'd come back and just tell me glowing stories about the people, just much like what you said. Um, uh, very clean, very well educated to speak good English. He didn't have a, he, it was one of his favorite places in Europe to visit. Um, 
Like I'll tell you a specific memory walking down the streets of Salzburg, Austria. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm walking to meet some friends uh, at a pub, right? Uh, Friends from America that I haven't seen in years. I'm walking down the street and I hear John Denver songs being sung in the streets of Salzburg, Austria, because there's so many Americans in the bar. Uh, I didn't know that. So I thought Austrian people like John Denver. I walk in I'm like, how are all these people? And they're like, oh, they're all Americans. And that's, that was one of the first experiences. So yeah, you also have to get off the, the beaten tourist trap path, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I had that experience in Italy. Some of the, uh, um, yeah, piazzas. they speak a lot of English in Italy as well. Oh, some of the piazzas, you know, this like sort of centering, this outdoor sort of centers, whatever. They'd have all those musicians go around and where all the tourists are out playing like Pink Floyd and shit. Oh, speaking of Italy, they got that Saturnalian cult going on over there occasionally, sometimes in their history. Yeah, they sure did. They sure is it is it time to hit up this intermission? Yeah. Do you want to ex- explain the uh audio and video choreography of the message? And I want to I want to go with the first one, uh, even though the second scenario is a good one. I want because uh, I watched Aaron and Melissa's uh, "Resurrect Dead on Saturn." Sir gets in the metaverse future. That was an excellent video, and it ties in with this Jordan Maxwell clip. So, yeah, what was well, your line? Both, they both play back to back. That's what I'm saying. It starts with yeah. Gozelenko, Jordan Maxwell, and then Aaron and mm-hmm. Melissa to uh clean so the real bases. quick i wanted to just before we get there just wanted to give some highlights that we can cover maybe in the gtw town hall jimmy door had an interesting sort of um uh video about japan's covid rates plummeting i had it on the show card last week as well that was more news articles now he's covered that i mean uh the japan's health czar came out months and months ago talking about mm-hmm. ivermectin's effectiveness and the fact that they had issues with vaccine rollout i think their, it was their cases con- like went to zero which yeah as soon as they started doing early treatments. So they have been very effective and they have a different protocol and it's been effective, even though they still have, I think that their contracts with Moderna, they had issues with contamination with Moderna. So they had to go a different route. They're still vaccinating people, but they have a different protocol in the hospital than just wait to, you know, put people on a a ventilator and give them remdesivir, which kills them. And then uh, here real quick, I just wanted to get this on the record. This comes from, there's a video about this, but this is the, uh, Assembly Bill A416 relates, this is New York State, New York State Senate, relates to the removal of cases, contacts, and carriers of communicable diseases who are potentially dangerous to public health. Let's read the first section here. Um, Section one, the public health law is amended by adding new section, blah, blah, blah. Section 2120A, removal and detention of cases, contacts, and carriers who are or may be a danger to public health. Other orders, the provisions of the section shall be utilized in the event that the governor declares a state of health emergency due to the epidemic of any communicable disease, any communicable disease. Like upon fear? De- yeah, right. Any the, the, Upon determining by clear and convincing evidence that the health of others is or may be endangered by a case, there's the greater good, contact or carrier or suspend a case, contact or carrier of contagious disease that, in the opinion of the governor, after consultation with the commissioner, may pose an imminent and significant threat to the public health resulting in severe morbidity or high mortality. The governor or his or her delegate, including but not limited to the commissioner or, or the heads of the local health departments may order the removal and or detention of such a person or a group of such persons by issuing a single order, identifying such persons either by name or by reasonably specific description of the individuals or group being detained. 
Such person of such person or group of persons shall be detained in a medical facility or other appropriate facility or premises designated by the governor or his or her delegate in complying with subdivision five of this section. That's happening in America. That's New York state. That's not some Amtsprache. That's the use of official language to remove your rights and allow people to say, sorry, I'm just doing my job. Got to feed my kids. Just like the Nazis did. You got it. I got a thought for a t-shirt idea. Control room. Fear is the virus. Truth is the antivirus. Any questions? That's it. The situation, it's fear is the virus. It's going around. Ignorance is driving that fear. It's the hotbed for that virus to incubate. If you have uh, zinc in your critical thinking, then that virus can't replicate and incubate in your brainage. Speaking of critical thinking, uh, starting probably beginning of February, I'll be hosting a pilot course for teaching some of the basics of logic. We're going to cover the fallacies and definitions, such as those are the two most conspicuous areas they're manipulating the most in media. Um, so those that are interested in being a part of the pilot course, all you have to do is become a GTW subscriber. LD. show them if you um, how they can do that. You go to grandtheftworld.com. It's the top right. I think it's a blue button or purple button, something like that. Yeah, here we go. And subscribe is $10 a month. Uh, we have a couple of different packages, but $10 will get you in and will give you the opportunity to not only participate, get a, access to a bunch of uh, media that Rich has produced in the past. And I think I helped them produce some of that, um, but and a bunch of other uh, perks and benefits. But you also get access to the town hall, you get access to TTW Discord and a, a community that shares resources and discussion with one another about what's going on, helping each other out. I've seen a lot of discussion with people trying to help get medications. It's been really wonderful how much people have been helping out each other on, in their time of need. And a shout out to the GTW community and those subscribers that support our work. Really appreciate it. So uh, to Rich's point, if uh, about the shirt idea with the truth is the antivirus, um, part of that truth is learning critical thinking and using it in your life. It's uh, I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing, Tony, because you're taking that critical theory and that conspiracy theory and you're combining them, right? And, and the course could be critical thinking theory. And there's like a big audience for both those critical thinking theory. <laughs> you heard of critical race theory? Well, this is critical thinking theory. There you go. And uh, it can sneak in under the radar. People with like the schools looking because they've already taught CRT. Now they could do uh, CTT, critical thinking theory. It would seem like the national and it undoes the other thing. Undo, right? But they yeah. don't know that. Sort of like quercetin. It's like an antidote. Stop viral replication. Truth as the antidote. Yeah. Truth is the antidote. Right. Exactly. That's what we're trying to support. So shout out to uh, everyone at the GTW community. So anyways, I just wanted to get that on the record. There's a bunch of other good stuff. Well, not really good stuff, but terrifying stuff that we can get to. We'll cover whatever we can uh, during the time. At least when it gets to the terrifying stuff, it's like, you know, Melissa telling you. You know, and Aaron chiming in in that video. So the the flow at the intermission is going to be just a quick. I thought uh, Doctor Zelenko had some very interesting words. Again, it's another doctor here speaking, not about therapeutics or you know, he's speaking more about the situation in the world right now. The truth of human beings trying to control other human beings and putting proxies in the middle called lies. Mm -hmm. Then we have about pretty much yeah. Then we have Jordan Maxwell about twenty minutes of Maxwell. 
give me some very interesting symbolism and into ancient religions, its relationship to Judaism, Christianity, and particularly its worship of Saturn, uh, going back to the Canaanites and I think the Egyptians as well. That'll be a precursor, sort of uh, your appetizer to the main I'd say course. that's silliness, except there's Saturn's day before the sun's day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Even our days it. of the week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They absolutely reflect. Mm-hmm. You got Freya's day. They got a bunch of different cults. Yeah. It depends things. which uh, mythology you're going with, but many of them were taken from Norse mythology. Thor's day. Thor's day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. So um, then we're going to go into the metaverse, which I'm sure as many people have seen, but I think the extra added Jordan Maxwell context is going to give even more uh, perspective around the resurrect the dead on Saturn. Sarah gets to the metaverse, which Aaron and Melissa Dykes did a brilliant sort of 49 minutes, uh, expose of this whole metaverse nonsense it's symbolism it's expose it's part rant it, it you know yeah, i like how they yeah i like symbolism, how they incoming of, rant when they put that up on screen like <laughs> they do a good job they speak with parties but they're also very they're calm cool and collected they're also sort of just they leave it you know they speak with diffidence and they've and done interest. underground research too. They're not just like internet, you know, web jockeys. Like they get boots on the ground, go over to these places in Europe and England, and they've done uh, reporting from the field as well. So that's it, called journalism once upon a time, but now, you know, in a way, they were it's talking called about many of the media. DARPA projects that Whitney Webb now highlights. They kind of mentioned that first. Not saying that there's anything wrong with Whitney Webb. It's just interesting. They were really, really ahead of the curve in many respects, and they deserve a lot of credit. They don't produce as much. At least I don't notice their... I like Instagram. to think that the rising tide raises all ships. So, go. like, That's- other people doing good work, we all build from that, and we're going toward the high water mark. So, we'll get to that. I only get to one clip afterwards. It's a Greg Reese clip sort of about the whole year of history and conspiracy and then we can wrap up the show but we'll let's get to this intermission play those three clips in order the first one's just play the first three minutes and 48 section real quick the runner-ups for this week's intermission false flags the secret history of al-qaeda part two is released by james corbett i played part a good portion of part one when i was hosting back in september so definitely check that out it's incredible it's about two hour documentary the first one was like an hour and a half. This is two hours. So together it's three and a half hours of material. James Corbett's doing an incredible job. And then the other one was a little bit more pertinent because the Afghanistan debacle was happening at the same time right now. We're a little bit more in this metaverse vaccine, weird cultish behavior situation. So I think the, the first is more apt. Then there's a, let's see, predictive programming, the, the drama to strain. That was an interesting little oh, thing yeah. that I, I wanted to combined with the Saturn thing, but it's going to be too much. So, you know, for those that are interested, check it out. It'll be part of the show card, but without further ado, let's go to the intermission. We're talking about a force of um, evil that has always used human uh, slavery as a, as a economic, as an asset. Slavery has always been, the most lucrative industry in the history of humanity. And these people are amoral. They're not immoral, they're amoral, which means they are moral when it's expedient for them. They're immoral when it's expedient for them. They support the Jews when it's expedient for them. They support the Christians when it's useful to them. And then they set the Jews against the Christians and vice versa when it's useful for them. They're capitalists when they need to be, they're communists when they need to be. This level of malevolence um, transcends all of these systems that they have set 
and they play games and create chaos and geopolitical destabilization in order to promote their own agenda. In this particular case, it became obvious to everyone that there was going to be a huge economic collapse, and they were threatened. So what, what have they done? They've initiated a plan over the last 30 years that will result in when the system collapses the and the dust settles, they will have the new financial infrastructure and control mechanisms to lead to the ultimate enslavement of humanity. You know who Barbara Marks Hubbard was? Yes. Okay, she is the demonic mother of the New World Order. She, uh, I hope she burns in hell for all eternity. She, um, and I'm going to read you a few quotes from her that will explain to you the philosophy. She's the ideology, the mother of the ideology of Klaus Schwab, let's say. One-fourth of humanity must be eliminated from the social body. It's a quote. We are in charge of God's selection process of planet Earth. He selects, we destroy. We are the riders of the pale horse death. End quote. Another quote from her. This act is as horrible as killing a cancer cell. It must be done for the sake of the future of the whole. So be it. Be prepared for the selection process, which is now beginning. We, the elders, have been patiently waiting until the very last moment before the quantum transformation to take action to cut out this corrupted and corrupting element in the human in the body of humanity. It is like watching a cancer grow. Something must be done before the whole body is destroyed. The destructive one-fourth must be eliminated from the social body. I mean, how does Trump not be set up here? Well, he has to recognize that uh, he was sabotaged. But forget about him. The American people were sabotaged. The interests of the American people, the lives and the sanctity of the lives, uh, our lives are desecrated. And so the only position that he has is to backtrack and say, um, yes, I had my intuition initially was correct. The pre-hospital approach is the right approach. And now we see the evidence of these vaccines. They don't work and they're dangerous and most people don't need them. So I'm pivoting now for the welfare of the of the American public and supporting proven data-driven solutions and not uh, force people to go on a path of self-destruction. He has to do a mea culpa. He has to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Roman College of Cardinals. Uh, when you, when you, I mean, I could go on for hours just giving you examples. I mean, when you graduate, you come out with a square mortar board, a black square mortar board. What's all that about? Black square mortar boards. It has to do with the planet Saturn. Saturn, you know, we're told that in the Old Testament that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, were worshipers of one God. That's never been true. Not true now and never will be true. That's just one more story that's been given to us. That's never been true. The Hebrew people were worshipers of many gods, many different divine beings. They were, uh, they were the most eclectic, the most eclectic theology on the face of the earth 
next to modern day Christianity is Judaism. Eclectic meaning it has collected from all over the world concepts and ideas and put it together and called it today Judaism. Judaism today is the most eclectic religion on the face of the earth. Virtually nothing of what it teaches is true. <clears throat> Virtually nothing of, what, of, its, um, of its supposedly background is true. And consequently, the world is filled with violence, bloodshed, or disorder. Good people are dying. There are children who are starving. Our world is in trouble. And people are calling out to God for protection. People are calling out to God to help our nation. And never realizing for one moment that the divine presence in the universe not listening. Why? Because you have your own concepts of whatever you think is true, whatever you believe to be true, but you have never confronted the real truth. The real truth is that the people who are in power, who put this system together, have been in power for thousands of years. This has been going on from day one. I have the highest of respect for the Bible. Anyone who knows me knows I read it and study it all the time. But I'm also well aware that there are encoded messages. The rabbis will tell you that, that in the Old Testament is filled with encoded messages. I believe that Christianity is probably the most powerful encoded message the world's ever had. It's one of the oldest messages in the world, and I believe that the Christian teachings in the original scriptural understanding is the most important, volatile story the world's ever known. And it's sitting right in front of you, and most people don't even see it. Let me go back to the original Hebrew religion. Because it forms the basis for Christianity, we need to look at <clears throat> where did any of these things come from. I'm famous for doing that. I couldn't care less who I offend. I want to know the truth. And all you got to do is go to any good library and just start reading. There are hundreds of great reference books out there that tell you where things have come from. First of all, <clears throat> all of the things which are going on in this world today uh, from 9-11 all of the wars in the Middle East, all of the, um, the incredible bloodshed that's being uh, spilled all over the earth can be traced back to, and you might want to remember what I'm saying here because you, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to make the connection when I first tell you, but I'm going to try and explain it to you. The things which are happening today, the people who are in power in this country um, the, the, the great generals from around the world who are planning wars and violence and bloodshed, all of this stuff can be traced back to the planet Saturn. Saturn is a very, very pivotal, important concept in theology and religion. And most people have never been told any of this and have no knowledge of it at all. But the planet Saturn is very important in world affairs, in theology. In the Islamic belief, the holy city of Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia, Mecca has <clears throat> a Masonic circle, and within the Masonic circle is a square, because you've got to do everything on the square, remember. 
<clears throat> you have a town square, you have New York Square, you have uh, a Vatican Square, you have uh, Red Square, you have uh, all kinds of squares. Why? Because this is Masonic. And it goes all the way back into the ancient world, the terms and symbols. Again, the planet is called the black square. It's called the dark sun, the black sun. This is what the Nazis and the SS and the Gestapo wore black. That's why uh, priests wear black. That's why judges wear black robes. Why do you think a judge wears a black robe? He wears a black robe because when you used to graduate from university, you wear a black robe. Why black robes? Darth Vader wears a black robe. What the hell does a black robe have to do with anything? The judges wear black robes. You know, Supreme Court judges wear black robes. Black robes represent the priesthood of the planet Saturn, the Saturnalian Brotherhood. All you need to do is study Nazism, and you will begin to see that the powers behind the Nazi party, the Thule Society, the Germanian Order, were all members of something called the Saturnalian Brotherhood, the Brotherhood of Saturn. Saturn was the god of darkness, chaos, and destruction. He teaches you a lesson. He will take your life if you don't listen to him. So consequently, Saturn was very, very important in the ancient world. Thank you. <clears throat> Saturn's name, incidentally, in the old Phoenician ancient Canaanite religion, um, in the Middle East, the old Phoenician Canaanite worship of the planet Saturn was the most important god of all the ancient world was the planet Saturn and his symbol long before the Hebrews were ever in Cana. The symbol in Cana for the planet Saturn was a six-pointed star. Today we call that, today we call that star the star of, of David. There was no star of David. It's the star of Saturn. All of the Jewish reference books, all the Encyclopedia Judica, all of, I go to the synagogue, uh, go up into um, Mulholland Drive, up to the Jewish University and spend three weeks there and look up Saturn. You'll find out that 98% of all Judaism is a worship of the planet Saturn. Better wake up and understand where this stuff comes from. Because if there is a God in heaven, if there is a divine presence in the universe that demands righteousness and justice, then you're going to have to rethink what we believe and where we're going and what the world is all about because for the last 2,000 years we haven't done too well. Logic alone should tell you that when Jews were being marched into concentration camps, uh, they were praying out, they were praying obviously to their God for protection and for help. There was no help coming. Christians have been praying to God to help this nation, to, to protect their family, and evil grows and multiplies each day. And the more Christians pray, the more evil the, the pervasiveness becomes. And the reason why is because we are not in tune with the universal God force. We're not in tune with the truth. We're in tune with what we've been told is the truth. We understand the thing that we've been told about government, that we have to pay your taxes because that's the law. You think, what law? Where is there a law that says that? Well, it's in there somewhere. No. Where is the law? And then you find out, well, it was just a lie. The whole thing was a lie. The whole thing is a sham. 
I have tons of, of videos, and I mean, you have slides I'd like to show, but there's so many things I want to talk about too. Let me get back to the planet Saturn. Saturn was referred to, as I said, its symbol was the six-pointed star. Today we call it the Star of David. Uh, Saturn was referred to as El, E-L. El was the god Saturn in the old Phoenician Canaanite system. And consequently, anyone that promoted the worship of El is where we get the word elder. You'll become an elder because you're worshiping El. And when you worship El and become an elder, then uh, you, uh, how did you get to be an elder? You got elected. So therefore we have elections. <clears throat> now that you have been elected to be an elder, now you are one of the elites. Why? Because now you have moved up like in an elevator. You are now moved up in society. Consequently, it's all money, it's all manipulation and exploitation coming out of Phoenicia, Cana. It goes back to the old Sumerian, Babylonian systems of words and terms and symbols and emblems that have been used to manipulate the whole human race. Because our masters don't give a damn about you or your family or, or your destiny with God, all they care about is what they have always cared about, and that's controlling the whole damn world. Somewhere along the line, we're going to discover we've been had, if we haven't already figured it out. I want to show you how the planet Saturn, the Saturnalian Brotherhood, the worship of the planet Saturn, <coughs> Saturn's color was black. The black, uh, all, each one of the gods and each one of the planets were associated with a different color. Green was associated with Venus and that's why today in Islamic countries today you will see all of their flags and halotry in, in Islamic world are in green. And you'll see the crescent with the star. Many people think the crescent is the crescent of the moon, but it is not. According to the actual uh, research documents, <clears throat> the crescent on the Islamic flags is the crescent of the planet Venus. And the star represents Venus. It is a religion that is based on the worship of Venus, but which has incorporated the Saturnalian philosophy in it. So, like all the other religions, it is also a very eclectic religion. <clears throat> uh, we hear that God's name is you know, Yahweh. Let me tell you something about Yahweh. I mean, I've spent 42 years looking at this stuff, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm amazed at how many people don't even begin to know what these words mean. Yahweh is not the name of God. Yahweh in Hebrew is an expressive term. It's expressing something. It's uh, describing something. It's not, a, it's not a formal name of God. Yahweh in Hebrew simply means, and the best way to explain what the word means, is to take a garden hose and twist, hold the, 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 the end of it, turn on the water, and you feel the pressure building up. When you release the hose, it's a release of pressure. It's a release of energy. In the Hebrew, in the ancient Hebrew, the release of dynamic energy was called Yahweh. And it was always associated with sex. It's the building up of the sexual urge and the releasing of sex in the sex act 
was referred to in the ancient Phoenician Canaanite system as being one with Yahweh, the explosion of divine creativity. That's why our Jewish physicists have told us the universe came into existence by a big bang. The ancient Phoenician Canaanites said that the women should listen to their god Saffron. They always knew Saffron had rings. So they said the women should listen to their gods. So women were, women were to wear ear rings. Men were to get married before their gods, so they were to wear a wedding ring. Kings were to get uh, crowned before their gods, so consequently they would have a round crown, the corona. The ring, Saturn is the god of this world. From that we get the dark side of the force, Darth Vader. Remember Darth Vader with his Nazi helmet speaking through the Masonic Triangle? Somebody better do their homework. This stuff is fascinating when you get into it. In the ancient Phoenician Canaanite system, when it finally <clears throat> bled into Europe thousands of years ago, it formed what we, what we call the Celtic Druidic system. The Celtic Druidic system uh, had its origins in the old Phoenician Canaanite system. That whole area we call today Israel and Lebanon, that was called Phoenicia Cana. And consequently, that whole system of the Canaanite religion uh, found its way into Eastern Europe and then into Northern Europe <clears throat> and formed the basis theologically for what came to be known as the uh, Celtic Druidic system. The Celtic Druidic system, one of the most important symbols, and some of you have heard me say this before, one of the most important symbols in the old Celtic Druidic system was a magic wand, like Merlin the magician with his magic wand. That's Celtic Druidic. Magic wands were always made out of holly wood. Okay, and they're still working their magic on us in Hollywood. Consequently, we go back to Yahweh. I mean, have you ever wondered why we call God the Father? You ever thought about that? I mean, women, uh, some of the women's liberals were saying could be a God the Mother, you know. I don't know. But the point being is that why do we call God the Father? It's because of rain. Rain is why we call God the Father. And consequently, the idea was that the earth was our mother, mother nature, mother earth. And mother nature gets impregnated with God's, the Father's sacred fluid that comes and falls on the earth and impregnates mother nature because everything grows. And so once a year, there was a celebration of Phoenicia Cana when the spring rains would come. And consequently, the, the Phoenician Canaanites knew that the rains were coming and it was going to bring a whole new life to the earth. So consequently, they had, a, they had a celebration of spring and it was called the Marriage Feast of Cana. The Marriage Feast of Cana. And this is in the Bible. As I said, that there are many things in the scriptures that are hidden right in front of you. And if you don't know what they mean, you don't know where they came from, You'd be surprised when you begin to look at where these stories come from. 
the whole idea of the marriage feast of Cana was Mother Earth, Mother Nature, asked God's Son, our risen Savior, and of course the Son is your risen Savior. As a matter of fact, if it don't come up, we're dead. So consequently, the Son was our risen Savior, and, and so Mother Earth asked God's Son to draw water. The water is drawn by the Son, so it can, grow, it can fall on the grapes, and the grapes can be made into wine, so it changes water into wine. And this is, goes back to the old ancient Phoenician Canaanite. And even the Jewish rabbis will tell you that. Consequently, there are symbols and ideas and concepts in government which are put there purposely to mislead, uh, mislead you. There are symbols and ideas in, in, in all of our systems purposely to mislead you. And I'm saying that even the theological basis for what we think we're doing has also been misled and until such time as we get it right we're never going to have that divine protection that the universe offers you when you're doing it right and again what I do is not to offend anyone but I want to show you how these things have crept into our modern day society our international banking cartels which control, finance, and organize and direct all of this corruption, wars, and bloodshed, and we're all well aware of that, but most people don't know that international banking cartels go back to the Vatican. The Vatican, as far back as the 5th, 6th, and 7th century, was the power of Europe. The Vatican dominated Europe, and Europe dominated the world. Even Uniform Commercial Code, the international banking codes of the world, are based on Vatican canon law. I mean, that's why when you walk into a courtroom, why do you have to go to court? Anybody ever wonder why you go to court? I mean, you play basketball on a court, and you play tennis on a court. The whole idea in a court is to put the ball back in the other guy's court. That's right, it's just a game. Back and forth, they're throwing the ball back at each other, and the judge is there wearing a black robe. Blocked because of the planet Saturn. Saturn was the god of banking. That's why the, the judge sits on the, on the bench. Look it up. Look up the word bench. You will find the word bench is a Latin word for a bank. So the judge rules for the bank. He don't care who's going to win or lose. Somebody's going to pay. And he's going to get paid. What does he care? Okay? So consequently, the judge rules for the bank. He sits on the bench. The whole idea is you're in court to play ball back on the court. How do you play, how do you play uh, tennis on a court? You play with a racket. Why? Because the whole thing is a racket. They're using terms and symbols and emblems. And they're playing on you. You know, a lot of people think, well, these are just play on words. Don't bet on it. We have something called the California criminal justice system. Criminal justice, not American justice system, not the people's justice system. It is the California criminal justice system. You think that's by chance? Think about it. You think that the government makes mistakes. The only mistake is that you're thinking that they're making mistakes. These guys know what they're doing. When they say criminal justice, they know what they're talking about. The criminals are in charge of the justice. That's why it's a criminal justice system. Okay? <clears throat> and if you go back into the most ancient times, and this is a subject I've always loved,
you know, of all the amazing things that the highbrow crowd at the Davos World Economic Forum has discussed on their annual agenda of talking about what to do with us, that's us, the people they get together once a year to sit around on a stage and chat about as if we're zoo animals they've been distantly observing that are completely segregated from them somehow, maybe like on a totally different planet, and them as in the people who the rest of us never voted for, and most of us never even asked their opinion one single time, but seem to make an annual habit out of discussing what's to be done with us as if they've unilaterally decided they're just in charge of that somehow. Just chatting it up over there with the finger sandwiches and the Perrier talking about things like mind control. What we're trying to figure out is how to decode the signals of the brain. A future where elites own us through our biometric data. Control of data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Uh, maybe the most eye-popping thing that we've personally heard over the years is this concept that in a few years from now, actually, we're all going to just own nothing and like it. On a quick aside, I don't know if you've seen what's happening out there with inflation, but the cost of living has gone to face-palming your head through a cactus level of insane. Wall Street Journal and others are publishing stories about how entire neighborhoods of single-family homes are being bought up at 20% over cost to either be turned into renter blocks or to sit around empty with price tags that laughingly price the average person just right the hell out altogether. So... This country is being not so slowly turned into a giant land of permanent renters. I mean, here we've seen home costs go up at least threefold. And they got these dinky little houses with closets for bedrooms that shouldn't even be worth $100,000 being sold for $400,000 like the people who own them know literally no shame. I mean, we personally found out earlier this year just how little stability and security renters in this country actually have, because we'd lived in the same home for three years, and we'd always paid our rent early, or at the very least on time. And we were just up and kicked out with hardly any warning at all. And that's something as integral to living your life in this society as a home is, or at least a roof over your head. So you could probably better understand why we laughed our asses almost clear off when this Scandinavian lady gave a WEF presentation a few years ago talking about how everything is going to be rented in the future, right down to something as basic and small as a screwdriver to screw a screw into a wall. Why do you want to own your cell phone? I mean, you want the, you want the function, you want the service, right? Why do you want to own a cell phone if you can just lease it? And if you lease, why, why shouldn't you lease your refrigerator or your washing machine or your dishwasher or why do you want to own it? I mean, it's not like the plastic in the middle. It's like, you, I own it. You know how much a car drives? How much of its life? 4%. Or if you take a drill, it's used 15 minutes. It's not a lot, is it? And most of us, we, I know there are some guys here that really love to own a drill. 
Um, but for the rest of us, we just want a hole in a wall, right? Why don't you want to go into a business model where the company owns it? Why don't you want to go into a business model where the company owns it? Where the company owns want to go into a business model where the company owns it. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you just want to go into a business model where you literally don't have anything at all? I mean, you know, it's like your body. You don't really need your DNA, right? Like, you don't really need the stuff in the middle. You just want the walking, talking machine, right? So, like, why do you even need to own that? You should just let the company own it. You should just let the companies own everything. They should just be, like, the new monarchs of the future. We just let them own us and everything else, too, and we should literally have nothing at all, so that the power dynamic is absolutely 100% zero in our favor. That makes so much sense. That is brilliant. That Why didn't we all think of that? Why didn't we all just think of being slaves to corporations? thing is, we've been talking about the authorization future for a long time on this channel. It just isn't as sexy a topic as aliens and UFOs, so it tends to make some people's eyes glaze over. But you can really start to see it happening out there now. The future we're talking about isn't based on some one-time authorization no, either. It's Mealy Blackheart social credit is about so continual reauthorization. So it'll be about oh, the maintenance of your yeah, right, right there, yep. That's pandemic in the last two years. They can easily shift the way society conducts its business and force people to use technologies they otherwise wouldn't choose to on their own. Because that's already been happening. And this is all a part of what's been deemed the Great Reset, right? The main ad for Meta also has that theme, the Great Reset theme, the death and rebirth of society at large, symbolically written all over it. I used to love studying classics, and the word Meta comes from the Greek word meaning beyond. Nothing you see in these kinds of commercials is accidental. If it's in the presentation anywhere, it's there for a reason, and you don't have to take my word for that this time. In a world where people tend to overlook symbolism as reading too much into things, if you point it out, Zuckerberg or someone working with him really wanted to make sure people understood that symbolism was being purposefully employed here. Because at one point in his presentation, he's sitting in front of a bookshelf, and of the few books whose titles are legible, you can clearly see he has a copy of Tashin's Book of Symbols prominently featured there on the shelf. So. Despite the fact that symbols can mean all kinds of things, depending on who you ask and why, we're going to go ahead and reference that book as he's clearly blinging it here as a go-to. So you have this ad that they've been, they put it everywhere. They put it at the top of YouTube. They put it in movie theaters. It's probably on TV. I don't have, but I'm assuming. And in it, you have this group of millennials who have just come from a room in an art museum where the art portrays the sun shining. In fact, the one on the right that's only seen for a brief moment as the woman steps out of the way actually shows a sun on top of a pyramid. There's actually a presentation on the TED Talk uh, by a guy five years ago titled Atlantis and the Roots of Egypt, and he's claiming they've run all of this stuff through computer models and that the Great Pyramid at Cheops was originally crowned by a 2.7 meter gold sphere equivalent to the mathematical number E which was meant to symbolize the Eye of Horus that he theorized through his computerized mathematical models used to be used as a form of worship of the sun and the star Sirius. But I digress. These people are mesmerized by this painting that's in front of them of a tiger attacking a buffalo. 
And there's some really old folk tales regarding the tiger and the buffalo. There's a Chinese version, a Vietnamese version, which teaches how the tiger got his stripes. But personally, I'm guessing the reason this painting was chosen is more about the circumstances under which it was painted. It's entitled Fight Between a Tiger and a Buffalo, and it was completed by French artist Henri Rousseau in 1908. According to the Cleveland Museum of Art, Rousseau worked on the painting while he was in prison for fraud. And the thing is, is Rousseau himself never left France. So we're told that his inspiration for this tropical jungle scene was all done purely from his imagination after reading travel books and visiting the local botanical gardens. So what you have in essence is a man who's never been to the jungle himself, painting something purely from his imagination while locked in a prison cell. And that's the artwork they chose to introduce you to this meta, which I feel is more than a little disturbing. It's a life much like the one the World Economic Forum and its Great Reset describes for all of us in the future, where we won't really be expected to leave our homes for work or school or hanging out with family or visiting or, tr or travel. I mean, they're talking about that all the time now. But that's okay, right? Because using our VR goggles in the meta, we can go anywhere. You're going to really feel like you're there with other people. This is the dimension of imagination. But back to this commercial, there's a lot more going on here than just a tiger attacking a buffalo in the uncanny valley of oversized jungle plants and googly-eyed dancing animals. After these people venture out into the painting a little ways, they're greeted by an owl, which a lot of people know as a symbol of wisdom, but which the Taschen book that Zuckerberg owns points out is actually known the world over as the consort of death. And so we've got this book as well, of course, and the entry on owls talks about how they have extremely keen vision. Thus, it is not surprising that owls have become symbols of both acute awareness, the invisible seer in the dark, the bird of crafty skill that accompanies Athena, Greek goddess of civilization, protector of Athens, and of the stunning power of death mortal terror of the stealthy visitor in the night. In Germany and Eastern Europe, an owl alighting on a dwelling or barn is deemed to foreshadow an imminent death. And this association extends across most of the world, including, for example, the alliance in Native American mythology of the owl with skeleton man, the god of death. But as often the powers of death are also the powers of transformation, and the owl is symbolically bound to the renewal of life that is mythically implicit in death. Once the owl flies up, you see in the back of the painting that the sun is now setting and the moon is rising over the water. Again, the sun and moon are mentioned in Tashin as symbols of the eyes of Horus. So that would be the second time that's come up. In addition, the moon and the water are two very distinct symbols representing the subconscious mind. And in the water, we see what looks like a gate and the reflection of that gate in the water makes a hexagonal structure and beyond it, taking up most of the sky, is Saturn. The hexagon being an appropriate symbol for Saturn if you've ever seen pictures of its pole. In other words, it looks like we're being invited to the portal of Saturn. Now, Tashin's Book of Symbols only references Saturn twice. Once is a picture of Saturn devouring one of his sons with no further commentary under the entry for the symbolism of the mouth, as a reference to the engulfing jaws of death, as if Saturn is just going to devour us all. And the other is on the page for the entry on the symbolism of prison, 
which is now the second time prison has come up in this short ad. Here on this page about prison, it talks about alchemy depicting Saturn as the governor of the prison in which sulfur, the motivating spirit of both will and compulsion, was bound. Saturn is associated with lead, cold, and the darkest time of year, implying the weight of limiting circumstances by which our soaring aspirations are shackled. Kind of an interesting symbol to show us for a place where they claim we can do anything, right? Instead of looking at a screen, you're going to be in these experiences. And then it talks about the literal sense of what prison symbolizes and that at the bleakest level, it's nothing more than the soul getting trammeled, not only by incarceration, but degradation, violation, and false arrest. So that is the reference in this book in regards to Saturn. Manly P. Hall further elaborates on Saturn in his work, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. He says, To the initiate, the skeleton of death holding in bony fingers the reaper's scythe denotes Saturn, Kronos, the father of the gods, carrying the sickle with which he mutilated Uranus, his own sire. In the language of the mysteries, and this is in italics, the spirits of men are the powdered bones of Saturn. The latter deity was always worshipped under the symbol of the base or footing, inasmuch as he was considered to be the substructure upholding creation. Hall then continues with a few paragraphs of allegory regarding the mystery of human evolution of the spirit and souling matter that eventually becomes man and raises him to the estate of the gods, which sounds an awful lot like the promise of transhumanism. Shots of Saturn are also prominently featured in other meta-videos, including the main presentation where at one point a little girl and her grandma go into Meta and literally take a virtual trip to Saturn. Actually, I have to write this paper. Will you help me? Let's take a closer look. What part of the solar system are we talking about? Saturn. Just in case the symbolism hasn't been picked up on any of the other times it's been shown, which is a lot. An image of this moment where these two are staring at Saturn from the perspective of the viewer, which means the viewer is also staring at Saturn, was also sent out as the official announcement of the name change on the Meta Newsroom's Twitter account. And right after the name change was announced, too, just by the way, a hashtag went momentarily viral on social media, hashtag Facebook dead, because apparently the word Meta is pronounced like the feminine form of the Hebrew word for dead. And so that was going around the media as well. And just in case you weren't absolutely sure, I mean, this has really hit you over the head amount of confirmation of symbolism, repeated symbolic elements. Hey, are you coming? Yeah, just gotta find something to wear. This is probably the reason why Zuckerberg's wardrobe, because he's talking about how we can have all these outfits in Meta. His wardrobe consists of his usual black shirt and pants, but also a skeleton suit, just like the Native American mythology mentioned in Tashin suggests. and an astronaut suit, you know, for when you go to Saturn or whatever. So it isn't my abundance of symbolism, but former Facebooks that Meta will be some kind of digital door to the underworld. Well known in mythology to be a place where death and rebirth initiations are said to take place. And I just want to point out too, that these people in this commercial kind of look like they're being forced to dance against their will. I mean, I mean, take out this upbeat music and slow it all down a little and you tell me what's happening here because whatever it is, it kind of looks uncomfortable. 
And I get that they're making reality seem horrible right now so that nobody will want to deal with it at all. But unless they're just joshing us here, I don't understand how they're going to get everyone to just accept reality being replaced so we can all live in the Ready Player One trailer park and hang out in what my friend Amy calls these 90s PlayStation graphics. Truly, I mean no disrespect when I ask this, but are they hiding the real tech somewhere in the back and presenting us with something they came up with 20 years ago just to see if we'll bite? Because Tupac's hologram back in 2012 blows all of this stuff they're showing in the presentation away, and that was you know, 10 years ago. Heck, 70s Star Trek makes this look old, okay? And there's just something incredibly creepy about Zuckerberg talking about how much fun it will be for users to set stuff on fire and shoot people in the immersive virtual reality he refers to as feeling oh so natural in games they're working on for the platform like Grand Theft Auto. I'm excited to announce that the Rockstar Games classic Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is in development for Quest 2. This new version of what I think is one of the greatest games ever made will offer players an entirely new way to experience this iconic open world in virtual reality. Because I guess they want people to be able to smack a hoe, right? In, in this immersive virtual world that he keeps talking about how real it is. Onward. Pistol whip. Blade and Sorcery Nomad. Have you played Population One? I mean, yeah, I love the game well, so much. That for those who haven't, Population One is a thrilling battle royale. The studio behind fan favorite Arizona Sunshine. I love Arizona Sunshine. And that game basically got me and my friends through the first few months of the pandemic. That's awesome. Okay, I'm sorry. Just no, 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 no. This is. These people seem to have no idea who they are and where they are and what they're doing and who they're talking to at all. I mean, first of all, this isn't just some guy, but if it was just some guy and he was like, yeah, I played a video game for the first few months of the pandemic, nobody would be like, that's awesome. And that game basically got me and my friends through the first few months of the pandemic. That's awesome. This reeks of that thing where you work for a rich person and you have to suck up to them and make them think every single thing they do is the most amazing thing anyone's ever done all the time, which is extremely creepy when you consider who this man is, how much power he has and what he's trying to do here. But he is this person who's trying to do this here. And he's gleefully talking about how during the first few months of the pandemic, he was playing a first person shooter game of infected people during the first few months of a time when people were dying of infections. I don't know. It, it, it's just it's a stunning lack of self-awareness that just permeates this entire presentation in a way that's actually it's actually pretty comical and hilarious and would be funnier if this wasn't actually a thing they're actually talking about actually doing to us all. It's not like this fixes anything regarding inequality. That's the thing. Did you guys see that show upload? It's the one where the guy it came out it was it came out in 2020. So it was perfectly timed. And it's about 
this guy who dies and he, he gets uploaded into the cloud for his afterlife. 10 a.m. Breakfast is over. No, it's not even real food. And even there, when he ran out of credits, they stuck him in the crappy part of the program because he didn't have enough money for the digital four-star hotel that the rest of the dead people were hanging out in. I mean, it's like humanity didn't bother to solve the very real problems of insane wealth inequality, poverty, hunger, healthcare, all these things, right? So I guess screw it. We'll just all jump ship and go to Mars and hang out in Meta instead, right? As if those unsolved issues are the homework that's just going to get shoved under the bed and not going to come due anyway, right? It's not going to be following everyone around like shadow monsters wherever they go. It is. It's just going to migrate to these new places. Because it wasn't solved. It's not been fixed. Well, I think the uh, the sort of transcendent theme of all this symbolism from the commercial to the heavy-handed use of Saturn again and again, both in the commercial and the presentation and probably elsewhere if you look for it, is the fabrication of this new world. As far as I've seen so far, no one is really creating a truly unique, new, untouched world of imaginative possibilities. It's really mostly about recreating the natural world and then trying to lure people in to what is an ersatz. At very best, it's an imitation and in reality, possibly a very shoddy imitation that doesn't come close. And what this has to do, in my opinion, with the symbolism of Saturn is that it's very compatible with this concept of the reset they're claiming for society, which theoretically could be whole and complete and overwhelmingly good. But again, you've got ersatz programmers at the switches. It's almost as if they're just trying to contain a herd and placate people rather than really offer a new, better way, right? Things were really messed up in the system as it was. There's all kinds of problems. We have been duly critical of as much of it as possible, but none of that has been solved, as Melissa said. There isn't a true fix to that. There hasn't been a deeper analysis of how to rectify everything. There's just been an offering of a new place to go screw up digitally. And, and sure, there's lots of possibilities, but you know the mystery of Saturn surrounds the creation of everything out of nothing. Saturn is very much this death and rebirth place, but it's not death for death's sake, at least if you follow the Greek mythology, you know, it's death for the sake of a rebirth. Hades and the underworld, that's for people, that's where spirits go to hang out after they die and kind of evolve into a sorting out of the good and bad and Elysium and Tartarus and all that, but Saturn is more like an obliteration, a back to the primordial forces, Kronos eating his children and Uranus. Those were titans in the primordial state of, of reconfiguring the raw materials of life. And that's the type of death and rebirth that Saturn signifies, at least from what I have read, you know, and what I recall. And so in Arthur C. Clarke's 2001, not so much the Kubrick movie, but to an extent, the character goes and dies on Saturn and is reborn after a process, and that consequence is a necessary destruction of Earth 1.0, and then a rewrite, a starting over, and that's very frightening and looming. It could be for good or ill. It depends on who's at the switches, but 
I just don't trust these people. What I really see more than anything, and what we've seen in the last couple years, is being cut off from the natural world. I think that's what this multiverse, this metaverse really signifies, and that's what's kind of troubling. You know, it, it's not just Facebook and other people. This system has been forecast and predicted and promised for decades. Ray Kurzweil, among others, has been writing about this for many decades. It showed up in movies, this idea of this digital world and the merging of humanity and technology, but it is dependent upon, at least in their opinion, it's dependent upon cutting us off from the natural world because we're not good enough for that world anymore. We, the many, have screwed it up, not the few who've controlled things, right? And with that, just in the last few months and years, we've seen this Orwellian newspeak changing of definitions, a policing of thought. Policing of thought was directly discussed at the World Economic Forum just a few years back. They're actually talking about using technology to see what kind of feelings and deceptive or guilty behavior is behind certain words and activities. Are, you know, it's like a polygraph for your brain. There's a huge uh, government program now to increase measurement technology for neuroscience. Anything that is in current conscious awareness can potentially be decoded. Those certain forms of mind reading, I think, for the most part today, requires the consent of an individual. But if we could get to the point um, where either you can have an unwilling suspect or an unwilling individual having their brain decoded in some sense, mm. uh, you know, legal systems don't bake in any presumption that we can do that, and so there's no legal protections that could be afforded to you. And so mm -hmm. if you look nationally, internationally, at whether or not there are any human rights, if there's any uh, constitutional protections for something like freedom of thought or mental privacy or cognitive liberty, nothing like that exists yet. Personally, I think it's just a matter of time before there will be a portable brain decoding technology that decodes uh, language as fast as you can type with your thumbs on your cell phone wow. and um, and everyone will wear them because people have shown that they're quite willing to give up privacy for convenience and so we're supposed to separate from our language and our vocabulary and there's things we can't talk about even though they're happening in the real world and if you say them you get censored or penalized or just deplatformed altogether right and so mentally and physically, there are increasingly real barriers of our personal sovereignty. We are supposed to let them into our body and our brains and minds, and they're supposed to have access, but our access is cut off and our rightful ability to say, no, that's my body, my choice, and it's definitely my brain and my mind, my choice, that's supposed to be fading away. And, you know, what did the Matrix talk about? The desert of the real. Welcome to the desert of the real. Once the immersion into the fully digital takes place, if people allow it, if they go along with this and if enough people don't say no, and if they just go easily into the night, the real world becomes a desert, like a, a gulf across a chasm, the great, um, across the Grand Canyon, you know, and then everything is connected. We're all connected to each other and we're connected to every possibility on these little digital nodes and everything's possible all at once, except for the real world. People joked when critics were pointing out the United Nations conference back in 1992, the 
that one guy went to the meeting and he drew up a map and showed these are going to be the no-go zones. These are places where humans are not going to be allowed to go. And people scoffed. <laughs> That's ridiculous. People aren't going to be cut off physically from areas. What about now? Is there authorization that has to take place for you to even travel or physically go somewhere? Are we going to be really cut off if we don't toe the line, if we say things that aren't acceptable? Uh, it's disgusting. At the same time, there's this promise, anything is possible in the, in the new digital world, and that's what's going to fix the inequality because anyone can do anything. And We're the drivers and we're the co-creators in this metaverse. At least it's supposed to feel that way. But don't forget the 101 rule of gambling. If you go to Vegas, okay, try your luck, have some fun, but don't forget the house always wins. And in this system, you can make or do anything you can think of unless they don't like it, because then the programmers and the authorizers can bind you to just about anywhere. They can limit you to your own little blase box. They could put you in a digital hell or a prison. I mean, those possibilities are endless. Can and you imagine Facebook jail for Meta? I mean, it could be quite literal and quite immersive and quite real and feel endless. I mean, maybe that's worst case scenario, but it's creepy. The mystery of Saturn, why would they show Saturn? It is a pretty somber death and rebirth. Like Saturn is one of the ultimate steps in that Greek mythological universe. But the mystery of Saturn is that the creation of everything, all that we have, the cornucopia of everything comes out of nothing. It's an obliterated non-zone. It's the big zero. So how does something come from nothing? That's a mystery. How does a one come from a zero? Well, you can see where that fits in with the whole digital world. And this cornucopia is a paradox. Again, at least in these hands, it's an ersatz paradox because we're trading all that we have for a mirror world, for an image, for an imitation of that world, which is going to leave us with nothing. At least it could. Uh, of course, the natural world is incredibly brutal and nasty. Just out in the wilderness, you can meet your death very easily. But the possibilities are there for you to survive and for you to take control. In the face of, of the forces of nature, uh, no one's really to stop you from at least trying. That isn't necessarily true in an authorized world. Facebook's version of Metaverse is just one iteration. They're just the first ones to publicly show people what it might look like and try to invite you in and go ahead and set up your account and start with the games and it's going to grow from there. Gaming is how a lot of people are going to step into the Metaverse for the first time. But again, this is what Ray Kurzweil wrote about, I think, uh, in 1999 with the age of spiritual machines. Not only does he predict an overall acceleration of technology to an infinite level and a literal merging of humanity with technology such that we're no longer just a human species, but something else. But very much his vision of this digital world is not only all the fun things you can imagine and want to do, but a world where your digital assistant, your little personal program, not only gets to know you better than your partner or your spouse, but they get to know you better than yourself. And then the allure of that is supposedly 
going to become so satisfying that you wouldn't want to be with your spouse anymore. You wouldn't want to date people in the real world. Forget the dating apps. This thing is going to know all your little intimate buttons, the things that make you feel loved and turned on and all that kind of stuff. And uh, in Kurzweil's book, it grows from just at first being an assistant who can help you with remembering your calendar and when you have meetings to being someone that your spouse is jealous of and then you're distant from your spouse and then the divorce is just uh just an inevitability it doesn't matter because this person is falling in love with their assistant and all their fulfillment romantically sexually personally hobbies all of it is supposed to be fulfilled from this little bubble that just reflects you <laughs> What do we gain from cutting off real human contact like that? Why don't we just work on becoming human again? We're not always that great at it. I don't claim to be it. I feel very cut off in this world at times, but what are we giving up here? You know, there's certainly bad things in the real world. There's a lot of really bad problems. And I just, I think they're sidestepping the whole thing. And it becomes what Michael Crichton wrote about. And then they made movies about in the seventies and redid in the HBO, the West world, right? At first, they're going to create these sort of androids and digital uh, beings just for fantasy. You can go to the wild West and shoot them out partner, or you can go to Rome and engage in all their stuff. That's historical. But in the sequel, which was much cheesier, by the way, in Future World, which also was in the 70s, the replacement of androids really just became about replacing the population. It wasn't any longer about entertainment. It was about getting to people. It was like body snatchers. And they started with celebrities and influential people and journalists, but they were branching out to literally replacing and killing off the original analog versions of people until they had a programmable lookalike population one for one. Are we not basically talking about that in the digital world? I don't know if it's going to be like Bruce Willis surrogates movie with physical Android people walking around to shops and down the street, but in the digital verse, yeah. What you see on the left is an entirely virtual reconstruction. This gives you a sense of a future in which you'll be able to interact with another person's realistic avatar and virtual reality in real time. We already live in a, a mind that's inside of a brain that they already can't explain. And that's cut off by the senses. So your mind is never really in the physical world. So they figure double down, square root that, extrapolate that. So we have no connection with anything, no real connection with people, no real connection with the natural world and, and the forces there and just kind of a version of it. It'll feel like you're right in the room together, making eye contact. And that's before we're even able to fully understand the meaning, the deep energetic connection we actually have to this space that we physically live in, which I think is a lot more intricate than we've ever been told. I know you can probably hear it in my voice that I'm just a touch bitter after two years into the vid, but I feel like this sorry, sad ersatz consolation prize for the actual world we're being told we have to largely give up now because we're just too destructive and deadly a force to be allowed to really experience any of it firsthand is just not doing it for me. Not everyone wants their social media profile linked to all these other experiences. Gee, I can't imagine why. 
And I didn't understand it back then, and you probably don't remember, but in 2013 when we first started this channel, we had a video and, and an article discussing all these DARPA projects, because DARPA was doing experiments on better ways to measure levels of oxytocin in our bodies, which is a powerful hormone that acts as a neurotransmitter that Scientific American refers to as nature's love glue. And studies have suggested it hastens wound healing, it protects against stress, it enhances feelings of connectedness and generosity, which DARPA said were a matter of national security. But the levels of oxytocin in our bodies go up when we kiss and hug each other, which occurs because having actual human contact in the actual real world has actual positive effects on us. Effects that I seriously doubt can be genuinely replicated by strapping goggles to our heads that makes us think we're walking around in some digital cartoon. At least not this one that Zuckerberg is selling to us in a way that just feels so uncomfortable to watch after even the first 10 minutes, let alone hour, what, 17? A future where, with just a pair of glasses, you will be able to step beyond the physical world and into the kinds of experiences that we have talked about today. But will there be experiences? They're gonna unlock some pretty amazing experiences. From immersive experiences in fantasy worlds, cohesive augmented reality storytelling experiences. These are the most important experiences that you'll experience. That's why we experience experiences multiple times. Because this experience is totally gonna be an experience. Are you now or have you ever been experienced? Experience, experienced experiences while you're experiencing experiences. These experiences experience. Amazing new experiences. So the symbolic time of Saturn, uh, not just in the myth, but in the way that it's been celebrated uh, throughout history, both ancient and up to uh, recent times, Saturn's time is at the Christmas time. It's at the solstice of the sun when the sun is mythologically dead, right? That's Saturn's time to shine because, because the sun has gone to the underworld symbolically and darkness reigns and the world of everything under the sun, all that we are and all that we know and all that's already been done where there's nothing new, that is subdued and is a time when things are topsy-turvy and instead of the king, you know, the philosopher king, ruling over people theoretically mythologically the fool is king and the rules are reversed and it's it's a uh, foolishness and it's festivity and it's revels only for a time just in time for a reset for everyone to blow off some steam and then it's back to a new version of the rule of the king only it won't be the same sun this time you know metaphorically speaking sun symbolizing our our natural world the base reality Base reality is not what they plan to deal with anymore. It does mean building more sensors into a form factor that's comfortable to wear for a while. And maybe the creepiest part is the end of the ad when the tiger and the buffalo say, this is gonna be fun. And they give each other that super shady side eye, like they totally know something, they're in on something and know something that we all don't. Just you. Just you wait, huh? 
fascinating video. Uh, fantastic work by Aaron and Melissa Dykes of Retrieve Stream Media. Um, just uh, absolutely fantastic. I wanted to get into a bunch of symbolism in regards to Saturn, but I figure we'll do more of a deep dive into Saturn for anyone that's interested. I'll go into some of my texts here. I have, you can see all these books here. Most of them are on Platonism or myth or mythology and occult practices and all that sort of stuff. Vedic scriptures, and a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Pineas and play, yeah, as well. Vedic cycles, <laughs> lost science of money, Gorosh Asherbach. Yeah, I got a bunch of crazy stuff. But for what it's worth, I wanted to get this on the record. Just this comes from Will Durant's uh, The Story of Civilization, this third volume, Caesar in Christ. And just looked up the term Saturnalia here. And just get an idea of what the Saturnalia festival actually was. They didn't go into any sort of detail about that. They went into other detail about the specifics of regarding Kronos and, you know, the sort of his relation to being time and karma, eating his children, the juxtaposition between the spiritual and material world. But they didn't get into the actual ritual of Saturnalia itself. So this comes again from Will Durant's uh, Story of Civilization. I'll just read this very small section here. Now, Saturnalia ran from the 17th to the 23rd. They celebrated the sowing of the seed for the next year and commemorated the happy classless reign of Saturn. Gifts were exchanged and many liberties were allowed. The distinction between slave and free was for a while abolished or even inverted. Slaves might sit down with their owners, give orders to them, rail at them. The masters waited upon their slaves and did not eat till all the slaves were filled. These festivals, though agricultural in origin, they're actually um, fertility rites, to be honest, remained popular in the cities and survived through all vicissitudes of belief into the 4th and 5th centuries of our era, meaning they permeated into the, the early beginning uh, Catholic era. Their number was so confusing that one of the prime purposes of the Roman calendar was to list them for the guidance of the people. In an early Italian custom, the chief priest had convened the citizens at the beginning of every month and named the festivals to be observed in the next 30 days. This calling, Clatio, gave a name to Calendae to the first day of each month. To the Romans, and in, as in some measure to modern Catholics or Orthodox Jews, a calendar meant a priestly list of holidays and business days interspersed with scraps of sacred, legal, historical, and astronomical information. Tradition ascribed to Numa, the calendar that governed Roman chronology and life till Caesar. So I thought that was a very interesting sort of um, overlay of why the calendar system was developed. And of course, this inversion in regards to Saturn, the idea that the sun literally is dying and darkness is reigning supreme, goes to the idea of these sort of, and then the sort of rebirth that takes place December 25th when the sun starts rising in the, the, the plane of the ecliptic again. Um, it doesn't stay, you know, dead. It doesn't stay at its fixed position for three days when it dies on December 21st of the winter solstice This all relates to astrotheology and shamanism and, uh, all these sorts of ideas. So personifications and anthropomorphisms associated with these mythological traditions, trying to describe both the inner and outer worlds and the mythologies of what they see and experience around them. So, The inner world, the outer world, there's yeah. perspectives. You know, macro and micro, yin and yang, they have to find balance. Can we find balance after intermission by watching Greg Reese report on the hundred yeah. year conspiracy? Yeah, we can finish. I have not that. seen it, but I, I suspect like... I might know a little bit about what he's about to talk about. Let's see if he 
hits the nail on the head. He's got a hammer. Don't hit your thumb. Getting scrutinized by Rich's eye. Yeah, it'll be good. I think you'll enjoy it. He misses some things, but you know, he gets to some good things too. So I think you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised. And that's the first of the technology section there. We made it to the tech section. Luckily, the culture section is a little well. It's yeah, it's not worth it. Same old stuff, you know. Culture. We got a LD. We got it. Here we go. All right. Band on video. Band on video. There isn't a tyrant alive or dead who has any love or respect for individual rights. So when Americans are confused as to why their own government would ever try to harm them, they either don't understand the nature of evil or they don't grasp how priceless the Bill of Rights actually are. They are the bane of the globalist tyrants who seek to control all of humanity. We could trace this conspiracy of tyrants all the way back to the 18th century, but we'll begin with the year that gave birth to the Federal Reserve Bank and Big Pharma. In 1910, the Carnegie Foundation published the Flexner Report, which directly led to the shutting down of natural traditional medicine and gave way for the Rockefellers to patent and monopolize the medicine industry. That same year, Rothschild banking dynasty's Paul Warburg, along with high-ranking members of U.S. banking and government, met in secret to hatch a plan that would financially rob every single American citizen for generations to come. Fractional reserve banking was considered a scam for centuries. This changed in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Banking System. Fractional reserve banking became the norm, regulated by the Fed. The Federal Reserve was also given the task of managing the U.S. debt, otherwise known as inflation. The hidden tax where the Fed gets to bail out members of their criminal cabal while everyone else suffers. Meanwhile, their families created their own interest-free banks, utilizing what's known as a whole-life insurance policy and family trusts, keeping their own wealth safely out of the Federal Reserve System. A banking system that gave this cabal unlimited funds to wage war against all of humanity. In 1921, after years of meeting in secret, the Roundtable Movement, a group that sought to reunify America with the Crown and the Harvard Business School, merged factions to become the Council on Foreign Relations, a think tank allowing bankers and industrialists the opportunity to engineer government policy and discreetly undermine American democracy. In 1942, the OSS was formed by the cabal as an intelligence agency to fight the war. OSS member Alan Dulles went on to help create the CIA in 1947, who immediately began seizing control of the worldwide illicit drug market, starting with the heroin trade in Sicily. The CIA's reputation speaks for itself. They are the world's biggest drug cartel, overthrower of nations, and purveyors of propaganda and MKUltra. The globalist cabal has these intelligence groups in all of their nations, with no oversight, using them as a secret army to carry out their agenda. 
1944, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund were created under the guise of fostering global growth, followed by the United Nations in 1945. What they actually did was work together to violently seize control of entire nations. The World Bank trained people known as economic hitmen to make a simple offer to world leaders on their behalf. Either accept a massive loan designed to bankrupt their nation or be killed. And many were. The game is simple. Conquer by debt. The Federal Reserve banking system does it to every individual. And the World Bank and IMF do it to every nation. Once indebted to these crooked institutions, they lose control over their own destiny. The only difference between the mafia and this globalist cabal is scale. Starting in 1951, Henry Kissinger founded and directed the Harvard International Seminar. Funded by Kissinger through grants from private foundations known to be fronts for the CIA, the Harvard International Seminar was yet another group of globalist leaders coming together to discuss the future of a one-world government. The first documented meeting of the infamous Bilderberg Group was in 1954, but it would take the public 50 years to become aware of them. In 1955, the Bilderberg Group privately discussed plans for the European Union and the Euro, 38 years before their creation, slowly making their way into a one-world government controlled by their own interests. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. After they assassinated JFK, the agenda went into overdrive. Destructive leftist programs under the guise of welfare were deployed, making more and more people dependent upon big government. In 1971, the UN votes to admit communist China and expel Taiwan, lighting a spark that leads to world war. UN Ambassador George H.W. Bush accompanies Henry Kissinger to open up business with the CCP. That same year, a young Klaus Schwab, son of a Nazi industrialist and protege of Henry Kissinger, formed the World Economic Forum, replacing and expanding Kissinger's international seminar. The World Economic Forum is made up of a thousand corporate entities, represented by a consensus of a hundred the same exact entities that make up the Bilderberg Group, because they are one and the same. As the World Economic Forum, this group of power-hungry parasites goes public and gradually begins to normalize their agenda for world domination. In 1974, Kissinger drafts National Security Study Memorandum 200, wherein he calls for worldwide depopulation. And a year later, it becomes official U.S. policy. During the 1980s, the CIA sold cocaine to Los Angeles street gangs to fund an illegal war, while Big Pharma killed tens of thousands of Americans with AZT and lies. In the 90s, they began spinning the outrageous lie that the loyal patriotic American is a domestic terrorist while drafting more globalist policies such as NAFTA. In 1992, Klaus Schwab established the Global Leaders for Tomorrow School, later re-established as the Young Global Leaders. 
Attendees include all the major players of the COVID-19 hoax, the lockdowns, and the mandatory vaccines. In 1992, Bill Gates was the head of a computer software company. He attended Klaus Schwab's Globalist Leader Schools in 1993. And in 1994, he begins his life in scientific research and global health with the formation of the William H. Gates Foundation, which later became the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Gates's so-called philanthropic efforts revolved around human depopulation, genetically modified foods, and experimental vaccines. In 1997, Jeff Bezos's Amazon.com was the world's biggest bookstore. In 1998, Bezos attended Schwab's Global Leaders School. By the end of that same year, Amazon begins selling a wide variety of other products and expands sales outside of the U.S. After they felled the World Trade Center, their propaganda story of Saudi hijackers with box cutters was used as the catalyst for destabilizing nations creating armies of angry migrants and stealing away more American liberties in the name of security. You will and you are failing now. Your new world order will fall. Humanity will defeat you. The answer to 1984 is 1776. Thanks to a small group of alternative journalists, people all over the world began waking up to the reality that an international cabal of powerful interests are conspiring to destroy national sovereignty, the Bill of Rights, and anything else standing in the way of a one-world government. We are now witnessing their plans coming into fruition, the Great Reset, and Build Back Better. But before they can build back better, they must destroy. They must destroy civilization to the point that we collectively accept them and their tyrannical plans for global corporate governance as our only solution. They haven't won yet, but they are well on their way to victory unless humanity stands against them. For InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Another Damn fine report by Greg Reese. <clears throat> like I know about these topics. I've studied these topics almost 20 years. And yet there's a couple little things in there that I can learn that uh, embolden my search and uh, inspire me, invigorate me. Thank you, Greg. Actually, uh, LD, can we get Greg as a guest? Can we get him lined up for a Grand Theft World guest spot? And to see that report and say thank you, I'm going to offer you guys this. Because we didn't do any really big deep dives into books. Let me zoom out. Stealing Time, Steve Case, Jerry Levin, and The Collapse of Time Warner. This is a book by Alec Klein. This is a date of uh, first edition. Come on, give me a date here somewhere. 2003. 2003. All right. I'm going to take you to, because he mentioned Bezos. I said, oh, I got I got a Bezos reference for you. This is describing a meeting. <clears throat> this is the AOL executives, and they're dealing with Jeff Bezos. I'm going to start on page 158. When Meyer Burlow started playing with a hunting knife, Neil Davis knew there was a problem. 
Davis, an AOL advertising executive, was in the middle of giving a business presentation in mid-1998 in a small Seattle conference room where, when he noticed Burlow, his boss, fidgeting. Burlow, the head of AOL's advertising division, was bored. Not a good thing. It was a hazard to Davis's health, judging by the length of the knife that Burlow was tapping impatiently on the surface of the conference table. The blade was six to eight inches long, Davis reckoned from a glance out of the corner of his eye. It wasn't a hunting knife, Burlow later insisted. It was a pocket knife. <clears throat> let, let the record state a six to eight inches long um, pocket knife. Yeah, uh, Gerber so makes a, a butterfly machete that has a blade that's six or eight inches long. It's a hundred and thirty dollar knife. Yeah, six. I forget what they call like, it. That's like there's that, no like... normal person carrying a pocket knife right. with a blade six to eight inches long. Right. I have blades that are six to eight inches long. I'm hesitant to carry them off property because you can get arrested for anything wider than my hand in this state, like my palm, the palm. It's like four inches. All right, continuing. It's a big knife. All right, that is a big knife. That was my first thought, right? Wait till we get to this bezel. Here we go. Colburn, who was also in the room, didn't seem bothered by the glint of the knife. But the other person there, Jeff Bezos, the chief executive officer of Amazon.com, appeared alarmed. Now, remember, this is like early 2000s. He's nobody back then, really. They're, yeah. they're, they're about to show him how things work. Bezos's eyes became the size of saucers, Davis said. Things are not going as planned. AOL was trying to pitch Amazon, the emerging online retailer, on the benefits of advertising as goods on AOL's internet service. But Davis, a compulsive contrarian, had other ideas. He had always wanted AOL to buy Amazon. He'd even crunched the numbers, massaged the idea, and thought of selling off Amazon's warehouses to save money. He knew that the retailer, a growing force in the electronic commerce would be one of the online survivors. He wanted it to be part of the AOL universe, which is why Davis included the slide that Burlow and Colburn had explicitly warned him not to use. The one about how Amazon should be integrated within AOL services. Amazon, Davis explained to Bezos, should have its own tab, marking it clearly for all consumers within the AOL shopping section of the website. That's moronic, Colburn sputtered, then turned to Burlow. What the hell is he doing? Burlow glared at Davis, pointing the knife at him. If you don't take that slide out, he said, I'm going to stab you. Burlow appeared serious. He was not only pointing the knife at Davis, but he started approaching him with the weapon. Weapon. Bezos thought I was going to get stabbed, Davis said. He didn't, but he did shut up. And AOL went on to strike an ad deal with Amazon. Okay. So that's how. Wow. That's how Jeff Bezos got his comeuppance. Like, that's how he will rise the power story there. Just saying. It's an official book, New York Times bestseller, published by who who publishes this thing? Uh, Simon and Schuster. You've heard of them. Simon and Schuster. There you go. It's not conspiracy theory. <laughs> I'm a literate American who bought a book once upon a time, read it, and thought maybe that you would like that offering today. 
That's fantastic. What Happy Saturnalia to you. Mm-hmm. There you go. Little How the World Works 101. Now, if Bezos had brought a gun to the knife fight, he might have done better off. But he's definitely held by the short hairs. And he's a kept man, just like Zucker, Zuckerberg. First off, can that dude say experience again? There should be a drinking game. Every time <laughs> know, you hear Zuckerberg say experience. First off, you're not cool. And you haven't had any cool experiences that anyone wants to fucking share, dude. And just because you dressed up like Johnny from Karate Kid in your little metaverse ad, right? With this skeleton outfit, the Halloween yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not, not buying it, dude. Not buying it. And you're going to force feed it, I know, to everybody in the next generation you've won over. Okay. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it freedom. I think it's highly It's already happened. So I, I could show you examples. Yeah. Like people spend tens of thousands of dollars on digital. Leave products. them to Jesus, leave them to Zuckerberg. Either way. Like, like the multi, the multiplayer MMO experience, massive multiplayer online RPG systems of millions and millions of people have played. Like they spend I'm already busy with the game we're already playing inside know, this, whatever this place is. It's just like my point is they're already conditioned the younger generation to more than willingly accept the metaverse. Like this is just, it's just another them, layer of the inception. Yeah, it like is. just take That's people right. one layer deeper, they won't notice yeah. the fucking it's water another turning cage. off and the electricity stopped. <laughs> yeah, it's another cage. Ready player one. Yeah. Any questions? All right. So what else Metaphor we gotta uh clear from the slate here before we move on? Um some I'm good. I mean, if there's anything you see popping out, um, otherwise. Well, I under think- comedy, there was the LGB troll on the Bidens. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go there, yeah. The troll revealed. Did we we already that? we already kind of saw it. Oh, oh we, yeah, that was the, yeah. It was yeah. a okay. spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It was six hours ago. <laughs> U.S. births dropped the record low. Illegal immigration record high. New York citizens lost. Tim Pool talked about that. I was going to um, say CIA advisor warns civil war in the U.S. is coming. Yeah, we've been telling you that since like 2010. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on now. CNN staffer denies child sex charge. There's something about child. Oh, you know what? This this was dropping today. I didn't get on the show card, but elite child sex trafficking ring awareness explodes. A John Don report. Don't it, worry, it dropped- Tony. The FBI's got that handled. Man, he goes. According right. to reason.com, that the FBI was running 23 deep web, dark web child porn sites for the purposes of catching all those people. Yeah, honey. So pots, literally, sure. in the words yeah. of Ethan Klein, you don't even have to think about it. Well, how nice of them to be dealing They're with They're on that, it. That problem. And reason.com, look up that article. Serious evil. <laughs> the only thing I could think of that we wanted to play, there's a, we kind of showcased enough Paul Joseph Watson. We had a funny thing about the Great Reset. Um, basically, there's a fact check that the Great Reset doesn't exist. And then he, he pans to all these world leaders to saying Great Reset and how it's a great chance to, uh, you know, but I think people in this, we already know about that. It's just, it was a good video. It's like, there was a minutes. comment last week uh, to one of the videos we posted. And um, it was, uh, maybe it was my, my video with Ricky or with John Bush, either Ricky Verandas or John Bush. There was a frame in there from the red pill expo. And there's like the group photo of all the autonomy graduates. There's like three dozen of them. Right. And someone said, I always thought you were short, but clearly since you're the tallest person in the picture, you're not right. Well, Paul Joseph Watson is another one of those people that you don't know. He's, I always thought of him as like his little little English dude. I thought he was right? a little English dude. He's too. like 6'3", 
right? Or like Rob too. I always thought of him like, you know, but when I met Rob do in person, I was like, he's like Chewbacca. He's he's a big dude, man. He's huge. Yeah. So there's a lot of tall people out there. So if there's a the unknown tall people of the freedom movement, I'd be at the shorter end. <laughs> All right. So who do, we, we're tall. who do we have to uh thank on the way to seeing this LD uh uh well we don't have to cover this last uh part. let's see. Who there was um there, I'm gonna pull up there is some sort of dumb funny video. I'm thanking anyone who's watching it live right now or watching the replay this far because you've like uh, prioritized your time accordingly. Very well played. So we have 45 on Twitch, four on Facebook, one on DLive, and we still have 166 watching on uh, Rockfin. And I think, do we have a couple? We still have a couple on the, the Skype. Felix Rodriguez or, Skype, or uh, Jules Kroll? Uh, that one's offline. It's just YouTube. I'm going to kicked or something. So. Well, oh, we'll no, see really? what happens with that. We'll see what happens with that. That's, it says There's offline, more, but... more YouTube pirate sites popping up all the time. Yep. Um, can't stop the pirates. Let's see if maybe I, that's some, someone sent me some funny videos. I have too many tabs up and I'm so tired. I'm, I can't find them. So what we'll do is we'll just see if we can get a quick JP Sears to lead us out. Maybe. Yeah. Did I've got anything? one of those, uh, white house okay, message okay. of death and illness <laughs> seasons greetings. We can play that. And then, uh, just real quick. Thank, <laughs> thank the Rockfin supporters, Dallas, 333 Crows, Chelsea, Nicholas, DM, Laurie, Fabrizio, Emily, BG, Dallas again, B1, Matt, and TCAN. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Hope you all enjoyed a nice Christmas and Boxing Day with your family. And we'll see you in the next year, technically, right? So that's... Yeah, yeah technically. And I say, sarcastically, after 60 episodes, have you nothing better to do with your time? Come on now. <laughs> Seriously, though, I'm looking forward to 2022. And uh, at least what they're doing is becoming more and more transparent. Yeah, right. exactly. Two years right. ago at this time, the world was like on a precipice. No one knew what was going to happen. And then a year into it, we're like, we're pretty much. And now we're like, okay. So even, even Newsweek is starting to get what's going on. Right. So if we just keep doing what we do and churning out these little waves, they turn into big waves on the other end. And then we get wavelets back from like Newsweek saying, Hey, we we're talking about the thing you guys talked about two years ago. And we Great. appreciate and love awesome. all the support. Um, those who frequent our work, patronize our work, either subscribers or non-subscribers. We just appreciate those that give the time, give your time and energy to um, viewing our work and finding value in it. So thank you very much. And, you know, we really appreciate. And we really appreciate the people who participate in the town hall. Oh, I enjoy yeah. listening to that. I mean, I participate a little tiny bit, so don't come there for me. Go there for the conversations that happen among the members of, you know, the, the people that listen to the podcast at the level where they support the podcast are not just passive. They're actively participating in developing and they're also growing community and networking skills. There's a whole bunch of other things going on as far as like, you just can't listen. You have to be able to learn how to communicate this to other people effectively. I think Greg Reese's presentation is an excellent summary of that. Like there's yeah. a, like Jordan Maxwell has been talking about that, that topic for 40 years. Oh, yeah. G Edward Griffin has been talking about that topic for 50 years, right? 
And so now it's becoming more and more right. Yeah, there's absolutely. There's a lot of trailblazers who pointed out these things. Patrick Wood since 1976, trilaterals and Bilderberg and the Rockefellers and depopulation and technocracy. Right. So there have been people earlier, but now it's seeming to catch a little critical mass. And as as someone who's been watching this like almost 20 years now, I'm happy to see a little more critical mass. They're trying to extinguish freedom, but freedom's on the rise at the same time. So as their uh, empire crumbles under its own weight, I think self-reliance and autonomy should uh, be the, the style going forward. I agree. And let's just give a quick shout outs. Liberty Radio, Monday nights, James and Phoenix. They mix in some music with some topics that we can't cover just due to timing that either on the show card or something that, you know, aligns with our work. Um, so they do an incredible job. I think it's Monday nights at seven o'clock and then Tuesday night town hall, seven o'clock. As Richard said, the past couple town halls, I think went seven hours, seven and a half hours. Yeah, Please this isn't ask- about like listen to everything we do and don't right. don't consume anything else. But like the town hall is a totally different thing. Well, last than week I just Grand Theft to- World is, but it's people who appreciate Grand Theft World talking amongst each other about a variety of topics. And what I find from listening to those calls is ye in the audience can be pretty highfalutin intelligent too. So it's, yes. it's really interesting what happens on the town halls every Tuesday. Incredible discussions. You've had incredible and very um, respectful debates and disagreements, as well as just a lot of really great discussions. Yeah, that's a great last, thing. It's not an echo chamber, definitely. No, it is not. And uh, last week we had uh, Tim present on the sort of CO2 myth. He's a scientist. He was an avionics engineer for the military, and he went into the whole bullshit in regards to carbon dioxide and anthropogenic global warming. And he's doing it to refine his own skills. I gave him 10 to 15 minutes to just present. And he's trying to sort of condense it down much like Greg Reese had done and, you know, uh, figure out a way to capture that universal, that essence of what needs to be communicated and can be communicated to a lay audience. So, you know, he was appreciative of that. And those who have, um, you know, uh, different insights or specializations you're always welcome to present you know come to me and we can talk about presenting that refining your skills a little bit on the town hall and especially if it's something that you can uh that sort of jives with what we're attempting to do with grand theft world and the content that we produce and comment on so and remember to support brandon because the let's go brandon campaign is really about my dad got a shirt let's go brandon yesterday i was like one of the big gifts he was super happy about I was wearing it on Christmas day. I wore, I had, I had a let's go Brandon t-shirt an autonomy sweatshirt. And then I got a USA, uh, Mike Eruzioni 1980 hockey Jersey, uh, nice. as a Christmas gift. So I was wearing it on Christmas and you too can get one of those. It's very affordable for that Jersey. It's like 40 bucks and it's got a fight strap and everything. So jerseys, they, you know, they charge 250, 250 bucks for a real hockey Jersey. For some reason, there's a bunch of jerseys floating around right now at good price on Amazon. Nice. Don't frequent Amazon though, just because I said that. But if you're there already, get yourself that jersey. Yeah, fucking Amazon. They sort of or Jim Craig. He's a heck of a goalie. And always remember, Tony, you're too young. What year were you born? Uh, 1986. In fact, today's my birthday. Right now is my happy birthday, birthday to Tony. Yeah. Yeah, LD, no, do we have a happy birthday song? We did not have. We do don't. While you cue up the happy birthday song, I'm going <laughs> to tell the story. So you guys know about the Miracle on Ice, 1980, six yeah. years before Tony was born. Apparently, uh, Miracle on Ice, United States beats Russia. 
So my question is, who did America beat in 1980 to win the gold medal? So that's interesting because I remember, wasn't it the semifinals that they beat uh, Russia? That's right. That's right. Yes, yeah, so I so do I know can, that, but I can't it's remember. It's either Finland or Sweden. I, I thought, yeah, I was going to say one of the Scandinavians. I think it's Scandinavians Sweden. Won, yeah. Yeah, but could have been Finland. Anyway, hockey trivia. Did we find happy birthday yet? I gave you three seconds. We all yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> can we take the, um, the John Henry Hall happy birthday that he oh. sent to me a couple months ago and put Tony's name in there? find that Sent people reaching for their volume switches all over the world with that. That was one. a good wake up. No, that was well that was well played. <laughs> well, thank you guys very much. And uh appreciate, you know, all well I know, I know you're asking for world peace for your birthday, so I hope you get it. And uh and happy new year along with that. Yeah, you too. Happy New Year, guy, everyone. Boy, it's and, a tough uh, one having a birthday a day after Jesus. How do you compete with that <laughs> shit, dude? It's a tough one, bro. A tough one to do with that sun that two days after jesus technically i mean if you want to get technical we could get like, technical it's not having anything to do with his birthday <laughs> right exactly. that's what i love about it my my cousin has a birthday on christmas and we always get a good picture she has a birthday on christmas and i have one two days after happy rebirthday to you <laughs> i was supposed to be a christmas baby but i came two weeks later so 7th of january for me you're closest there isn't lucas oh well yeah. uh yeah my wife's is, is uh the 8th of january oh uh, really and i forgot about that same as elvis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go that's right elvis oh my god a lot of january <laughs> baby and speaking of that elvis has left the building that's so elvis used to do so many encores that that's something they used to have to say at these stadiums these arenas back in the 70s like they kept like and they're like, no, seriously, the dude has left the building. He's not coming back. Please go home, you crazy Elvis fans. Like, I can see 67. The six, yeah, it's a real thing, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because in like, Pittsburgh, it's a saying. When the Penguins, you know this, you should know this. When the Penguins, like, get too many goals that the other teams, like, and they'd be like, and Elvis has left the building. Yeah, that means yeah. the game's over, dude. Yeah. When Lemieux's got his fourth goal and the other team's, like, you know, their head between the legs. That's the type of thing they would say. But Elvis's 67 comeback special, primo. But oh. the 70s is just a fucking mess, dude. Like the Colonel, the Colonel did a number on him. He was like the Colonel House of, of Elvis. Oh, man. Colonel. Yeah. Well, he was so heavy and all the drugs he was on. I mean, like I heard they were wheeling him out like towards the end of his, you know, playing career. Like he was so overweight. I don't so... trust the story of Elvis's death. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I trust, trust that he story. died. Because like, people kept seeing him, but I don't do that. But I don't trust like how many people made money off Elvis and who owned the rights yeah. and where did all that money go? Key Bono, 
Tupac, well, Biggie. He's a big this. guy. Like he, but it's still, you know, Manly Palmer Hurl, similarly. Oh, you know, amphetamines. He, Elvis was, he was hopped up since the 50s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wasn't just out there shaking his shit for nothing, man. Like yeah. that dude was like experiencing some new CIA found trucking. <laughs> was it uh, Alexander Shulgin's designer drugs, you know? They affect the various neurotransmitter pathways, all synthetic, but they'd never like 2CI, 2CP, whatever, all the 2C drugs. Anyways, yeah. But he's, you know, the CIA wasn't interested in that at all. Manly Palmer Hall was another okay. one that was, so, you know, ritualistically possibly murdered. All right. So I'll go that. to, uh, you just stop right there because I'll yep. show you the Manly Palmer Hall book. Oh, you that have is it? fucking marked up. Dude, like I have so much highlighting that. You forced but, me to read the end of that. It was but fast. what you said about that, um, the 2CI and that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. People don't understand. They sell these things in places like bodegas, mm-hmm. right? So like if if you take some of that and you don't look at arrowwood.org or arrowwood.com, I forget which the suffix is, yeah. but arrowwood is the place you would look stuff up and That's you can see what around. the effects of, uh, you know, and how long it lasts, all this stuff. Right. I had a buddy of mine call me like 10 years ago. He took arrowwood.org. something like that and it went like for 48 hours and he had crazy story and it like each point in the story, I kept thinking, how is he alive to tell me this? You know, it involved like, that drug it involved shoot playing video games it involved yeah. like shooting up his apartment holy shit he's a former military guy and then and then uh, his neighbor came over and saved him he's he's like bro and the dude was like hey i got him pinned down in the in the bathroom i'm all i'm all good and the dude's like bro the the sheriffs are outside they're about to raid your place you got to come out you got to stop shooting like he he you know he thought he was in metaverse he externalized the video game or whatever was going on cuz of that stuff and so the yeah. lesson is before you ingest uh research and then do the rest you know, <laughs> do, do your thing research but, and do right, the rest now, hold on it's arrowhead.org. I'll get it on the record real quickly. I forgot. I haven't been on this website well since the time I was doing lots of psychedelics. There you go. <laughs> a long there you time. go. And when I was, uh, you know, it, I didn't have act. There was no website for it back then. That's all I could say. I yeah. I was flying blind. Fly. All right, here you go. It's true. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll match the uh, the truth stream Titian symbolic research with. This book, The Life of Manly Palmer Hall. Look how many times are in this death. book. Oh, yeah, Can you guys see this? The crazy. whole book has crazy shit. He was use. surrounded by very strange and powerful people, yeah, especially towards the end of his life in Nicholas LA Rorick, when he had that metaphysical society, whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah. All those new age communities out in the 50s. Skull and, and Bones, and shit. Death Rituals. Eisenhower. I mean, they put him on a fruit diet and they had Masonic ants crawling lodges. out of his fucking mouth, dude. Like, it was when he died, it was like the, the yeah, whole it was thing rich. was... He, he got it was ritualistic. Yeah. Elvis yeah. Presley, look at this. Look, 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 look. look. That's some um, synchronicity right there. Oh, longtime fan of Hall's and owner of the secret teachings. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. His hairstyles and spiritual visions. Larry Geller Presley another... sent his then girlfriend, later his wife, for so to lecture by Paul. Wow. And another colonel, not Colonel House, and not the colonel that managed Elvis, because that was a different colonel that I was making fun of. It's that not about Lord Bacon. He played in the Garden of Eden. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, later that day. Geller said Elvis was steeped in the writings of a wide range of esotericists, including Heindel, Blavatsky, Pike, the Rorks, and Yogananda, Yogananda and Hall. Yeah. 
One day in the seventies, he went to PRS, uh, Philosophical Research Society, mm-hmm. to buy a deluxe edition of uh, Hall's Secret Teachings for Elvis. Geller That's recalled. At the PRS. When I got there, I told the secretaries for Elvis. Hall was in a meeting, but when he learned who it was for, he came right out and signed it. Later that day, I said, "Elvis, I got something for you." Geller said, and then the next time you talk to Mister Hall, tell him how much I appreciate this. I should have done the Elvis impression there. Anyway, Elvis started pointing out the symbols on the page and what they meant. These symbols are also on the money. Somebody give me a dollar bill. Well, anyway, well, that's uh, yeah, that's there's fast. your synchronicity for you. That's great. That's that fantastic. was unplanned. Couldn't have done that if we planned out the show. <clears throat> yeah, the whole ending of that, what happened to him and the people that were surrounding him. I also him. have, because uh, it, it says the Bacon Shakespeare connection to a spiritual destiny and the heritage of our nation. Mm-hmm. I got a bonus for you guys because you hung bacon. out. You hung out and it's like 4.18 a.m. here. Hold on. Almost 4.20. Hold on. Anyone got a joint or some oh. shit? Oh, it's my birthday. Where's my birthday weed? I got your birthday weed right here. Look at this. Secret Destiny of America by Manly Palmer Hall. First edition. Let's check this out. Boom. Nice. You got a first edition. Let's see. That's a book that people don't realize. I think they too often focus on the secret teachings of all ages, which is unbelievably fantastic. And I recommend it, obviously. But I can't skip over this book. This is really powerful. All right, so I got this is second edition, 1950. The theme and pattern for this book was first developed in a lecture given by the author at Carnegie Hall, New York, December 2nd, 1942, and aroused public interest in the subject, led to further research with enlargement and findings in the book form. So they got the origin of the seal of the United States. He's got a bunch of... I think the cool. funny thing about Manly Palmer Hall is after I think he released the secret teaching of all, of all ages, he was kind of forced into becoming a 33rd degree Freemason, from my understanding. <laughs> They're well, like 33rd degree is just used for their marketing department. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't an objective well, of the secret there's like society. three talks, sections. There's three categories on top of the 33 degree. Anyways, well, I'm that. sure there's lots of them, dude. Yeah, it's probably all, all uh, the satanic degrees. That's how that works. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, good little. When you're marketing for the people who move around the organized uh, pedophile network, you might be mm, with Satan. All right. So uh, we're going to wrap the show. Thank you guys all for watching, listening, looking up the links, clicking, considering, weighing the fact. We don't know what's going on. We do know that most of what they're telling us on TV is not true. So therefore we got to learn how to look for ourselves, find and critical think our way through these pathways forward to freedom. What do you got? There's just a funny comment in the one shot here from YouTube. I have Elvis. I heard Elvis faked his death and now he's playing Donald Trump. Oh, that was kind of funny. Jack Coy. They do have a similar hairstyling ducktail, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just uh you know you gotta enjoy the that's Duck late t- ducktail donald there yeah see, if the left was clever was they would have branded him like that instead of orange man bad or whatever <laughs> ducktail, ducktail donald, donald right <laughs> yeah that's funny yep. yeah he was an honorary freemason honorary can you know sort of decode what you mean by honorary there or what yeah meant by honorary yeah uh Anyways, so, thanks those, everyone. Those dudes are all about honor. Him and his buddy Epstein, they're all about honor. <laughs> getting honor and staying honor. Thank you guys all oh, for tuning in. Honor, That's the show. Talking. Peace.
Oh, good night, everyone. Thank you. Unvaccinated. We are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospital, they'll soon overwhelm. Hi, it's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Now, yesterday, the White House released a very well-written holiday statement. But unfortunately, we've received huge backlash about what we said, with some people accusing us of not having any tact, being tone-deaf, fear-mongering, and being objectively evil. It's all just a big misunderstanding, so let me clarify any confusion. Our statement reads, We are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work in school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing, and we will get through this. Now for the controversial part. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals that you might soon overrun. Did Stalin write this? I think this is pretty good. Why doesn't everybody love this? Unfortunately, disobedient folks completely misinterpreted our statement, thinking we're wishing illness and death on the people. No, we're not doing that at all. We're wishing illness and death only on the unvaccinated. And they're not really people, they're inhumane monsters. So I think our mission is clear. If you're not obedient, then we want you dead for Christmas. Now, wanting a large segment of the population to die is part of how President Brandon is creating unity. He's so intent on unity that, as you can see, he created two different holiday messages, one for each class of citizen that he's created since taking office. Plus, we gotta get rid of the control group, don't we? These disobedient people are clearly holding our nation back from being unified under one hammer and sickle like we deserve. It's like they're acting out of love instead of acting out of fear. And love is nothing but dangerous misinformation. The disobedient are putting you and your family at risk by being happy and healthy and not getting sick and dying nearly as much as our business plan calls for. And they're living by the Constitution. The Constitution? That's the last thing we at the White House are going to allow to infiltrate our country. Protecting God-given inalienable rights? That puts everything in jeopardy that we and our global partners at Big Tech, the drug companies, and the World Economic Forum have worked so hard to put into place. It's actually been a pretty uphill battle here at the White House to implement the plan. People aren't nearly as scared of the Omicron as we want them to be, so they're not easily controllable. Inflation isn't nearly as high as we want it to be, and President Brandon's Build Back Better plan just got killed. Like, now how are we gonna destroy our democracy? So here's what you can do to help our country that we all hate so much. Live in fear. Stop doing your own critical thinking, and stop trusting your heart and God. Those things will always mislead you, but we will lead you properly. Please trust us that you should be as scared as we want you to be, because or else we'll want you to die too. And with a little luck, you'll be stricken with enough fear that we'll give you our permission to celebrate the holidays. From all of us here at the White House, we're wishing you a great holiday season. And for the unvaccinated, we're wishing you a lot of illness and death this holiday season.
conspiracy is the story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at grandtheftworld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there.